Today's episode of the MMA Hour is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and an incredible 24-7 customer support. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code MMA at the checkout to get 10% off. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, April 25th, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani. Inside our New York City studio. Wow. When I said goodbye to you around 160 hours ago, last Monday, when we signed off, could you have ever in a million years predicted that the next seven days would turn out the way they did. I mean, honestly, I I talk often at the very top of this show that this sport is unlike any other, that covering this sport, that being on this beat, if you will, is unlike any other, at least in sports. Last week takes the cake. Last week was probably one of the most bizarre weeks in the history, at least the short history, the recent history of the UFC, at least since I've been covering it. And I've been, I, I've been around for at least eight years now, and, and I've seen some weird things. But this is, this is some kind of drama, my friends, and it continues to turn and it continues to get better. Wow. Who could have predicted it? Okay. In short, Tuesday, Conor McGregor sends out a tweet that he has retired. Later that day, Dana White says that he has been pulled from UFC 200. On Thursday, Conor McGregor comes out with a pretty heartfelt statement explaining why he was not interested in coming to Las Vegas to do all the media stuff, the promo stuff, etc. Friday, there's the UFC 200 press conference. They show up with an empty seat and Nate Diaz. Dana says at the top of the press conference that Diaz will remain on the show, will remain on the UFC 200 card, and then he says shortly thereafter that he is not interested in remaining on the card. Late last night, Conor McGregor says he's back on the card. Earlier today, Dana White tells the world, that's not true. What in the world is going on? It is a wild and wacky time. And oh, by the way, in the midst of all of that, John Jones' return looked somewhat ordinary, but won the interim light heavyweight title. He defeats OSP, the unanimous decision at UFC 197. And Demetrius Johnson, all of a sudden, is everyone's sweetheart. All of a sudden, everyone's saying he's the best in the world because he starched Henry Cejudo in the first round via TKO. What in the world is going on? And oh, by the way, Benson Henderson made his debut in Bellator on Friday and lost five rounds to none to Andre Koreshkov. That didn't go as planned. What in the world is going on? All right, let's make sense of it all. I can't wait for today's show. There is a pep in my step. This is big. We have a lot to discuss, a lot to get to. So let me run it down quickly and get to our first guest. I know a heck of a lot of you want to hear from him. At around four o'clock, we will hear from the newly retired, yes, I said the newly retired, Patty the Hooligan Hulan. He retired this morning. Shocking stuff. Patty Houlihan, who was supposed to fight in less than a month, in a couple of weeks in Rotterdam, his career is done. One of our favorites, we will talk to him and get an explanation as to why. At 3.05, Michael Page, Michael Venom Page, who was victorious on Friday night in Bellator, will join us in studio. MVP in studio, how about that? Yes, can't wait. 
205, the sledgehammer, Alir Latifi, will join us in studio as well. How fun is this? Two in-studio guests. What a time to be alive. 145, Daniel Cormier, the UFC light heavyweight champion who did a fantastic job on, uh, on the mic on, on, on Saturday night. He will join us at 145. At 125, Dominic Cruz will join us as well. How about that? Dominic Cruz, who was on everyone's mind on Saturday. Everyone's saying... uh, Everyone's saying that they want to see Demetrius Johnson fight Dominic Cruz now in a rematch. How about that? Dominic Cruz is going to stop by at 125. And in a matter of moments, we are going to be joined, my friends, by Conor McGregor's head coach, the head coach over at SBG Ireland, the one and only John Cavanaugh, who is coming on to make sense of this great world for us. Trying to connect with him. There is obviously... Oh. He is giving me a new number. His uh, old number, apparently. That's how big things are these days for that team. His old number is incommunicado. This is the soap opera to end all soap operas. I mean, Wednesday, when this was all settling in, was one of the crazier days of, of my career. And, and I'm not just saying this because I'm trying to puff my chest out, but doing 14 interviews about a topic that was still very much in the air was, was dizzying, to say the least. That's when we thought that Connor was retired. Oh, here we go. Whoops. Um, all right, I got to do this. This is great. Jeez. Uh, Just give me a second here. My eyesight sucks. Now you see me. This is live radio at its finest, my friends. What a way to start. Uh, you know. Try that, Eric. I hope your typing is quick because we are loaded. Back to back to back. Can't wait to hear from Dominic about Demetrius Johnson. Can't wait to hear from DC about where he stands regarding UFC 200. Will Daniel Cormier versus John Jones be the new main event for UFC 200? Will they figure this thing out with Connor and Nate? How about Nate Diaz showing up <clears throat> and, and, and flipping the script? How about Dana White using the fair excuse? That, to me, was the most shocking, shocking turn of events of all. Known him a long time, had the pleasure of covering him, or have had the pleasure of covering him for a very long time. Never thought I'd hear that one. Theater at its finest. Did I type this right? For God's sakes. Did I get it? My eyesight sucks. I really need to get it checked. Uh, Please talk to me. I guess I typed it wrong. All right, here we go. Let's go to line one uh, right now. He made me sweat there for a second. I thought his tweet was a sign of things to come. But yes, we do have him. The head coach over at SBG Ireland is here, Mr. John Cavanaugh. Here to make sense of this crazy world. John, are you there? What's up, Ariel? How are you? I'm doing great, John. You know, usually we have you on the show uh, before a fight, after a fight. But this time, we, we like I said, we need you to to help us 
understand what's going on. There's a lot of things going on regarding your guys. You are the center of attention. Everyone's talking about your guys. So let me start with the new news, and then we can work our way backwards, if you don't mind. Uh, What is going on as of late? Connor sends out a tweet late last night that he's back on, and now Dana White is saying that's not true. Can you you help us uh, make sense of this all? Well, I'll do my best. So I'll tell you what I do now. Okay. I do know that we we, uh, we left Iceland very early this morning, which I guess was that time. And we ended up getting separated. We went different ways. And um, I turned my phone on. I was with Gunny and, and Paddy Hulan. And things started going crazy. I saw this message. Now, I didn't know about this, and neither did his manager. So it was news to both of us when we saw it. Um, I haven't been speaking to Connor since because I've had a bit of a, cra- a bit of a day with Paddy, uh, as I'm sure we'll get to, um, and then uh, also getting Gunny settled into house here. So I presume I'm going to see Connor this evening in training and uh, find out the exact news. But uh, that's 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 how I heard about it. Well, when you separated, when you went your separate ways, what was the last that you heard that the fight was? off, that it was on, that they were working towards fixing it? Where did it stand the last time you spoke to him? Um, he was still like kind of positive that there was going to be good news coming, and um, I just see in there an article that uh, Connor being on the card would add $45 million to it, ESPN have, um, yeah. have estimated. Um, so, you know, there's a lot, I think, the, I think it's moving in the right direction. I'm not sure I I guess they're holding out for the John Jones and um, maybe DC too uh, to try and fill that spot. Um, I don't know what the latest on that is. I don't know if you can tell me that. Well, you'll tune um, in later in the but, show because Daniel Cormier will be joining us. How about that plug? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, this, this is the show to be on. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of positive momentum going in that direction. It, it really is. It seems to be coming down to um, maybe not ego is the right word, but but I guess standing for a point, but at some stage you've got to see that maybe it's pointless just to just to put upset so many fans that that want to see this fight and ignore the kind of numbers that are going to be brought in um, over you know uh, uh, and press conferences. I know are fun to a lot of people, but it is tends to be more or less the same questions asked every time and. Um, like I said in the article I wrote, uh, it's not the same for, for Connor having to travel halfway across the world as for his opponent having to go down, basically down the road to do these things. So um, there seems to be swinging in the right way, and, and we're, we're aiming for and we're training for 200, so um, I just hope we get some good news. You've been around this game a long time. Are, are you honestly shocked that it's gone to this point that they – can't seem to find middle ground, can't seem to figure it out, that it has turned into this with the empty chair and the back and forth. I mean, it feels as an outsider like this can could have been avoided long ago. Are you surprised that it's gotten to this point? Um, yeah, yeah, I am, I guess. Uh, maybe that's what it came down to was like a, a communication um, error. And maybe this could have been avoided with a couple of weeks out more more direct conversation between between everybody involved and and let's see if we could do you know have them there on Skype or you know the way the world is now you don't have to be physically at places in order to be involved in things. You did that video for the MMA awards, um, 
like I said, it's just, uh, I don't know what this obsession is with, with Vegas, you know. It's, UFC is a global sport. It's not a Vegas sport. And I don't see why everything has to be done there, especially when one fighter who's beginning a 12-week training cycle has to really mess up a couple of weeks' worth of training. Um, so I, I really hope that they can, um, because of his, his past goodwill he's built up with taking all these late-notice fights and never never causing a problem with them and, and, and generating so much money and being such a, a large, charismatic character in the, in the show, in the UFC, that for, for the sake of one half-hour press conference, they can't let what would be a fantastic fight and one that everybody's excited to see happen. Okay, now let's start at the beginning. As his coach, as one of his closest friends, when did you find out that Connor was sort of being summoned to Las Vegas, that he was required to be there? When did this all start for you? Uh, so last, we've just come back from seven days in Iceland. And then before that, we were seven days in Portugal. So we've been basically on the road for two weeks now. And uh, it was the beginning of the Portugal trip that uh, I started hearing about this. Like, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't involve myself in a lot of the kind of um, media or management side of what Connor does. I, I'm, I'm just there for the training, and um, I have a big team. It's not just Connor, although everybody obviously is happy about him. But I do have a lot of fighters, and I have a busy gym, and there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on back home as well that I have to be involved myself with. So. I try to focus on what I can control rather than what I can't control. But I, I did start hearing about them wanting to do this in Vegas, and Connor and I guess his manager Audi were were kind of back and forth with them trying to figure out is there a way around this, or you know, um, can we reschedule it? I thought we were going to be out there for five weeks before the event, so why not do it during that five week period rather than having to add in, like I said, that that long, long back and forward journey. Um, just when we're starting our, our like real training for this fight, um, only to have to readjust again a few weeks later when we move out there for five weeks. So I thought there was I thought there was pretty good alternatives being offered, and then uh, you know New York was agreed to. That was no problem because that's it's a lot less stressful of a journey. You can kind of go over on Friday and be back by Sunday. It'd just be a weekend kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, everything was more or less being rejected, and uh, I guess the, the standoff came, and, and and there you go. Here so, we are. So it seemed like uh, the shit, as you will, hit the fan on Tuesday. Connor gets ahead of it, puts out the tweet that he has retired. Did he at any point ever really consider retiring? Was that like? Did he change his mind yeah, there? No, what that happened? was that was not a that was not a um, that was not a joke. Um, for tell you how I found out was I was uh, I was coaching in Mjolnir in Iceland and he showed up late for the session and I was kind of berating him a little bit, telling him to hurry up, get on the mat where we're started. And he went, "Oh yeah, I just retired." And I said, "Okay, well let's just do the session and then we'll talk about that." So we uh, we trained for a couple of hours. I, I we went outside. I turned on my phone and and I seen that he actually put it out there. Um, but yeah, he was he was. He was content to leave it at that. Um, so yeah, no, that, that was that was not a joke. And and as you know, again, as his coach and 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 one of his best mates, what, what was your reaction once you, you know, I know you went on on Twitter and everything, but he can't retire now. He's twenty seven years old. He has a lot more left in him. He's got a whole legacy to build still and all that. Like, did you try to say, wait a yeah. second, right, let's fix this situation? Were you the one that tried to help him out? 
Um, <laughs> I'm sometimes a little bit of the, I guess, the handbrake on his uh, <laughs> yeah. enthusiasm. Um, so, yeah, we had a conversation, something similar to that. Um, you know, I believe I felt a little bit rash, but uh, Connor's a very special individual, and, and these people that are extremely have extremes in in all arts tend to be have a mindset of it that's hard for me to understand, but that's that's what made him brilliant and and what makes him uh, interesting to follow. Once this starts to you know hit the news cycle, and Dana White goes on Sports Center here in the U.S. and says that he has been pulled from the card. There was an explosion. I mean, the, the the amount of retweets, fine, that's all well and good. But the amount of interest from the general news media around the world, to me, was shocking. It was stunning to see how many people were following the story. What was it like for you? I'm sure everyone was hitting you guys up as well. How crazy yeah. was it from your end on that, well, that Tuesday-Wednesday you, you, front? You saw that uh, when you tried to call me there, you couldn't ring me because I changed my number. Wow. I had the same number for uh, for. I've had the same number now for 15 years, and I changed it overnight because it was it was just too much. Wow! Um, I, I I couldn't turn on my phone, and I guess over the years you're the you're the first, and uh, will remain the only journalist that has it. Um, over the years, you kind of give it out as you're going along, and then suddenly I realized about 200 journalists had my phone number because they were all just. I, my, my phone, I couldn't plug it in because it would just ring and ring and ring until the battery died and then that would repeat. So wow. I had to uh, ring my uh, provider and they normally don't do it, but the the, the guy on the phone he heard who I was and he was like, okay, I understand where you're coming from <laughs> and I was done within an hour. So uh, there's about 10 people have my number now. <laughs> wow. But anyway, uh, yeah, so it was very extreme. I, uh, I'm used to the build up to a fight and I'm used to, you know, post fight and there's the same couple of people that call or the same couple of messages but this was it was networks in australia and all around europe italian tv uh, all over the states canada south america everybody and um it was uh, it was insane i guess that was uh, the only word i can use now in that piece that you just referenced for the 42.ie it's a great piece i suggest everyone checks it out you mentioned that you actually reached out to dana white on your own to try to salvage all of this yeah. when did you do that um <clears throat> i did it on wednesday okay last wednesday and, and i go ahead him. and what, what was he saying like what, uh, what yeah, what's no, he been? i just i just i just tried to uh put you know my my case across and sort of explain um like we're we we're doing everything different for this fight there's there's a really new approach to what we're doing uh, as you know I have a book winner learn and, and it's it, it there's no if it, I don't really mind losses it's I see it as a necessary step towards success and, and no matter what you're doing in life but only if you learn from the loss if you if you if you lose and you 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 don't see what went wrong and you don't make changes well then you will continue to lose whereas we very much uh, made a lot of changes, and we were starting. We we're in a really great place. Um, some new members on the team, and we were really hitting the ground running in Portugal, and we were getting some great stuff done. And it was just—it was—I knew it would completely throw everything off because this was a very structured layout where we'd never done that before. Our, our structure was Connor would just kind of sleep all day, and then sometime emerge in the evening, and then we'd drift down to the gym and do a lot of training. This was. This is kind of getting up at seven forty-five a.m. Wow! And I can't tell you how unusual that is, unless unless you know him as well as I do, and, and maybe people listening would know some of the, yeah, the stories about trying to get him up and such. And uh, he become this uh, this soldier. 
And I, I was, you know, I basically said, look, if we, if it comes down to the press conference or the fight, we've got to let this one go because I don't think it'll be his best version showing up. So I'd rather let that go as much as I want that fight than, than to kind of half-ass do it again. And yeah, maybe some cool uh, TV ad or, or whatever they were doing. But really, Ariel, is there anyone in the MMA world that didn't want to see that fight? Was there a need to spend $10 million on an ad? Like, uh, everybody wants to see that fight, and more. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if anything, at this stage, it's, it's grown even bigger. And uh, for me as a coach, it was, I said to Connor, I, I genuinely felt that if he'd have gone his whole career undefeated, it would have been great, but it wouldn't have been a touch on what I believe could happen with this fight and, and to show a real turnaround and to show his true character and how he deals with adversity and how he comes back and then go on a, you know, a really uh, exciting run. So like, I actually thought that this was going to be the biggest positive of his career, what was initially a, you know, a, a defeat. So he puts out that statement on Thursday and it, it sort of speaks for itself, but I'm wondering if you can tell us What's he like now? Because it's clear that, you know, he doesn't feel like doing as much media. He's been pulled in a thousand different directions, a million different directions. And and he pretty much stated his case as clearly as possible. It was a fascinating read. But as someone who's been conversing with him and seeing him, I mean, is is he mentally, is he there? You know, because you, you can't really tell from reading it, like, has he had enough? Is he on the verge of a breakdown? How would you describe his sort of mental state right now? Uh, no, he's in a great place. Uh, we did two two great weeks training. We did a really good week in Portugal, and then we did a, a great week in Iceland. And you know, we're there as well, obviously helping uh, helping Gunnar. And he's always he always gets a real buzz out of being in his company. Um, media wise, like I, yeah, I've seen that a lot of people message me. Oh, he's, he, you know, that's part of the job. And he's not against doing media. I mean, as, as much as any fighter is against doing media, he's not particularly or not a new amount against it. It was just at that particular time, that amount of travel and losing the momentum of what we were starting was, was just going to be detrimental physically and, and I believe psychologically as well. That you, you know, you're, When you're making that walk to the cage or and it's night before and you have, after weigh-ins and you're lying in bed on your own, you can't lie to yourself. You can't trick yourself into that you did everything that you possibly could. You either did or you didn't. And we just want to make sure that we we can do that when we're walking in. It's we've given it everything, and then you can live with the result, even if it's a loss. You can live with the result, but you can't if you don't. If if the truth is that that you know that you didn't do everything that you could have, and uh, so no, there's no. It's not like against the media obligations. And if 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 they had had a crew in, in Iceland, we would do our usual uh, job, and then you know give the interviews and let them fill on the practice. And I'm sure that was all going to come down the road. And then, uh, you know, five weeks out, we're in L.A. and to the TV shows and all that. It wouldn't have been a problem. But, but for, for anybody, any, anybody interested in sports science and knowing how you break up a 12-week uh, training camp and know how important that first cycle is, um, to have that pretty much ruined, it was, it was better to let the fight go as, as painful as it was. Did you guys watch the press conference on Friday, and and what did you make of it? In particular, the reasons that were given as to why they weren't going to bend, why they weren't going to make this fight, putting out the empty seat, even what Nate said, somewhat you know flipping the script on everyone and and siding with Connor. What did you and him make of the whole scene there in Las Vegas? Yeah, you know, much respect to Nate. Um, I think it's uh, he, he's a true he's a true fighter, a true warrior, and uh, you know he. 
can see that in Connor, and, and and as much as Connor can see that in him, there's there's a there's a lot of mutual respect between those two guys, and um, you know, obviously Nate, I'm sure could have probably named his own price to fight anybody he wanted, and for him to stand up there and say he was only interested in fighting Connor was was incredible. I'm not surprised because that's again, uh, uh, him and his brother are just like that. They they see they, they enjoy fighting a hell of a lot more than they enjoy the the even even the even the financial rewards that come out, they don't seem to be that much motivated by that. They're they're just motivated by by testing themselves, and and uh, that that came across that came across there. Um, as for the rest of the press conference, it was, you know, it's I think these you know I know maybe it's different for fans, but for me it's they're just kind of bland, you know, like same same questions, and you know. It's, I just I have to be honest and just say I find him kind of boring. Like so, um, you know, Connor has a wish about him, so that that makes them watchable. But sure. you know, Aldo being asked questions about Edgar and vice versa, it was just anybody you you'd know what their answer is going to be. You know, yes, I'm training hard as I can. It's been the best fight camp I've ever had. I respect my opponent, but I'm going to win. You know, it's it's, it's the same old, same old. It's, I think I think how it's I think the UFC did an incredible job at the beginning, and they've you know, become pretty much number one combat sport now. Everybody, because to get people involved with the with the character, you become invested in them. Well, yeah, come on, could you be any more invested in Connor Mayweather? Trying to this fight, it was, it just wasn't necessary. I could understand maybe for the up and coming guys, they need to get their face out there. They need to, we need for the fans to hear them speak and hear their background stories. But um, I don't think anybody doesn't know this background story at this stage and. And if you're sitting down and you're putting in your pros and cons column, and you're saying, "Well, pro, we get him here, and he he gives you know his witty answers and stuff," that everybody kind of knows, but con, we 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 potentially um, damage his training for this fight. Surely you have to say, "Okay, let's let the top guys slide on this one because it's that fight sold anyway." Let's put a bit of attention on Edgar Aldo, which. Um, which is going to be technically a great fight. I don't think anybody is any any true MMA fan is not super excited about that fight. I am. And I'm going to be studying it, but also numbers wise, I might be wrong. Someone can about will tweet me a correction, but I believe it was the lowest ever gauge for a pay per view, certainly in modern times. So you can see that there's not that interest in that fight from the general MMA uh, people. So maybe they have to do a bit more on this one and get get to know them a little bit better. Like, Aldo's starting to tweet a bit more now than you know, he has in the last 10 years. He's starting to see a bit of his personality come out now. And I think Edgar, when it's Edgar tweeting, not, not the other fellow, but when it's Edgar tweeting, I think he's, he's good fun and he's, he's interesting. So let, 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 let those guys carry it for a little bit. Um, let them build it up. But the, the, the McGregor fight, McGregor, I was who he's against, but especially against this one coming back from a loss, that, that's sold. People, people are in, everybody's in. And again, don't bother tweeting me that he has to do it. He was going to do New York, so let there has to be a bit of um, it has to be even, you know. And that would be more or less equal travel. So at least make it even. Um, so as far as your concern right now, since that press conference on Friday, Dana, Lorenzo, anyone from the UFC, reach out to Connor or vice versa. Is there any kind of dialogue? Because it would seem right now that things aren't going so well as far as the relationship is concerned. Is there any? Is is it dead at the moment? Is there some glimmer of hope? What can you tell the people? 
Yeah, I mean, the messages I've had back and forth with Dane, it's all, it's all positive. I mean, he, he always says how much of a fan he is, and, you know, as a promoter, obviously having someone like Connor is a dream, but, you know, and all these late changes, he's never blinked. He's never hinted at not doing the fight. He's always just done it. Um, so there's still the massive amount of respect there, but, you know, I suppose they're trying to make a point that, well, if that's the rule, that's the rule, but um, I don't know. Like I, I, I won't pretend the UFC have done an amazing job over the last uh, decade or so in building up. So they, they obviously know what they're doing. They're definitely doing something right. But I do think they are dealing with somebody different than they've ever dealt with before, and and it is different. That's that's just that's just how it is. It is different. But as it is right now, um, I don't know. And I, you know the, that ESPN report coming out. Um, uh, and then I'm, I'll, I'll definitely be staying on to hear what DC has to say. If maybe he's about to announce him and Jones are the new or the new main event. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, MMA is in the exciting times. I guess we have another another few days of this drama playing out, and, and let's see where it ends up. But I'm I'm uh, I'm 51 percent optimistic and 49 percent. Oh optimistic wow! If you want to know my my, my feelings on it, so 51 percent is not too bad. Tipped towards. Uh, and by the way, what do, you, towards it. what do you make of Dana saying that he won't be on the New York card? Because I know that was important to you guys. Yeah, that, that was that was hard to hear. Um, I really think that's that's you know that that's going too far. <laughs> um, he, he, he was bold, but I mean, he didn't. You know, <laughs> it wasn't anything that bad. Um, so if we get the slap on the wrist for two hundred, you know, we definitely can't be put on the naughty step for New York. I mean. As an Irish guy in New York, and the, the first card about the Square Garden, I mean, I think I think Connor will will, will show up anyway and, and fight someone in the changing room. He doesn't put him on the card, so it's we we have to be on the New York card. Are you worried at all that this relationship may be broken for good, or do you do you feel like they'll fix it at some point? Do you feel like Connor will still fight nah, in the we'll, UFC we'll at some yeah. point? Nothing. I don't think we've gone past any point of okay. no return. There's, there's mutual respect on both from both parties, and, and you know everybody's Dane and Lorenzo and those guys are are, are sensible uh, businessmen, and it, this this is just one of those things. And I, I've no doubt that we'll uh, we'll we'll continue with the tradition. After his next fight, Lorenzo will bring in his bottle of uh, his bottle of Middleton, and we'll we'll do our usual toast, and we'll we'll carry on. Okay. Uh, well, a lot of people are following this story. A lot of people wondering what is going to happen next. It has become a soap opera, if you will. Um, let's end on this note. Uh, some sad news regarding Patty Houlihan, a guy that you think very highly of. Um, can you even describe the emotion? I mean, I can't even imagine what's going on in your head between this Connor stuff and now with Patty. Can you put into words how you feel about this announcement that he has had to retire at a very sudden you know, time and, and, and just two weeks before his next fight? Young guy, looking good, and then all of a sudden you get this yeah. news. Yeah, I was, I was genuinely heartbroken. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's just some super rare genetic disorder. And um, like he said in his own statement, you know, you've got guys that can take PEDs and, and, and it's a fine or a, a, a small band that they come back, but this is just something, a sort of a roll of the dice when he was born and he just happened to have this. And it's been pretty incredible what he's been able to achieve. Um, with it, but for it to be cut short, and you know, he had a few. 
there was there was things at the changing and training for him that I felt he was going to give it give it a good run. Now, in, in saying that, um, we obviously had the uh, absolute tragic situation with uh, Jericho Cavallos. Um, sure, I guess it's, it's all it's two two weeks ago now, and that that's real tragedy. You know, this is this is a sports career cut short, and um, the selfish side of me is somewhat. N- not absolutely broken up about it because we're opening up this mega gym together uh, in a couple of weeks and now he's 100% focused on that and not kind of half focused on fighting and half on that so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, a new relationship with Paddy where we're, we're, we're two coaches now and we're more buddies than, than uh, you know student and, and coach and um, I'm, I'm very excited to see him direct this energy towards getting his own gym successful and and producing his own little team of fighters and, and making a real positive impact on his community. He's so so proud of where he's from, and um, I know he's I know he's going to do great things there. Well, uh, one of my favorite people, uh, hard hard news for me. One of my favorite favorite people that I've ever met in 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 life. Period. Just an unbelievable human being, and yeah. I look forward to talking to him uh, later on today. For now, we have to say goodbye, John. Thank you so much. I know you're very busy over there, and I really appreciate you coming on. I know you have that book coming out in July. Uh, perhaps we need a couple of new chapters. Uh, don't print it just yet, because... Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually, yeah, they've put it out till September now, the, oh. the book. So. Okay. Well, there Who knows? You... Maybe there's an extra chapter to win. Win or learn. I, I do suggest uh, pre-ordering that as soon as possible. Can't thank you enough. Appreciate the time, John, and and, and, and keep making sense of things for us. And, and no more troll tweets, okay? Because I can't handle those anymore. My, my heart is <laughs> Uh, feeling like a nine-year-old at this point. But really, thank you so much and good luck to you guys. Thanks so much, Ariel. I'll speak soon. Okay, always a pleasure to talk to John Cavanaugh. But before we move along, let me quickly tell you about our friends over at Squarespace. So, building a website can be tough. We all know this. And even if you know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and works well is without a doubt a time-consuming affair. Whether it's for a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, or whatever else, in this day and age, You probably need a website. We all do. Well, lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Here's how it gets done. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with easy-to-use tools to create your website with, it also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. And you know you can trust Squarespace for your website needs when millions of people, some of them the most respected brands in the world, trust in them as well. Seriously, you can't beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. It gives you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website. So what the heck are you waiting for? Start a trial today with no credit card required and start building your website now. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, this is very important. Make sure to use the offer code MMA to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for your favorite show, the MMA Hour. We sincerely thank Squarespace for their support. Now back to the show. Let's go back to the phone lines. This man was on everyone's mind Saturday night for different reasons. Let's talk to Dominic Cruz right now. Dominic, how are you? 
Good. What's up, Ariel? I'm doing great. Uh, I know you're short on time, so let's get right into it. Uh, your name came up a ton Saturday night. Demetrius Johnson beats Henry Cejudo. I ask the world, who do you want to see Demetrius fight next? And you were the unanimous decision. I mean, uh, the, 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 the pick from everyone. Everyone said you. The rematch with you. No one else. Did you watch his performance? And I know you're preparing for a fight, but I'm wondering if at this point you're even interested in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at DJ, and you can't deny that um, he's he's the best flyweight ever. You know, I mean, he's done great things. He's defended the title. He's going after a record of Anderson Silva right now. He said himself he's pretty focused on that um, more than anything, and I I kind of understand that. Um, but at the same time, I don't pick my fights, Ariel. I never I never really have, um, and. I'm not opposed to a fight. I mean, if that guy wants to come up to 35 and try to challenge me, I mean, I don't run from anybody, so I'm there. But uh, right now, I mean, you look at who I'm facing, the landscape of the 135-pound division is probably looking the best that it's looked in the past four years, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, it's looking really good. And I got plenty of guys in in this division that are my size, my weight, that uh, want to scrap and are in line and, and knocking at the door and saying they want to beat me up already. So, I mean... If you really look at the things, I got a long list of guys that want to fight. Do you think then it would be unfair at this point, because as you mentioned, 135 is deeper than ever, to have a guy come up from 125 and sort of skip the queue, if you will, because he's not fighting at bantamweight, do you think that's somewhat unfair? And I know fair is sort of the uh, the term of the week in MMA, but do you think that would be unfair to guys like Aljamain and a Sun Tzu and Dillashaw, etc.? Well, we all know that life isn't fair, so MMA definitely is not Very fair. well said, That's Dom. Perfect. Kudos, my man. <laughs> Let's start with that, you know? So, but, but besides that, um, I don't think there's anything like that because super fights are at their highest demand right now. People want to see them. People like them. Um, and that's what the fans want to see, that that's what the people are going to buy. Throw us on a pay-per-view. If, you know, a million people want to see that fight and we sell it, you know, maybe I could be the first time DJ has some of the best sales he's ever had in his career and because people want to see him fight me. I'm not opposed to it, Ariel. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I've got a, I got a lot of guys in line to fight me right now. I don't pick my fights. It's about the, the demand of what the fans want to see, and if they're, if they're willing to pay to see that fight, I'm willing to fight anybody. It's been around five years since you fought him. I'm wondering, when you watch him with your careful eye, your analytical eye, do you say to yourself, okay, this guy is a lot better from when I fought him in Washington, D.C.? He's changed a lot. He's a much better fighter now. What I see is he's, uh, he's the same size as the people that he fought. So, like, when you look at him at 135 pounds, he was beating a lot of people. Um, but there was always a size advantage that gave him trouble that he had to work around. At 125, he has nothing to work around. These guys are his size, they're his height, <clears throat> and he can use his fundamentals, his technique, and his speed at the fullest potential because of that. Uh, when he comes up to 135, um, it, it, things are different. I mean, he's lost to me and he's lost to Brad Pickett. And that's because of size advantages and then technique on top of that. So he is good. He's the best flyweight ever. I agree with that. But when you're coming up to 135 pounds, that's my division, period. Is he the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now? Uh, you know, I think there. He's done things that in his division that, that can prove that. And then I think John Jones has done a lot that can prove that also. But then you look at the things that I've done, and I've beaten him, and I've done things too. But me being out for so long, 
not competing kind of throws me out of that equation. Yeah. So, you know, I can't, I can't really speak on who's the best because, you know, I, I'm kind of in the mix of it in my personal opinion, but I've been out so long. I have a lot to prove. Um, I, I got to beat some people. I got to, I got to stay more active and I get that. So he is one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet. I'd say top three, no doubt. <laughs> um, if you were in his position, essentially cleaning out a division, there's nothing, you know, there's, there's no, uh, let's be honest, there's no challenges for him right now, unless he's fighting the same guys over and over again. Would you test the waters? Like if that happened to you at 135, would you go up to 145 or do you just keep collecting those paychecks? Yeah. I mean, like I said, Ariel, what, I think right now the fans are wanting to see these super fights, and I think people want to see Demetrius move up because he's, he's just smashing these guys at 25. Everybody wants to see that untouchable guy beaten. It's just, it's just the way the world works. So they want to see him move up and see how great he can do also. Like, is he that good against bigger guys too? That's what the people are curious of. Uh, would I move up? I already said I would, you know, but it's similar to – to what Connor's doing too. I mean, he's moving up to 170. You look, I mean, you're taking away, it's not just about technique anymore. You got to deal with three other things. You got to deal with size, length, reach, all these other things. It just adds so much to the equation. Plus these guys that we're fighting are the best in the world. It changes the fight so much. You have to respect um, body mechanics. And when size, length, reach, all that stuff is added into the fight, it changes the fight's dynamics completely. It doesn't matter how good you are because body mechanics can change everything. You mentioned the C so word. I, so let me ask you, what, what is your take, if any, on this whole Conor McGregor UFC saga? Do you, do, you, do you side with Conor? Do you think that he has a point? Are you sympathetic towards him? Or do you side with the UFC who says it's not fair for you to skip out on this uh, media stuff when everyone else has to do it? You can't really side with anybody. I put myself in Connor's shoes. I've lost a fight before, you know? And when you lose a fight, it kind of puts you back to the drawing board. You hear that all the time. I'm going to go back to the drawing board. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's like when you lose a fight, you got to change something. And, you know, he realizes he's human now after that loss. He realizes he can lose. He hit Nate with everything and the kitchen sink in that first round. And Nate did not back up for one second. That's a different type of fight. Not to mention, we have never seen anybody stand up to Conor McGregor's antics in the pre-fight. Every single person he faced prior to Nate Diaz was broken mentally. I mean, shattered mentally before they even stepped in the cage. You can't break Nate. He does not care. He doesn't. He fights for a different purpose, and he's a real he's a real OG for lack of a better term. I mean, the guy just doesn't care. Nate. Nate you're not going to break him. You're not going to get him out of the fight. You know when you're fighting him, you're going to be in it from the beginning until the end. You have to push the button on him. And then you realize he's got a heck of a chin, too. So I get where Connor's at. He wants to put his head down, train, focus, be the best Connor he can be. Because of that last loss, you know, it can shake you when you lose like that. And his mind is focused on, on being the best him he can be. So I understand that. On the other end of things, when you look at what the UFC wants, they want you to do the media. Connor's a failure of his own success. I mean, he's so good at this media that they're going to ask him to do a ton. Mm. But I'll be honest. If the UFC said, hey, Dominic, we're going to pay you 100 times what you're getting paid now, and you're going to make Conor McGregor money, I'll go live with Ariel Helwani for my entire camp, <laughs> eat everything you eat, do every radio interview you do, go out there and be ready to fight. So it's like, 
it's kind of a mixed thing, you know? He's getting paid a lot of money to do this stuff, a lot of money, and people want to see it. He's at high demand. So because he's at high demand, that makes him a failure of his own success, if you get what I'm saying. When I spoke to you in Boston after the win over Dillashaw, we talked about what what's next. You said that you want to sit down with UFC brass and essentially get paid what you're worth. Now you have a fight. It's coming up. Have you had that conversation with them? Have you sat down with them? Do you have a new deal? Are you happy with what you're getting paid? Yeah, I mean, let's be real. We always want more money. Yeah. <laughs> but I get paid. I, you know, I'm, I'm involved with the pay-per-view in this next fight. That makes me happy. Yep. <clears throat> the UFC took care of me. You know, um, we sat down. They were, they were, Lorenzo was perfectly cool with adjusting my pay scale because I was still on a pay scale from when I was injured. Uh, for, for my last couple fights, and he even thinks out with me, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the contract that I've been given, and uh, I'm going to keep moving forward to fighting. <clears throat> How long after that fight did you guys sit down and talk? Um, well, right before I, I got this next fight going, okay. with Faber, we, we sat down and talked. He came out to California, and, uh, you know, in his jet, Nice. Probably spent more money. Probably spent more money flying out in his jet than he paid me that day. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But the thing is, they took care of me for this fight. They they were able to. They were willing to work with me and you know give me what I'm worth. I've been out a while, so it is important that I get busy. So you've been around Faber for the last few weeks, doing all this media with him. I mean, how how painful has that been for you? Have you enjoyed it at all, or did it suck every step of the way? You know you. You, uh, after a while, Ariel, you learned that I was out of this for a long time, you know? Yeah. So, I've, I have fun poking and prodding at that guy. I mean, he's just, <laughs> he loves himself so much that it's fun to just pick and pick and pick at him. And he says it all the time, I'm one of the most annoying people he's ever been around. And that's by plan. That's by purpose. I plan to make his life a living hell uh, as long as I'm in it. Um, he has been taking some shots. He has been accusing you of some stuff. Has he crossed the line? Right. Are, 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 like, has he made this too? I don't know if it's possible to make it more personal between you two, but has he actually accomplished that? No, he hasn't, because this is the thing, Ariel. You could say whatever you need to say about me. I understand, like, all is fair in, in love and war. Hmm. Like, I get, I get that he's going to come and attack me. I get that he wants to attack my character. I mean, he's been doing this to me since 2007. This is a favor game. He wants to turn everybody against you and make himself the good guy. He can't handle being the not-liked guy. And But at the same time, this is all based off of fear. Um, you know, judgment is the main act of fear. And what if I'm on it, what is everybody on it? Everybody is lost to? I mean, this is his excuse. He's setting up excuses for the loss that I'm about to serve him. And on top of that, they were showing his true colors. I mean... He has no professionalism, no loyalty. He's trying to dis. Before he said anything about me, he he attacked Dillshaw mm. on the Hurt Show and tried to and, and tried to tried to deny it and say he didn't. But it's like he's just, he's trying to dis- destroy Dillshaw's career. And this is somebody who's supposed to be his family, his best friend. Uh, they were brothers at one point. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Dillshaw. He's got his own things. That, I mean, that's that's needless to say. I mean, you could see our last post post build up that that I'm not. He's not my favorite person either. But, I mean, he does mentor kids in wrestling, and he does do stuff. And his own best friend is accusing him of using PEDs. And it's like, 
What are you doing? I mean, that's a scumbag move. That's your ex-friend. All because he left your camp? I mean, that shows the true colors of favor. When you're attacking me, I can understand that because he wants to ruin my face because we're fighting. But when you're attacking a, a friend because he left your camp, uh, I mean, you're just, you're just a scumbag. It's a lack of character, and that's something that I haven't liked about Faber since day one. And, and we're finally seeing the true colors of Faber come out when he makes accusations with absolutely no proof of anything. And one of the best doping agencies on planet Earth, uh, there's just no proof to anything that he says. And again, they're excuses. I mean, this is typical Faber style. Make excuses with no proof and no facts, and they're just all accusations on his part. Let's end on this, because I know you have to go. Love talking to you. It's so great. I, you're just you're just one of the most real interviews in the game, and I appreciate that very much, whether or not we agree or not. It's always great to have you on, Dom, so I appreciate it. Um, are you hoping that this is his last title shot? This is something that Dillashaw has talked about, you've talked about. Are you hoping that on June 4th, or after June 4th, I should say, Uriah Faber never fights for the belt again? Yeah, you know... The thing is, he he promotes fights, and that's why he's in this situation, mm-hmm. you know? And besides that, it's also because I don't like him. That's why he's in this situation. <laughs> Faber got this fight because I don't like him. And because of that, people want to see me beat him up. You know, everywhere I went, Ariel, it wasn't like, you know, who are you fighting next? It's like, when are you going to beat up Faber again and shut him up? That guy talks so much, he makes a bunch of excuses. People want me to beat him up. And he could say whatever he wants about me not having fans. Everywhere I go, I got people asking me to beat him up. So it's like, I don't really care what he does. But I know that I'm going to go out there and stop him again from touching the belt. And that's something I can control. And I'm going to put a beating on him. And, you know, he could say whatever he wants about my body and all that stuff that he was saying and how it's changed. It's like, man, I was out for four-plus years. That's like 1,500 days. Maybe maybe a quarter of those, maybe like 700 of those days I got to work out. I was sitting behind the desk studying fights, analyzing fights, breaking things down. I, there was a point where I hit 175 pounds. I was depressed at times. There was a lot going on in my life that I let go of fighting. When I got that Dillashaw call to fight, I wasn't going to tell the UFC no. I, was gonna, I just said, screw it, let's go. I was rehabbing still when they asked me for that fight at nine months of my, of my third ACL reconstruction. I got ready off the couch, off the analyst desk, went out there and fought and did my job while he's making excuses about PEDs, you know? So it's like, I'm doing my job, and that's all I can do. And on June 4th, I'm going to do my job and shut that idiot up. Wow, June 4th cannot come soon enough. Dom, really appreciate it. I know you have to go to practice, so we'll let you go. Thank you so much for the time, and we'll talk very soon prior to 199. Can't wait for it. Thank you very much, and good luck in training. Thanks, Ariel. All right, there he is, the UFC bantamweight champion. You feel the passion there. Wow, there is uh, there is nothing like that rivalry between Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber. Uh, perhaps I should take that back. Uh, I, I, I will correct myself. There are a few things in MMA like it. Um, and, and maybe the hottest one at the moment is John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. So let's go from one DC to another. Let's go to the reigning and defending UFC light heavyweight champion, Daniel Cormier, who is uh, starting things off with a shot of his belts. There you have the Strikeforce heavyweight Grand Prix title. You have a couple of UFC titles. I'm not even sure if he's done this on purpose, 
But it's a fantastic way to start this fight. Of course, John Jones, excuse me, this interview, I should say. John Jones was victorious. His first fight in 15 months on Saturday night, he defeated OSP. OSP broke his arm, his left arm in the second round. Um, John Jones did not finish him, but he won via unanimous decision. It was fairly one-sided. Daniel Cormier was on commentary, did a fantastic job, I thought. And as John Jones left the cage, he flipped him the bird. And now we await news as to when they will fight again. DC, are you there? Did he just, is he making a point? Is he telling the world that this is all he has to say? He is the king? Oh, there he is. Hey. <laughs> hey, Daniel, how are you? What's I, I, up? I wasn't sure if you did that on purpose or not. I was talking to Selena. You didn't hear me in the background? No. I was holding a conversation, and I'd been sitting here for two and a half minutes. You know, you, you kind of big me and just had me waiting. So I was uh, <clears throat> I was like, well, I guess I have a few minutes. You know, we're on Ariel's time. No, no, it's uh, your colleague, Dominic Cruz, who went a little long with his last uh, answer. So I apologize for that. Okay. Oh. Uh, the world wants to know. Everyone's watching. Even John Kavanaugh is watching himself. He wants to know. Will you fight John Jones at UFC 200? Yeah, of course. You know, I I would love to. If I uh, if I get the clearance this afternoon, I would definitely love to fight him at UFC 200. So you're going. You're going to the doctor today. Yes, I am I'm going to get a new MRI. I feel pretty good, man. Honestly, if I got to be 100% honest. I feel pretty good. Uh. I don't know if I could do everything 100% right now, but I could do some things, and I think the things that I could do right now would give me enough to uh, to actually uh, start preparing. You know, it's still quite a bit of time, like 11 weeks or so, so 10 weeks of training. If I had to take another three to four weeks to heal more, I think that's sufficient time. Uh, UFC 200 is a big deal, and clearly the UFC is now looking for a new mega main event after what happened with Conor last week. But in a perfect world, is this a little too soon for you? Like, if this wasn't the date, if you could just pick your return, would you be coming back in August or September? Nah, man. I don't want to wait so long to fight. You know, I'm 37 years old. I'm not I'm not getting any younger, you know. So, uh, I would have I loved to fought last weekend, Yeah, you know, but... Um, when the doctor said, you know, you need four to six weeks to, to get to the point that you can move around. And I started looking at dates and John started saying UFC 200. I'm like, well, that may work, you know, because uh, I feel like as long as I have uh, 10 weeks, eight, nine weeks, I'm fine. You know, because if I have more time, I'll do more stuff. And then eventually I run the risk of, of burning myself out. So I may be forced into uh, doing a, 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 a camp in the right amount of time frame. So are they essentially waiting on you at this point? Is that why they haven't made this official? They're waiting for your okay? I, I guess, you know, John said after the fight, I guess John said after the fight last weekend, he still wanted to fight. So uh, it's a matter of health, you know? So if, if we get the clearance today, yeah, I'd be glad to go. My team's excited. I'm excited. Uh, Kane's fighting. Luke's fighting in June. So we would have all of our guys fighting in a matter of a month be great for us. Uh, before or after your commentary duties on Saturday night, and by the way, I told you this in private, but 
you hit a grand slam, my man. I mean, you were a natural for your first time ever doing that. It was just great. I love the WWE references. I mean, the whole thing was just a lot of fun. Um, I'm just wondering if backstage, wherever, you had a conversation with the UFC brass. Did they say, okay, this is yours if, if you want it? Like, this is what we're doing? This is what we want? You know, they're trying to, they're trying to tell me to, to, to still be easy. Don't go so fast after having to sit next to the octagon knowing that UFC 200 is on the table, all these things that could make a guy want to go, well, I'm running today. I'm starting training camp right now. They're like, calm down. If this is going to happen, it's going to happen. Uh, don't don't push this thing faster than it needs to be pushed if you're not going to be ready to go. Take your time. See what the MRI says. And even if they say, well, Daniel, you're healing, uh, you could make this fight date. Make sure you don't do too much to where you re-injure yourself. So do you feel pressure? Do you feel pressure on saving this no. car? You, you're not feeling that kind of pressure? No, there's no pressure on me for saving anything. I mean, I just got to fight when I'm healthy, and this is a great opportunity. If this was to happen for as long as I live, the biggest fight card in the UFC history to date will always have me at the marquee. Hmm. Cormier, the first name on the marquee, UFC 200, Cormier versus Jones 2. My name on the marquee, first name listed, that would always be there in history. It would always be a part of history. And as I've said time and time again, you know, legacy and everything means something to me. And uh, having that would also uh, would also be pretty big, a big deal in my mind. So like I said, you nailed it on Saturday night. You called it down the middle for the most part. It was a lot of fun to watch. But can you take us inside your mind? You're watching John Jones for 25 minutes. Is it eating you up inside? Are you saying, golly, if I was in there on April 23rd, I would have beaten this man. I'd still be the champion on the 24th. I would have beaten that John Jones without a shadow of a doubt. Are you thinking like that as you're working on Saturday? You know, not not the whole time. You know, I mean, after after a while, I started to feel like that a little bit because I saw that he was a little tentative. I saw that, hey, one second, my computer has 5%. I'm going to go and grab the charger. You guys can stare at my belts for a couple seconds. Okay. Hold on a little bit. I'll be right back. All right, we'll see how fast you can run. Um, so as Daniel Cormier is going to get his computer charger, we're going to see how, how spry he is. In case you missed it, he said at the top of the interview he has a doctor appointment. Uh, later on today, he is going to find out if he is good to go on July 9th. If they give him the AOK, he wants to compete at UFC 200. And look at that. I mean, this looks like the Daniel Cormier who I saw compete in the uh, the NCAA championships against some guy yeah, named right. Kale. That's that's what that looked yeah, like right there. <laughs> yeah, right. I, rem- I, I remember <laughs> watching that live, by the way. I was just a youngster. What a time that was. Hey, you're lying. You're lying. You're lying. Don't you lie. Don't you lie. Um, During the term i did say to watch it but again I, okay. back to the question yes go ahead i wasn't thinking that the whole time but as the fight went on you know i was like well he was a little tentative and uh he seemed to tire a lot faster than he usually does so i was like man this is a great opportunity to fight this guy but then as the fight went on i just went back to doing my job you know i was there for a reason you know uh even talking to the people backstage the powers that be the people that matter in terms of my tv career they said we expected you to call it down the middle we hoped you would but at times 
it seemed as though you maybe were a little too nice. So, oh wow! I, I, but I was being honest. You know, I was just being honest, like for everything. And I've said this since day one. I respect what John does inside of the octagon. I always have, you know. So, on Saturday night, there were no outside of the octagon issues. This was all him in a competitive field, and I and I can appreciate that. Considering his layoff and everything he has been through, out of the cage, out of the gym, when you were preparing for him for April twenty third. Were you expecting that kind of John Jones? Like, is this, to us, you know, we were surprised. Wow, he actually looks ordinary. Did you expect this? Were you not surprised? You know, not really. You know, if you go back and and watch some of the interviews I did before, you know, I said the muscle may affect him. And he did look physically bigger on Saturday night, but he also looked a little slower. If I got to be honest, he looked, uh, and I did say he looked like he tired a little bit faster. Uh, and that could have just been nerves, you know, getting readjusted to being back in the octagon. So it didn't really, it didn't really, it it really didn't uh, surprise me all that much. I figured he would have a little bit of, of rust. And not only because of that 15 months, but in the last, since April 2014, he had only fought me and Glover Teixeira. So it had, it wasn't only just the 15 months off. It was in the last two and a half years, he had had two fights, you know, so that's, it's not very active for a guy that was super active early in his career when he was really running through guys. He was fighting three times a year. So uh, I, 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 I thought there were some factors that could have come into play on Saturday. Considering how he looked in the fight, do you think that took some of the luster away from the rematch? Uh, no, because people people are realists. You know, they're saying, well, it's a little ring rust and uh, he'll be better next time. Okay. I say no. I don't think he'll be better next time. I think this is John. This is the new John. Hmm. This is John Jones with all the muscle. This is John Jones that likes to lift weights. This is John Jones uh, who's a big guy that's cutting weight and can't rehydrate under these new USADA rules. This is John Jones in the new UFC. This is John Jones in the real world today. So when we fight in July, he's going to look the same. He is going to look like the guy that he looked like Saturday. And he's going to have questions. And he's going to be in there questioning himself as you saw him kind of processing things. And he'll go home now and wonder, why did I look like that? Well, guess what, bud? You look like that because that's who you are now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how he's going to look in July when I'm kicking his ass. Um, is a part of you worried that, okay, three more months, two and a half more months, like I just want him to get to this fight? Are, are, are you worried that, you know, he'll, he'll mess up again? Does that come into no. play? No, I don't think so. You know, I think he'll be okay. You know, I, I think that... And I said this Saturday on the broadcast, I'm hoping that the last time was the last time that we hear of John Jones getting himself into trouble. So uh, I believe he'll be okay. Look, a lot of that stuff came with immaturity, a lot of success at a young age, and you hope that now he, he, after hitting rock bottom, that's all it takes. You know, you you hit rock bottom and you get better. So maybe he'll get better. Now, how about him flipping you off on his way out? I mean, were you? you know, <laughs> that was my favorite moment of the whole night. That well, was just the best. Well, it's like, like, oh, the only issue with that is like, you know, I don't care. I really don't care. Obviously, for my, I really don't care. I thought it was funny, but just like, you know, it's like, you know, when you think of John, it's like, well, John, okay, you're you're the PR lady that he has. <laughs> Greatest PR lady of all time. You know, she's doing a phenomenal job of rebuilding his image. But um but John goes in there, it's like almost like she should be in there to watch him because he post fight interview, great. 
very humble, very <laughs> gracious, cared, was excited to be back. He looked, he apologized. He told the fans how he, he loved them. Look, PR 101, Ariel. Yeah. Thank the fans. Thank your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be happy to be there. The one thing that they forgot in the PR manual they gave John Jones is you don't flip off the commentator when you walk out the octagon. It was like, what the hell? I was like, well, good on John. So as he was walking out, I'm looking at the dang uh, monitor, and I'm like, you know what, man? Good on John. You know, he just said he was gracious, can't wait to fight me again. And in my ear, I hear, oh, Daniel, he's staring at you. Because if you notice, he was like staring for a second. When I finally look over, he flipped me the bird. I was like, oh, well, that went, that went his uh, PR 101, yeah. you know? Why didn't you go right. in the cage? I thought you guys were going to have a little uh, tete-a-tete. You see, so that's kind of dangerous okay. when it comes to John and okay. I. <laughs> I mean, most people keep it together in those sure, situations. Sure. John and I, that's a little dangerous. So I don't know what would have happened. You know, they might have jumped me again like they did in the MGM Grand at oh, one time. Oh, damn. <laughs> they they might have yeah, jumped yeah. you. Wow. His I'm whole just messing around. <laughs> um, so when you found out that he was in the, the wheelchair, did you start to get worried? I panicked a little bit because yeah. I want to fight. You know, I mean, because the thing is this. Like, it scares me to think that if we can't fight in July, they would make us wait all the way to UFC 200 in Madison or whatever in Madison Square Garden, which would be great. It would be huge sure. to be a part of that. But that would put me out for over a year. I've never done that in my whole career. You know, and at 37, you don't want to be sitting out for a year. You know, so... Uh, for me, the ideal situation is to fight in July, win, and then fight him again in November uh, in Madison Square Garden. What about him saying that you were just hurt and not really injured, and and it's sort of questioning you pulling out of this fight, and even afterwards saying that he was preparing for you, and that's why he didn't look good, and if it was you in there, he would have you know essentially smashed you. What, what do you make of some of those comments? Uh, you know, from a guy that 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 again said. I want to thank my Lord and Savior for getting me here to flipping me off not even two minutes later. You understand he flip-flops. In the, in the octagon, he said the issue was he was preparing to fight me and O'Vince was a southpaw. Well, if you watch the fight, O'Vince fought conventional almost the entire time. You know, he was switching a little bit, but O'Vince fought conventional the vast majority of that fight. So things weren't flipped, as he said. He said everything was backwards. Well, they actually weren't backwards because O'Vince fought conventional the majority of the time. Him saying that I was hurt, not injured, that's an old wrestling term. I get it. You know, like sometimes you, are you, the coaches always ask, are you hurt or are you injured? My thing was I could have fought on Saturday if I was feeling as I did the other day. But I would not have been able to train for the whole three weeks prior to the competition. That's unfair. Hmm. If I would have sat on my butt for three weeks as I've been doing, doing rehab, getting the stem cells, doing all this stuff to get better, I could have fought, but I could not have trained at all. The last three weeks, I've been sitting on my butt. I get up to go to work at UFC's night. That's all I can really do. And the majority of that day, I'm sitting down. So I wouldn't have been able to train for three weeks, and I'm never going to fight him when I'm not fully prepared. That's not fair to me or my family or my coaches. Hmm. So um, last time you were on this show, right afterwards, there was some tweeting back and forth. That was something else. Wow. <laughs> Did you regret any of that? I mean, that was amazing. The, the back and forth. You, you enjoy it? Or like, how, how would you describe What's going on in your mind when you're, go, when you're going like that? Because that was, I'd never seen really that side of you on Twitter. You were, you were pissed off, right? Okay. So first off, outside of John's PR lay, this is John's PR lay. <laughs> There's one 
that's close to her, and that's mine, Heidi Siebert. You know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're running <laughs> this lady. They're close, you know, but Heidi's better. But uh, nobody took my phone after I did this procedure, so I was still a little <laughs> under influence, but it felt good to let go because I live by PR Book 101. Sure. I live by it. I like to try and follow the rules. But in that instance, I was able to just let loose and yes. be free and tell this guy exactly what I was feeling. I thought it was great. Oh, I thought man. it was great. Back when I'm like, because he called me a coward. Yeah. But then it's like, how can you ever call someone coward when you have done those things? You know, it's like, what the hell? Like, it, it, drove, it drives me crazy sometimes that he can say some of the things that he says. And it's like, it doesn't register in his head that he's done much worse or the same thing. Even saying, are you hurt or injured? You canceled our fight. UFC 178, we were supposed to fight. And he actually pushed the fight back. It's the same thing. So I get a little frustrated in those instances because I'm like, well, it's the same exact thing. Like, why is it so much worse when I do it as opposed to you doing it? You know, and then I said all the fights that he pulled out of and and everything. It was it was cool, you know. But he, he does not, the guy does not, I mean, the guy does not like me. He really cannot. <laughs> he tests me. Like, really. The other day, we were I was walking into the arena with my fiance, my manager, and Walt Harris, big Walt. Congratulations, yep. Walt. Great job Saturday. Walt said, Can I have a picture? And I'm like, sure. I guess John goes into the arena to like see the fans now. And uh he saw Walt and I taking a picture. So he looked back and he goes, Walt, erase that picture you took with me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> Poor Walt's like stuck in the middle of this. Like everybody. Walt's stuck in the middle of it. Oh, Vince ain't yeah, yeah. stuck in the middle. Like you just get, you kind of get like drawn into our shit. It's something like, so then we're like staring at each other, and and, and but oh. I'm like, what is this guy think? I'm scared of him or something. Like, what's his problem? Wow. So this is right before the fight. So so any other run-ins? Like, well, how did that end? Oh, that was it. That was it. It was the only time I saw him. That okay. was the only time I saw him. But he was very cordial to Bob Cook earlier in the oh. day when Bob was alone. It's just me. It's like the sight of me. It just drives him crazy. You know, it's funny. Um, you mentioned PR. I gotta ask you, man, because you tell it like it is. What do you make of this whole Conor McGregor situation? Do you sympathize with him? Do you see where the UFC is coming from? Are they really going to... I mean, you're, you're kind of directly related to it all because of UFC 200. What's your stance? You know, man, there's a, there's a part of me that... Uh, you couldn't see... Uh, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a part of me that, that really does sympathize with Conor. Like, he said it himself, man. He goes, I just lost to this guy. This guy's longer. This guy's bigger. We're fighting at the same weight division. I need to train. Makes a ton of sense. But we've all felt that way before in our careers where I just want to train. I don't want to go do media. I don't want to do this interview. Mm. I mean, I, I I was just on this dang show two weeks ago. Wait, wait. Like, this interview? <laughs> that hurts my feelings. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Anyway, it's like I just want to train. But also... Connor also does a lot more than the rest of us. So you would think in this instance, maybe he gets a little more leeway than anyone else would get. With that being said, it's the biggest show ever. You're the biggest star. We need you to do your job. So it's like I see both sides. I don't I will not say Connor's wrong because he's not 100 percent wrong. But I cannot say that the the, the organization is 100 percent wrong because I don't feel they are either. It's like. We do need you to do this, Connor. Even though you've done so much, we get it. 
but we need you to do this because this is so big to the company, so big to the organization. We need you to do this. So, but I do, I do sympathize with him, man, because he he does have an uphill battle because he loses to this guy again. I love Nate Diaz. I love Nate Diaz. He's a great guy. He's a friend of mine. But Nate's lost ten times. You know, this isn't. We're not talking about Rafael dos Anjos. We're not talking about Khabib Nurmagomedov. We're not talking about the champions. Connor can't lose to Nate over and over again. You know, so. Uh, and honestly, I don't know if he can actually beat him. It's just a bad style matchup for him. But it's a, it's it's a it's a tough situation that these guys are in right now. Uh, two last quick things: Are you hoping that they figure it out and put Connor on the card? You would you would you would be uh you know you would stand to gain from that, right? You get them points, right? Well, I mean, if we were all on the card, yeah. I just don't know if the pie is big enough to share between oh, okay. me. And Connor and Misha and everybody else on the card, you know, so uh, it's a business, man. We got to think of a business, too, you know, so people are going to have to choose, honestly. If they want Connor on that card, they're going to lose John and I probably, you know, so it's going to be one or the other because I don't think that they would uh, do it with all of us on the same card. Makes no sense. Um, And finally, as we sit here and talk today before we go to the doctor, just based on how you're feeling do you think it's a good chance that you'll get cleared and be able to fight on July 9th? Are you, are you feeling that way? I feel pretty good. Okay. I feel confident that um, that I'll be able to train effectively at the latest in the next month. That would be eight weeks from the injury. Uh, right now, I'm three and a half weeks from my, my procedure. They say in the fourth week is when the stem cells really start to take and you start to feel the improvement. I mean, the first two weeks... I would actually walk. My leg would just swell up to like double the size. I would run home, stick it in a bucket of ice, and just sit there for 30 minutes. Wow. And uh, then it started to feel better and better and better. Now I'm not limping as much. I can move around. And uh, I just can't push it too hard. But more than anything, uh, just seeing, just seeing this new guy in there on Saturday, who I truly believe is who he is now. He went home on Saturday questioning why. Why did I fight like that? Why did I look like that? I didn't look like the guy that I thought I was going to be. We saw these videos. He's jumping high. He jumped so high once off on a box. I thought maybe he could dunk a basketball now. I'm like, okay, this dude is like, he's working. He's going to be, he's going to be better. And then I see him and I go, okay, this guy's not better. The game has changed a lot since John last fought. And, uh, under these new rules, we have to all, uh, it's tough. Because that IV really does make a difference, and John is a big guy. So uh, that IV makes a difference. Man, nobody even knew IVs was part of USADA. This was new to everybody. Nobody knew that it was going to be an IV ban. It's new to everybody. So, But that's him. And Eric, before I go, everybody listening right now, pound for pound discussion is over. <laughs> we don't talk about this no more. It's Demetrius Mighty Miles Johnson by a landslide. It's DJ, and then it's the rest of us. We're all down here, man. The dude is the best. Uh, he's, he may be the best fighter to ever grace the octagon. Pure martial artist in every form. DJ's the man. I, I'm not just saying this because you're on. I'm surprised that you don't get more love in that discussion because you're one of the few guys who actually won in two divisions. You're actually one of the few. Um, and DJ as well. But his last it's fight... It's very odd. It is very odd. It's very, <laughs> it's very odd when you do pound for pound because... Again, love Robbie, but when Robbie was fighting at 85, he would lose a lot more right, than he right. does at 70. But in the pound for pound rankings, Robbie is actually above me. Wow. You know, so it's it's a it's a, it's if you look at pound for pound and what it's supposed to mean, it's 
whose skills will translate weight division? Jones would. Jones would be successful at heavyweight, just as I was. So he should be up there. But the rest of those guys is kind of weird in that sense. You don't really know. Well, I got to say, um, I was pulling for your Rockets to pull off the upset after you just announced to the world that you're doing this interview under duress, that you're actually not happy to be speaking to me. I'm back on the Dubs bandwagon. I mean, really, it's going to take me a long time to get over that. Uh, but I do appreciate you coming on nonetheless. It's great to see your face, DC. Thank you very much. And good luck. Can you, can you give me a text? or so? What time is this doctor uh, appointment? What time are we going? Can you give me a text? Something? You really, you just kind of want everything. Well, I mean, it would be nice. You, you know. want it all, but like you know, sometimes people ask you for a little bit. You know, <laughs> like, hey, can I get this? And do this interview for us, DC. And if DC had the results, he would get it. But now you want everything. You want me to text you when I get out of doctors, right? That would be nice. Yes. Is that too much to ask? I'll think about it. I mean, hey, real quick though, how's yeah. the view? How's the view? Hey, Ariel, how's the view? It's nice. It's nice. I like those pictures. You got that. I mean, it's really something you got back there. Your parents, I think, is that your parents back there? You got Selena. You got Selena. The Strike Force. That is the crown jewel? Andre Arlovsky, Josh Barnett, Fedor Milianico, Sergey Caratano, Fred Rogers, Antonio Silva. Fabricio Verdun. Verdun hates that his name is on this belt, by the way. This is the one, you know, and then I look at my, uh, it, actually, you know what's the crown jewel? Okay. King of the Kings. Wow. Look at that. That's not even on the I mantle. Keep, <laughs> I keep them the King of the Cage belt, the, the Australia belt goes under the bottom. Why? They're at the bottom. Why? So Put them all out there. The more the merrier. My mantle can't fit. You know, <laughs> I used to say last year yeah. that I had a belt for every year I have fought because I had five titles, but... It's, I'm in my sixth year now, so it doesn't So you get a new one every time you fight in the UFC? Uh, not really, but Alexander Gustafson fought me so hard that I refused to give it back. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping it all like I stuffed it in my bag and I left. Cool that. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. That's a great story. I didn't know that. See, we learn something new every day. Um, but in all honesty, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. You're looking good. Got that smile on your face. It's always great to see you, my man. And great job on the uh, on the commentary. If I were those other guys, I'd get nervous, including Joe Rogan. I think you put out a warning there. You put him on blast. Yeah, man, thank you. I appreciate it. Those guys make it a lot easier, though. Okay, very nice of you to say. Much love. Thank you. Good luck later today. All right, Elwani. Thank you. There he is, the light heavyweight champion of the UFC, Daniel Cormier, joining us with an update on his status. Okay. We're going to stick to the light heavyweight division. In a minute, we're going to be joined in studio by the sledgehammer. Alir Latifi is here. He's just over there in the other room. I saw him with my own eyes. He's going to be here in studio in a matter of moments. So we need to take a quick break. We need to reconfigure the studio. What's our video that we're doing? I forget. Could someone help me out? So much going on in my mind. Oh, yes. We've got a couple of interviews. Um, Yes, we've got Demetrius Johnson, my very first interview with... Dem- no, no, it was after Demetrius Johnson's UFC debut, UFC 126. He defeated Kid Yamamoto. So we've got my post-fight interview with Demetrius Johnson at UFC 126, just to look back at how far he's come. And time permitting, we may also look at UFC 123 after Edson Barbosa's UFC debut. He had a big weekend. He defeated Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis now 5-4 and four in the UFC. He's lost three in a row. Who would have thunk it? So let's configure or reconfigure things, I should say. And in a minute, we are going to be joined in studio 
by Lear Latifi, the sledgehammer. For now, y'all must have forgot Demetrius Johnson's UFC debut. Ariel Hawani post-fight at UFC 126 alongside Demetrius Johnson who defeated Kid Yamamoto tonight and uh, Demetrius very dominant win uh, by you tonight and it just seemed as though you were able to impose your will on him the entire fight. Was that what you were expecting? Uh, yeah, you know, I was expecting, you know, to get a lot of takedowns because he steps in real hard, you know, but I made a couple mistakes about, you know, letting him crawl underneath me and not, uh, you know, stuffing him underneath me because he's real good about balling up so I couldn't even get to my submission repertoire so really upset about that. What do you think of his performance, um, especially in the first round? He seemed very tentative. Um, you know, I, I don't really want to say he's tentative. You know, he just understands range and distance very well. And so each time I step in, he will back up because he always, he waits. And as you come forward, he always hits you with that hard right. And you watch his highlight reel, that's what he does. So, you know, I, I was trying to ease my way in there and not get stupid and get hit with that hook. And so he, he's just really good about controlling distance and he understands it very well. So that's when you get that kind of footwork action going on. And that's what happened tonight a lot about that stand up. And your timing was impeccable because you were slipping under his right hook every time. You were, you were making sure that he wasn't even going to touch you, taking him down right away. I'm sure that's something you worked on, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, me and Matt, we worked on it a lot. All the guys at the gym, we did. And, uh, you know, the one thing we were trying to work on was uh, him to draw out that hook. And that's why he looked so tentative because he, he was waiting, waiting. And um, I was just too over uh, over my, my base. Was, my head was over my feet, so I couldn't go here and come back and come back on my counter. And so I resorted to my wrestling because I was already here. Then when he shot, I just came underneath and got him. So and You're so fast. You're even faster than this interview. I can't even catch up <laughs> putting my, the mic in front of your face. You're very quick out there. Do you feel as though at 135, no one can just keep up with your pace? Um, I'm sure there's guys out there who keep up my pace. You know, uh, I think, you know, Yamato was just looking for that one shot knockout, you know, and I was looking for, you know, the complete game tonight, and I was, you know, to be very well-rounded, you know, hit him on the feet, throw knees, uh, lower my elevation, do the takedowns. If I don't get takedown, come up, kick, knee, so in combination, because it's mixed martial arts, it's not just, you know, box. If it was, and it, it, it could have been a different story tonight, you know? What was your take on um, a moment in the second round? He seemed to have kneed you, and you were a little bit rocked, but then he, he moved back. I think he thought it was an illegal knee. Was it? Oh, no, I mean, it was going to be. It was almost like the Donald Cerrone and... Uh, Jamie Varner. Jamie Varner, uh, thank you. Uh, same thing, you know. He was getting ready to throw the knee, and I was down, and I moved out of the way, and then he thought he hit me, but and then I, I was standing there, and I got up, and I was like, hey, man, it's okay, you know. In a dream, you can knead it the head. So, you know, sometimes when I'm uh, working out with these guys, I've been kneading the head because... I like to train that kind of stuff too. So, but you know, I wasn't dazed at all. I just moved out of the way of the uh, knee, and uh, I just got him. Say, hey man, it's all good. You know, I know it's you're, it's a business. It's it's a sport. So. What was it like being out there in front of a UFC audience, in front of the, uh, you know, the, the, the crowd, pay-per-view crowd? And in that cage, it's a little bit bigger than the WC cage, right? Yeah, it, it was a little bit bigger, you know. Like, me and my coaches were like, man, it's not really that big, much bigger. And we're like, yeah, and we train at Vanilla Silva's gym, and his cage is huge. I mean, we had me, Matt, and, uh, you know, one time we had Rafael Santo in there. So, and it was great to fight in front of the UFC crowd. It reminds me of my uh, WC days, so it was good. And talk about this uh, situation. We don't see uh, Xbox sponsoring a lot of fighters. Yeah, um, you know, Xbox 360 really stepped up. Microsoft stepped up to uh, sponsor uh, Mixed Martial Arts, and I, was, I guess I'm the first protege. And um, I really want to say big thanks to them and big thanks to UFC and Dana White and uh, uh, everybody at the staff at UFC for putting my fight on uh, Facebook. And thank you guys for interviewing me. And who do you think they'll book you against next? You know, it's hard to say. You know, I I'm still climbing up the, uh, the mountain, you know, and we got a lot of tough guys, you know. I mean, they can put me up against anybody, and I just got to go back home and go back to work, 40-hour-week job, and get ready for the next one, so.
Well, thank you for the time. Congrats on the win. Oh, thank you, bud. Ariel Hawani, post-fight at UFC 123 with Edson Barbosa, who defeated Mike Lulo tonight in very impressive fashion. And Edson, first off, congratulations on your first UFC win. I have to ask you, why are you holding your cup right now? He had to pee in the cup for the test, so he didn't want to hand it to anybody. Be like, hey, hey, here, hold my cup. So he's holding it. I'm sure you're going to be keeping that one for a very long time. This was your first UFC fight and victory. How did it feel to be out there in the octagon for the first time? Well, I said he was very thankful first for the opportunity. And like people say, he has a lot of fights, but he was too nervous for being the UFC, having a lot of pressure, winning your first fight in the UFC, which is the biggest show, the biggest league. But he felt like he was very comfortable in the beginning. He was kind of anxious to just be able to like put a good show and show his potential, his full potential. But you know, regardless of being the UFC or not, he felt like he he walked in and he was actually comfortable with the whole atmosphere and stuff. You had a uh, change of opponent sort of at the last minute. How did that affect your training? Sinceramente, não afetou, cara. Actually, it didn't change much because I always focus on what I'm going to do, my game, my 100%. It doesn't really matter who I'm fighting. I'm going to do the same things I'm used to do, which is focus on my game. And as soon as I find out that I was fighting someone else, it didn't change much because I was just focusing on myself, focusing on my game and trying to go there and fight whoever, you know. I don't know if you know this, but there is a lot of buzz and hype about you, especially online. Um, and, and clearly you have delivered in your first fight. We saw a lot of great power from you. Obviously the leg strikes were very effective. Is that for the people who are seeing you for the first time, is that sort of your forte here? Is that your strength, those leg kicks? Do you use that to, to beat a lot of your opponents? Eu, sinceramente, uh, eu, eu acho que eu sou um lutador completo, cara. Eu tenho um jogo de chão, tenho um jogo de wrestling, tenho um jogo... Yeah, I'm definitely a striker as you can see, but my forte, I would say it's not just leg kicks, but knees, hands, everything, knees, uh, flying knees, the whole thing. Today I show my skills as a leg kicker, like throwing leg kicks, but I do have a background in jiu-jitsu and wrestling, I've been training everything and I feel like I'm a complete fighter. Uh, I'm excited to show all my other skills in my next fight. Alright, back on. The MMA Hour, here we are, very special guest, Alir Latifi in the house. How about that? Wow, what an honor this is. Thank you so much. It's an honor being here. Thank you for joining us. So what brings you to New York? Well, um, I have a very close friend, again, Barisha, so I've been here visiting him and had some other meetings uh, with some people. So oh. just traveling in the U.S., you know, I've been here for a couple of months now and I really like it. So are you done with Sweden? Uh, absolutely not. You know, uh, Sweden is always my my base. That's where I grew up and uh, where I trained all my life. But, uh, you know, the, the sport is biggest here in the U.S. The UFC is so big, so I felt it was like a big, uh, uh, an important step to me to come over here and, uh, you know, train here and, and be over here where, where the big shows are. But do you live here full time now in the U.S.? Uh, I've been here for a couple of months. So okay. let's see what happens in the future. Uh, I would probably like to to stay here too but let's see what happens you know well you're all nice and tan you, yeah. you seem like you like the sun i know your 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 base is in florida right yeah i'm based down in miami yeah you're hanging out with my mother yeah how about that yeah she recognized you <laughs> yeah that was pretty funny you know that's amazing living in the same building so yes. that was pretty cool that's amazing but um like when she came up to you and said oh i'm, I'm ariel's mother did you think she was joking no no i wouldn't knew because i met you a couple that's of right, weeks that's before, right that's right so that like, <laughs> i was just like wow what a coincidence but it was funny how she recognized me so how she was like you're a fighter you're a UFC <laughs> fighter you know my son i'm like 
who's your son? <laughs> then she told him, like, of course I know him. So it was nice, you know. So. It, it was after you just fought at UFC 196. Exactly. So she watches all the pay-per-views. So she was, uh, you know, it was very easy for her to recognize you. So let's talk. Okay, so UFC 197 just happened. Yeah. Um, you tweeted me you were looking for a place to watch the fight. Yeah. Did you find a place? Yeah, we were at a local bar, bar down at uh, Manhattan and just like chilled with some, some friends. So it was nice, you know, nice seeing the fights. Yeah. What do you think of John Jones? This is your division. Yeah. What did you make of his performance? Actually, uh, it I, it was what I thought it would be. You really? Know? Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, I wasn't like I wasn't surprised. Like everybody was thinking that it would was going to be an easy fight. Uh, I know he had he hadn't been in octagon a long time, and it's always a little bit nerves coming back, all the pressure, and you know, like DC said, a lot of new rules. Mm. You know the uh, the the Ivy ban. Uh, he's a big guy, cut, cutting a lot of weight, different training, and it fights a tough guy. Mm. You know, you can't take that from him. the guy that was there. He he's a tough fighter and. Uh, you know, it's it's not an easy game. So based on all these new rules and how he looked on Saturday, do you think DC beats him in the rematch? Uh, I think DC had... For the first fight, I think DC wasn't really prepared of of uh, John Jones' wrestling skills, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, that he has a good takedown defense. John Jones coming from a Greco-Roman Greco uh, background it gives him a, a, a big advantage against the cage and it's hard to take him down. So I think he wasn't prepared that he was going to be so hard to take down. But this time, if, if he fights him with that pressure that DC can put on and the will that he has, I think, uh, of course, that he, he can take it. Wow. And he will. And he's dedicated, you know? Yeah, of course. Uh, kind of the same build as you, right? Yeah. You're cut from the same cloth, as they say. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're, like, we're the smallest guy in the division. But like I always said, you know, people often say why do you don't cut to 185 but i would never make 185 i'm no. too heavy you know i walk around 235 wow. even more now I, I i walk around less but you know i'm a heavy guy by nature you know right. but that gives me also some other advantages too you know so of course i'm strong i'm powerful I'm, and i'm fast so you know I, I i make the things that that people see as my weakness as my strength right um and we will get to you in a second but i gotta ask because it's on everyone's mind i know you follow the news in mma what, what do you think about this whole conor mcgregor situation a fellow european fighter what, what do you think about this this is madness yeah you know me and conor we have a pretty cool history because he debuted at the card where i was a main event that's right and since then we fought like three or four times at the same event that's right well, you know, he's an amazing athlete. He makes, he, he lifted this sport to another level. What he's done for the sport is amazing. He's a great athlete. He's a great performer, but he's not only an athlete, he's an artist. It's different being a fighter, just pay, to be able to fight. And it's different taking the fighting to the world, like to, to, to all the people. Yeah. And that's what it, what it is. He's an artist. So, but in the same time, I understand him because like, he comes from a loss. The, all these world tours with the mass media and stuff, it takes a lot of energy. And it takes the focus of what you should do. Mm. Because as a fighter, you always got to stay hungry and train hard. In the end, that's what's the important thing. It's not about the talking. It's right. not about the flashing and stuff. When the cage closed, you're there to fight and perform. And I think after the last fight, he thought, damn, man, 
I should go back and do what I should do. Right. Training like an animal, you know, training hard and being hungry. I d I'm not saying that he's not hungry anymore, but you know, some th somewhere I thought like, man, I'm going back where I started. Mm -hmm. Like I, I self like to do that, go back where I started, you know, in my hometown, train at that dirty, dirty, you know, gym where I started to get me hungry again, you mm -hmm. know, sometimes you need that. So I think it wasn't like, he did it, wanted to diss the UFC or something. It was like, hey man, I'm here, I wanna work hard, you know. I wanna win this fight, it's important. And in the same time, I understand the UFC too, because mm. he's such a big name. This event, the 200 event is so, so big, they really need him to promote it. But you know, this, this thing happened, and I think you, you just have to have a communication and, and work it out. Yeah, hopefully they can work it out. Yeah. It would be a shame if they don't. So what yeah. about you? Because you have been looking good. You've won three in a row. Um, you're very dominant. Anyone suggesting you moving down to 185 is crazy because you've had so much success at 205. I see you going back and forth with Ryan Bader. What's going yeah. on? What's next? Well, you know, I've been saying a long time, you know, uh, when I st first started in UFC, I wasn't ready maybe to fight the best. Hmm. But now after f six or seven fights, you know, I'm ready to fight the best. And I I've said I I've, I've been wanting a top five opponent a while now. Hmm. So, and I know I can beat, I don't want to sound cocky. You know, I never brag and stuff. I never call out people. That's not my style of a person. Right. You know, I respect all the fighters and everything, you know. I'm a respectful person, but uh, I know I can beat anybody in that division. But you did ask for Ryan Bader on Twitter. I did, yeah. yeah. And that's nothing that I have against him. Sure. I just told like a lot of fans were ask, asking me about that fight. You should fight Ryan. And Ryan, he has a, you know... He's been. At, he's at the top. Sure. He's good ranked. He has fought the best, and a lot of people see it as a good matchup. And uh, you know, I, w I would love to fight him. You know. So okay, you say that I could beat the best. I could. I could beat anyone in the division. Does that include the top two guys? Like when you watch John Jones fight on Saturday, do you say I could be in there and I could beat this of guy? Of course. Yeah, you feel that confident now. Yeah. Wow. So has the when US I say I can beat everybody, then I meet anybody. Wow. Um, it took you some time to start believing that. I mean, it's all about the experience. Yeah. You know, I have developed for every fight that I've come. You can see from my first fight. Sure. To m you you can't even count count my first fight because yeah. my first fight I wasn't prepared. I cut twenty seven pounds in three days. You know, and and I went in without no training, no sparring, nothing. I was just like, let's do it. Sure. But that's the kind of person I am, you know. I don't, I don't like to talk. I go in and I, and I show the results, you know. That's one of my favorite stories since I've been covering this sport. How you got into the the, yeah. the UFC? You you don't even know the whole story. That's can pretty you, crazy. Can you tell us the whole story, please? For one, once and for all, <laughs> tell us the whole story. How does it start? So everything is like I had like I was out. Of, I wasn't in the UFC, but I was like just the step in. And one of the biggest fighter names in Sweden and and, and the Scandinavia, and I was just I had like three fights, just before that happened that were canceled. So I was like training for like three four months. One fight canceled, then I oh we found another fight canceled, and I had a hard time getting fights. That was my biggest problem before the UFC. I had a hard time getting fights. So after the like third or fourth fight was canceled, I was like. Man, I'm done with this shit because you know it was hard making a living. Sure. You know? I wasn't like making money of of these fights, and I was like stuck in the middle. So I was like, man, what's happening now? But my dear friend and my coach that's been with me all the way, Salman Bersha, said, man, let's work. You know, 
the opportunity is gonna come. So I'm back home in in my hometown, Malmo. I'm uh, visiting my family, and I get this. Alex was supposed to fight yep. the main event in Stockholm, and it's so funny because I was with my brother and his family at home, and I went down to the shop to buy some. We had Easter dinner and stuff, so I went down to buy some ice cream and some, <laughs> <laughs> some candy. It's like. 10 in the night, Friday night, I remember it. It was just a week before the fight. Okay. The fight. Yeah. Eight days, right? It's Friday. Yeah, probably like, yeah, not even eight. But yeah, it was Friday night. So it was like six or seven. So they say, did you hear what happened? So, no. So, uh, Alex is injured. So it's not sure he's going to be able to fight. Okay. I said, wow. And I even think about they're going to ask me or something. Who's you know? calling you, by the way? My coach. He's calling, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, he said, so, okay, I said, wow. So, okay, well, I said, then he says, like, I think you should come up here to Stockholm. And it's like a six, seven hours drive. Okay. So, why, Hamba? They're not going to find a replacement, you know. In that short notice, it's a main event. Who's going to take a fight in yeah. seven days? Again, Musashi, a top guy, you know. Yeah, nobody's yeah. going to take it. So, and he already knows me as a person. He know I would take it, you know. I want to back out. How much you weigh at this point? I was probably 12, 13 kilos over. So I was like 235. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So he says like, okay, so I just go home, get in my small smart car. My headlights weren't working and I drove like all night, six, seven hours. Wow. Like. So you, you don't buy the ice cream, nothing? Nothing. <laughs> you know, I buy it and <laughs> send it, it to home. <laughs> and I'm saying, and I just go in and say like, listen, I'm leaving for Stockholm. So why? My, maybe I'm gonna get this fight because how the, all the circumstances, my my intention said I gotta go. So I went up, and they go out that he can't fight, and I go out on on Twitter, on Facebook, and we start talking. You know, I say I'll, I'll fight him. You know, I'll do it. And wh like Wednesday night, I get the contract, I sign the paper, paper, and. I start taking the weight, you know? Well, wait, you skipped some steps here. When do you get the contract? But what are you doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday? When do you get the call that you're in? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> so Saturday Saturday morning, I'm in Stockholm. I go up, I do a workout, you know, just to do something. And we start talking to Joe Silva and like, okay. starting like, hey, he can take the fight. And they started looking me up who I am and stuff, blah, blah, blah. And so I, you know, this guy has an ama amazing crowd in Sweden. They love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go back and forth, blah, blah, blah and stuff. And Are you talking to Alex at this point? Yeah, I'm talking to Alex. Is Al it tough? Because this it's is tough, your you know. He, he was very disappointed. But he was, in the same time, he was happy that I, that I got the opportunity, you know. Okay. And it was just like so much happened. And then when I go out on Twitter, like when the, because it was 1st of April, so everybody was like, oh. <laughs> there was people going out and saying, I'll take the fight. I think like Vanderlei Silva yes, went out yes. and people, so people thought, but they were just joking. So I go out and say it and then it like goes crazy. You know, people know it's f for, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start writing, you know, in the magazines and swing like the Rocky story, you know, this unknown guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relative unknown for the world, you know, challenging this this great fighter. So it was like a crazy atmosphere in Sweden and my home time and I got a lot of support. But it was like a very hectic week and I never forget that week because I was doing like interviews like four or five hours a day, cutting weight, and like it was just 
a crazy moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I had a lot of co close friends and w this, we didn't think so much. We was like, let's do it. Man. Yeah, that's what life is all about. I'm wondering who is the one that told you you're in? Like, do you remember that phone call? Yeah, it was it was my coach, Selman Berisha. You said yeah. you got it. Hamba, yeah, Hamba, are you ready to fight Saturday? Are you ready to do this? Of course I'm ready, man. Wow. That's, that's, that's life, you know? Yeah. I always tell people, you gotta take your chances in life, whatever it is, never be afraid to step out of your comfort zone because then you never know how great you can be. Mm. And there was a lot of people doubted me when I, when I fought that fight, even before the fight, they were like, he's gonna get smashed the first minute, he cut so much weight, he's that and that. And I was like, you know, let them believe what they wanna believe, I know what, I, what I'm capable of. And was Actually, when I come to the arena after the weigh-ins, after the weight cut, and come to the arena for the fight and warm up, it's such a crazy feeling behind, but I don't know where I got the energy to fight that fight. Hmm. Because I was so exhausted. From cutting weight. From the weight cut. Yeah. And so dehydrated, so I didn't even warm up. Wow. I just like, I had no energy to warm up, so I was like, what happens, happens. We're gonna go in and we're gonna do this. But for me, it was important not to only go in and take the fight. For me, it was important to perform. Sure, sure. So, honestly, I don't know where I got that energy. It was just pure, pure will because there was no tactical, it was no, I had no energy to, it was just going and fight, you know? I remember there was a shot, I think it was before the third round where they show you your eye is busted up. Yeah and the people are cheering for yeah. you and people are shocked that you even made it to the third yeah. round. Like that's a victory in its yeah. own right. Did, were they helping you as well? Of course, you know, it, it meant a lot, you know, for, for, for where I grew up, doing what I did was a big step. So a lot of people like, wow, you know, look what, what's, what, what, what's, what he has done on, on his own, you know? Coming from where I grew up, they were like, hey, he made it all the way here alone. Yeah. So it was a crazy thing. But it shows, you know, if you, if you have the will, the drive to, to do something, you're capable of doing a lot in life. How difficult was that weight cut? I mean, did it ever get scary for you? It did, you yeah. know, because, uh, you know, I, was, I wasn't physically prepared. Mm. I was like in the sauna cutting like four hours a day. Yeah. Four hours? A day, three days. Gosh. No drinking, no eating, no nothing. How do you so, do that? How, physically, how do you guys do this? You don't do it, but it's nothing normal. I, <laughs> sure. I, I wouldn't re recommend nobody to of do course. it. Of course. It's not the, I mean, nobody has done that in UFC history, taking a fight in, in that short notice. Yeah. It's something else taking a fight in two weeks, three weeks, sure. but taking in three days, cutting 28 pounds, 28 pounds, nobody. Was there ever a point where you thought you wouldn't make it? Like it was too tough? <sighs> no. I, I already decided, we're gonna make this. <laughs> you gotta just decide in your head. Yeah, yeah, When yeah. you decide something, yeah. that's, that's how we grew up, you know, that's how my father, when you decide for something, then you decide and you make it. Whether you break down or whatever, it doesn't matter, yeah. you just gotta make it. When's the last time you watched that fight? It was a long time ago. Do you take pleasure out of it? Like, do you say, you know, the fact that I showed up and went the distance with this guy, was that a victory for you or were you pissed off that you lost still? I was maybe like, of course, you know, you're never happy when you lose, you know, but in a way, when I think back what I went through, it was, 
amazing that I did those three rounds, you know, because I, like I told you, I was there already when I stepped in. I yeah. had no energy. Like after the first punch, I was like, Phew. so I was just like, it was pure, pure will. So you said that you you come from how do you pronounce it Malmo? Yeah, Malmo. Malmo yeah. uh, in Sweden. Yeah. Your your parents are originally from Kos Albania, Alba Kosovo, Kosovo Albania. Yeah. Um, where were you born? You were born in Sweden, though, right? Yeah, I was born in Sweden. My parents immigrated during the seventies to to Sweden. Why did they go to Sweden? You know, to work, you know. They came to Sweden. There was like uh, Sweden was taking a lot of people over there. To they needed like a lot of labor and stuff. Yeah. So were you an athlete as a kid? Yeah, I wrestled. I started wrestling when I was six years old. Wow. Yeah, I did Greco-Roman wrestling. I actually did Greco-Roman wrestling until I was 25 or 26, and then I went over to MMA. So I, the transition to MMA came through my brother, who's a jiu-jitsu black belt and one of the pioneers in, in uh, like, no holds bar in, in uh, Scandinavia and Europe. Yeah, I've read that. Um, how old is your brother? He's, uh, don't say wrong, he's like 42. Oh, wow, okay, so is it tough for him to see how big MMA has gotten in Sweden and he wasn't able to capitalize on it? I mean, sometimes he wished that he could, I think he wishes that when he fought, yeah. it could be this big, you know? Yeah. Because when he's fought, there was no money, there was nothing. He went like to Russia, to Finland, fighting tournaments where there were practically no rules. Wow. Headbutts. Did you watch these? Of course. How did you see them? Like, did you go with him? I, uh, some of the fights I was with him, and uh, wow. others I saw like they're on, like on, on like uh, the tape yeah, or whatever. So was he someone like was he like an, an idol for you? Someone that you looked up to? Did of you say course, I want to be know, like him? Yeah. And my brother always supported me during my career. You know, today he's not. It he doesn't have the possibility of being with me like during all my training. Sure. Uh, but he's always there, like, spiritually. Does he come to your fights? Yeah, he's always in my corner. Sal and and, and my brother are always there. At, at what point you decide that you want to become a pro MMA fighter? Well, I made the switch to, our, like, I wrestled and was a dedicated yeah. wrestler a long time. In but you're not career. making money, right, when you're a wrestler? No. Nothing. So I was, like, trying to qualify for the, for the national team and for the... Olympics. Uh, yeah, and yeah. stuff. But, you know, it was... It's too bad, you know, because sports has a lot of politics and stuff and favorizing people and stuff. And uh -huh. I just felt like it was too much bullshit. Wow. And I didn't, I, I don't, I'm not saying that I was the best in my division, but I was one of the best. And I didn't feel that the opportunity was given for me to develop as a wrestler. So too much politics. They started changing the rules, the, the, the rules in the wrestling, like uh, the how wrestling looked. Okay. Yeah, the Greco and I just felt like it was, in the time I was feeling like MMA was more and more interesting. What year is this? This is like 2004 or five. Okay, wow, so there's no real, you know, legends in, in, in Swedish MMA at that point. There's no one to really look up to. Your brother you're looking up yeah. to, but there's no Alex Gustafsson, so to speak. No, right? no, there's not. The, the, my brother, I mean, one of the, uh, like the really pioneers in, in uh, MMA in action in Sweden is Omar Butch. Mm -hmm. He fought in Pancrase, mm -hmm. and he was actually my my brother's uh, uh, like first trainer in oh, wow. MMA. So I trained with him for a while. Okay, so you decide, okay, I'm going to go from wrestling to MMA. I'm going to yeah. try to become a fighter. Yeah. What does your family say about this? They didn't like it. They I didn't know. like They're it. Like, I mean, how are you going to make a living as a fighter? Because sure. I'm a very dedicated person. I'm either 
white or black yeah. when I do something. You know, I'm I'm all in. So when I went in for fighting, I went a hundred percent. Wow. And I started training hard, you know. And my brother said, "He believed him." He said, "You should do fighting, man. You can make a, you know, you can make a career of it." Because he knew that I had it in me. And we started training and like started looking fights. I get my first fight in Bulgaria. Yes, this is a famous fight. It is. But I can't. There's no footage of it online. Uh, I think you can find it on Vimeo or Daily Motion. Okay, I checked on YouTube. I yeah. couldn't find it. Explain think, what happened here. This is crazy. This story. So I mean, this like. In the beginning of the world, these crazy shows in Europe, you know, they were not so organized. So I get this fight. I just wanted to fight. Yes. I get this fight in Bulgaria, Sofia. And they say like, oh, you're going to fight this guy. And he's like a Sambo guy, world champion. I didn't know so much, you know. Yeah. Like, but I was like maybe 210 pounds. I wasn't so heavy. Okay. And yeah, they say like it's the same weight and stuff. So I come to Bulgaria. And to Sofia, they pick us up. These uh, guys, very nice people, you know, over there. And they take us to arena and stuff, and we meet up the people. <laughs> I was just like some local cool guy that had money that was notorious in Sofia who said, I'm going to make a, a cool show for my friends, you okay, know. Okay, okay, okay. Probably his gangster friends, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a cool crowd, so uh, we're coming there, and like, there's no, no way in, no medicals. Wow. No nothing, you know, and I'm the main event. What year is this? 2008. 2008, okay. Yeah. I'm the main event, and I'm fighting this guy, then Blago Ivania, who yeah. turned out to be, you know, a great fighter. World Series of Fighting Champion now. Yeah. He fought against Fedor. Yeah. He's an amazing, yeah. tough Bellator. guy, you know. Yep. And, you know, it comes. we come in the main event, and, like, we're pumped up. I'm pumped up. I've been training hard for, like, months, and I just want to have a fight. And... First, at like the first uh, contact, I push him up against the rope, and because it was a ring, so when <laughs> I push him up to the ropes on this side, this pole just breaks loose. So the whole ring breaks down. <laughs> that is insane. And the whole crowd goes crazy. And I'm like so focused. I'm like trying to push him. Like you don't even realize? No, I don't realize. And wow. my brother says, "Stop! Stop! Stop! Stop!" So we thought they're gonna fix the cage, like something was loo uh, the ring, that something is loose, and like we're having a look, and it's like the whole pole is broken, like. So they had to stop the fight, no contest and stuff. But how disappointing is that for your first fight? You were probably so jacked up, right? It so was. excited. It was. How did you calm down? I was like, I was heck? so like, now this is not happening. Yeah. I was like, I had two or three fight cancels, and then I get this fight, no contest. I was like, man, this is not happening. But, you know, everything has a reason. And then, like, two, three months after, he fought Federer and won yeah. the World Sandwich Championship. So, you know, he's um, a very tough guy. How difficult was it in those early days to actually earn a living? Like, did you have to do other jobs and things like that? Yeah. Make money? Uh, I, I worked all the time. You know, I had two two jobs. And what I did was, you do? Uh, I worked, uh, like, 10 years I worked with uh, young, you know, teenagers that... that uh, how do you say social work with, oh, okay. with with guys that maybe choose choose the wrong way in life? Yeah, delinquents. Yeah, so yeah. I tried to motivate them to choose a, a better life. You know, help them with the sports, self confidence and stuff. And then I did security and stuff. You know? Wow, when's the last time you had to do that stuff? Like, when's the last time you had to have another job? Oh, probably three or four years ago. Five. Yeah. So before you came into the UFC. Yeah. Once you got the call, you were full time. 
Yeah. But you said that you were having fights, you know, getting canceled left and right. Uh, Did you think about leaving? Saying enough of this. About, I mean, every fighter thinks have has that doubt. Yeah. When they're upcoming, like you're living, you're traveling the world, living like in strange places. Yeah. I stayed at some strange places, you know, and you're training and you have a dream somewhere and like thinking like it's so far, but it. And the same time, it's so close, you know. Mm. And sometimes, like coming from Sweden, being a big famous fighter in the U.S. is like, it's not even imaginable that why are they gonna pick you from Sweden to become a UFC fighter and like top ten contender? Why? Yeah, there's so many fighters in the U.S. Sure. So it's such a long, like it's so close, but still a dream that is so far away that you like start questioning it. But uh, somewhere, I, I had the belief in myself, and I worked hard for it. A lot of your teammates got there before you. Was that tough to see, you know, Alex fighting John Jones and um, Reza Madadi, these guys? Was it hard to see other people get a shot and you thinking you deserve to be there as well? Uh, no, I knew, I always believed that when the time is right, you will be there because it's not only being in the UFC. Hmm. It's about performing there, making, making your, your name memorable there. What's the state of the gym right now, the All-Stars gym? What's going on? Uh, you know, the, the guys are working hard. Yeah. Um, Reza is fighting in like two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. He's hungry, you know, and he's ready. Uh, Alex also working, you know, developing new skills. Is he back there now? He's back. He's back. He's back. He's working, you know, and he's uh, gathering his energy, you know. It was a tough fight last time with DC. Amazing fight. I helped him prepare for that fight, yeah. you know, and... I train because I trained with DC before too, you know. So and we are pretty similar at at, uh, at our build. It was sure, a yeah. perfect training training. Camp. When did you train with DC? It was a short while when I was uh, traveling through the US. I was in uh, San Jose. Okay, when you were in the UFC? Yeah, yeah. Actually, after my first fight, I was there like two 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 weeks. What was that like? It was amazing, you know. DC is a great guy. Yeah. I like him as a champion too because he is, uh, he's a real athlete. Right, right. He's respectful and uh, he's a showman in the right way, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I have a lot of respect for him, both as a fighter as a person. I, I asked about the team because it seemed like for a minute, you know, Alex was back in, at Alliance and he was saying that, you know, he was considering retirement as well because he had been through a lot. W would you say that, you know, this is kind of a state of transition for the team? Is that fair to say? I mean, even you, to be honest, you're not there. You're, you're yeah. at ATT and I stuff. Mean, I mean, like, all teams have these periods. Ups and downs, yeah. Ups and downs. Yeah. Like, this team is like, everybody's there, everybody's good and stuff. But I mean... All teams have these peers that people want to make changes and they want to find themselves and stuff. So that's not for for Alex. I think it's just like he he, he had some tough fights and he he's not retiring. Mm. He's like I think he has a lot of good fights. He did the two craziest title fights probably in UFC history. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. I mean, you can't take that kid's warrior heart. No, it's you amazing. Can. In hindsight, I wish he had a break between the Rumble Johnson fight and yeah. that one just to get his confidence. Yeah. You were there that night, right? Yeah. Did that hurt Swedish MMA? You know. Him losing like that in front of all those people, and especially it was like 4 a.m. Remember that? I mean, you know, fans, you know, the real fans, they always stick there. Yeah. They always believe that. They all, the real fans, they're always going to be by, behind our backs and the Swedish MMA. The Swedish MMA scene is so small. Yeah. But we make a lot of noise. I mean, Sweden is 9, mi nine million people. 
That's it. That's nothing. It's unbelievable. And there's That's not even New York. How yeah, many yeah. live in New York? I know. York? It's crazy. It's unbelievable. So, I mean, like, it, it, what we have done, I think it's it's amazing. And still, MMA is like, the people love MMA. But still, like, it's not, it's not, it's like a little bit how it was in New York, you know? People follow MMA, but mm -hmm. it wasn't, like, really accepted from the government, from the stuff. It's like, oh, that, that sport is like, you know, it's... It's crazy, you know, fighting is not okay. It's violent stuff. But more and more people are like, wow, what athlete these guys are. Because there's no athlete that trained like us. Yeah, no. well, I, I was just wondering, you know, did, did, did the media turn on it just because the, the most famous guy lost like that? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit. Yeah. But I think it's going to change back, come, coming back. You know, everything is like. You're yeah. the one doing the best right now. I've, doing, I've, doing, I've been doing good. You're so. carrying that torch. Yeah. By the I way, mean, it's a big man to fill up, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, that's we're a team, you know, and we help each other. So I'm doing the best that I can right now. And for me, it was a, po a time where I needed to, to, to get some fresh air and come out, you know. Did you grow up with the Swedish legend Zlatan Ibrahimovic? That's true. You know, we, we, we grew up in the Soccer same. legend, football legend. Yeah, yeah. He's an amazing football player, athlete. Uh, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Wow. Yeah. What are the chances? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, where I grew up, it's a pretty notorious neighborhood in Sweden. It's called uh, uh, Rusangor. Why notorious? I mean, it's, uh, what do you say? It's like... Uh, it's tough? Yeah, it's a tough area. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I don't know if you want to call it a ghetto or a project or what, but okay. it's notorious. And I mean, these areas, a lot of talents come because we... we we didn't have anything else to do. Either play football, yeah. wrestle, do boxing, or that. that's what we had to do, you know. We didn't have anything else to do. And uh, a lot of good athletes come from these areas. Not only Rusinger, we have other places too, so. When did you first meet him? Well, we, 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 we grew up like two, three blocks from each other. So wow. we had uh, like uh, some, some, one of my best friends lives, lived in the same, um, how do you say the building? same? Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, same building. So I used to see him there. You know. Did you play so, soccer with him? No, I don't. I don't like soccer. Why? I don't play. No, <laughs> I was always a fighter. You know, I was like, hey, you always running after this ball all day. But you know, sometimes for fun, you know. Did you ever wrestle with him? No, no. But he likes fighting. He likes he, fighting. He loves fighting. He loves the UFC, and it's pretty funny. You know, we, bro we There was a guy. He posted a picture of me and him like doing a kick you know and he likes when he when he plays football he does these crazy kicks and yeah. stuff and like that that comes from me he trained ta taekwondo when he was a small kid oh really yeah so but it's pretty funny because i'm in the the new ufc game he's in the oh in the football game yeah fifa both grew up in the same neighborhood that it's like thirty thousand, no twenty five thousand people what are the chances what are the chances it's unbelievable how but, tough was your childhood? Like you say, it's like a poor place, a notorious place. Was, was it dangerous at times? I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not that it's like. It's more the the social, okay. like the the how do you say the right word? It's a lot about the rumors of of the area. Like it was notorious of being like bad neighborhood, okay. a lot of crime, gangsters and stuff. Do you go back? I my parents still live there. So still that, live there. That's my town, but. I had a great childhood. My, my father worked hard. My mother worked hard. We had a like fantastic life. So it wasn't like broken down in that way. But it's like, you know, you have people living, I don't know, here in the Bronx. Sure, and sure, you have 
families that had a great childhood. I would say it's not what you have when you grow up. Yeah, yeah. Like materially, of course. It's, it's it's not where you grow up. It's what you have with your family. And if your family is supportive, my father was very supportive and taking care of us. And uh, family values, respect. When you fight, it. is it a big deal there? It is. Everyone's watching? Everybody. No matter the time. I got a matter of support, and I'm very proud for for. It's I amazing. It made me who I am. It made me believe that... I'm adaptable in all environments. And that, that, that's because where I grew up, you know, it made me challenge life, go out and travel and, and do new stuff. So I have a mad, res- uh, mad respect and support from people there. And it means a lot to me, even all over Sweden, but yeah. even in, in Albania and Kosovo too. Do you go there too? Yes. Do you go back? Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you meet young kids who you can see in their eyes, they look up to you? Of course. Is, uh, every, every, how, how do you deal with that? Because that's a lot of pressure, right? If, not pressure, no. Because I know, I'm going to tell you a funny story. When okay. I grew up, yeah. I, I had this role model, a wrestler, that I really, really looked up to. What's his name? We, never, we don't have to Why? go in there. Okay. <laughs> so... I really looked up to him. And okay. I remember I was a small kid, you know, and I wanted to be like him. I wanted to train like him, you know. So I go go to him and, like, he was in the club training there. And I asked him, please, you know, I started asking him, can you, how do you train? How do you do that, that, that? And he didn't give me the time, just, like, 30 seconds. to. Wow. He was like, not even, like, hey, I'm busy or something. He was like, uh, I don't have time for you, you know. He was rude. Yeah, he was rude. So I'll never forget that wow. moment as a child. Yeah. How old were you? I was like maybe seven or eight years old. Did it crush you? No, but it, I was like, I was like a little bit disappointed, yeah. you know, but I always told me, I'm never going to be like that. Huh. When I grew up, I say, if I ever become like a big champion or a fighter or something, I'm never going to be. I'm always going to try to give everybody the time. It's amazing how that works. Now, sometimes people can be like that, you know, famous people, and uh, they're just having a bad day. Of course. But you, know. you remember it as a kid, right? So you but always it was have heart to- crushing because that's what I would say, because you never know yeah. who admires you or wants to be like you. So maybe you're, you're having a bad day, but somebody else, it's his dream to meet you. Yeah, and he'll remember it for the rest of his for life. His life to- like you. Yeah. You ever see that guy again? Yeah. You do? <laughs> do you tell him? <laughs> no. Come on. What's his name? No, no, no. It's it's not a big deal. It's a you know, but he wasn't like a. But as a kid, I I looked up him. But it's like today he's he's a nobody. But it's pretty. He's a nobody. Yeah. Serves him right. Yeah. He deserves it. Yeah. But it's, this is life. You know. <laughs> What's he so doing now? He's just like a trainer somewhere. Never made it. Never made it. But that's why you always got to be humble, life, because life gives you opportunities. And it's up to you to believe in yourself and do the most out of it. Mm. Is it Andreas Michael? I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Andreas is a great coach. He's good, yes, of course. Well, he is a somebody. He's, he's dedicated. Yeah. Wow. He's dedicated. Uh, I, I bet someone will figure it out online. You, it is true, though. When I said that you were going to be on the show, people were like, oh, the goat, uh, the man, the goat is the greatest of all time. It's a short thing. Oh, yeah. we love the sledgehammer. Who gave you that nickname, by the way? The sledgehammer, that's a crazy story. <laughs> like my third or four, fourth fight, I was fighting at a famous show in Scandinavia called Rumble of the Kings. And the ring announcer was one of my friends from Malmö. He's, called, he's a famous rapper in Sweden. Oh. And he's, he's going to make it big soon here in the US too. He's called ADL. Okay. And he was a ring announcer, and like he says, hey, we got to find your nickname. So, I, man, I don't like nickname. I don't like these fighter names. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. 
I'm, I'm just a little Latifi. I'm a simple guy, you know. He's like, no, no, I'm going to find something for you. So you're going to see when you fight after you win, I'm going to. So I fight and I win this fight in like one minute, ground and pound him. And I was like, and the winner is <laughs> Ilir, the sledgehammer. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> sledgehammer? That's so typical, like. Uh, like yeah WWE sure but it's but stuck it's stuck so I don't like call myself the sledgehammer like that but sometimes it's fun because the fans like it so I just go with it I mean it fits you you it do does. look like a, you're like a fire hydrant you know fire hydrant yeah. <laughs> you have that build like a tree stump <laughs> that's what they say it's amazing um, by the way just curious so you're in Miami now South Beach it yeah. doesn't get any better but the the, the the women in Sweden way better than in Miami right let's be honest really you're going with Miami <laughs> no no Sweden's I'm not gonna say, turn their back on gonna, you I'm not saying nothing no I, the the women in Sweden are amazing they're, they're very down to earth do you like the blonde like I mean the typical is that your style <laughs> what's your style <laughs> my style is anything yeah, no, no. Not you don't have a type? No, no, I don't have a type. You know, I go for the character. What the character? Kind of, yeah. Wow, what a guy. Yeah. Unbelievable. I was in Stockholm. Everyone, blonde hair, blue yeah. eyes. It's amazing. But, you know, we have a lot of mixed uh, people sure. there, too. So you have, like, a lot of mixed girls that are, that are beautiful, you know. Do you like the South Beach better than the uh, the Swedish? No, I'm I actually sure like Swedish more. Okay. I do for a that. second there, you yeah, seem no, to be no. going the other way. But South Beach is like... Are you spoken for now? Is that why you're, you're hesitant? Do you, do you have no. a girlfriend now? No, oh, you're, no. you're free. No, I'm single. Everybody there. Everybody <laughs> out there, so you know. Yes. That's the big news of the day. Alir Latifi. By the way, what does Alir mean? What is it? What is Alir it? means freedom. There you go. You're free. Freedom. And actually, in what, in what like, language? It's like... Albanian is like a very, very uh, old people that live in the Balkans called the Illyrians. Wow. So they're like this old ancient warrior people. Mm -hmm. And that's where my name comes from, Illyria. It means the free people, the free people. Wow. So they lived in the Balkans, the, the mountain area there, and uh, like thousand, thousand years ago, like the same time as the ancient Greeks. And that's where my name comes from, Illyria. Wow, that is great. What does Latifi mean? The humble. This so fits you perfectly. It's pretty crazy, huh? Wow. Yeah. The free and the humble. Yeah. My grand grandfather's name was Latif, and that's what it, where oh, it okay. comes from. His first name was Latif. Yeah. And then so, they turned it into yeah, the last name. Yeah. Why? It was just like that, you know, after it was my great great grandfather's name. So Okay. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, so um to wrap it up, and this has been great. Ha have you enjoyed it? Amazing. I would love to come back. Anytime. Know. But I want to know, when are we going to see you fight again? Because you're on a roll. Because in the light heavyweight division, there's not a lot of guys who are on a roll like you. New blood, streaking, doing well, climbing the ladder. When I mean, are we going to see you again? Well, you know, like I said, I don't like to brag, but you've seen my last fights. Yes. I've been finishing. Killing it. And the last fight, I fought Gian. Very tough fighter, experienced yeah. guy. But, you know, I had control of, of the whole fight, three mm -hmm. rounds. I was never, like, in danger. And... In a way, I needed to go three rounds, but I had it because I hadn't gone three rounds since the Musashi fight. That's like three years Amazing. ago, three four years ago. So I needed that to to get like the feeling back and felt great, no injuries. I want to fight, you know. I want to go ready? to the top. I'm ready for anybody. Top ten, top five. Are you gonna get the call soon? I fight anybody for, for just not my friend Alex, you know. That's the only one. Yeah. No amount of money in the world. What? No. No money in the world. Even if it's for the belt, you don't fight him? No, no. You fought Say, him enough. 
Money is not everything in life. That's right. We don't forget. You know, you can't forget the people that supported you through life that uh -huh. were with you all the way. You know, and me and him we have been training all the time. We supported each other through the whole career, you know. So I think some things are not uh, worth money. Well said. I like that. Yeah, so I said, give me anybody in top five. I want to step up there. And I'm coming for that bail slowly oh, and slowly. So everybody out there, I'm just saying, so you know, I'm, I'm coming. You heard it here first on this program. Uh, what a pleasure this has been. Thank you very much. When Thank do you leave you so New York, much. by the way? I live in like, I'm going to be here for like four or five days more. And then you're going and back? And then I go back to Miami, training there. Okay, ATT. ATT, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I just wanted—I would love to fight in Madison Square Garden. That's, That's what you want. Yeah, that, I have a lot of crazy fans over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like American fans and uh, a lot of like Albanians and Swedish fans too. Yeah. So they're like, "Man, you gotta fight here in Madison." So <laughs> do you go see it? Of course. It's amazing, right? I was here ten years ago, and so funny. I was here with one of my close friends, Sheriff, and he said. That was before the UFC. It's like one day you're gonna fight here at Madison Square Garden. And I wow. told, I promised him, I said, you're gonna see me fight here soon. So we're close now. So, but Madison is like in November. Yeah, I would love to fight July again. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you know, I'm healthy, I'm fit, and I just want to fight. Well, I really appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much. Very good to have you in studio. I've been you. admiring your career. What a story! The way you came in, and now, I mean, uh, I think everyone has forgotten about how you came in. At first you were just the guy who took the fight on short notice. Now yeah. you're a real player at 205. Yeah. And it's great to see that. You are carrying the torch for Swedish MMA. Again, thank you very much. Thank you so you much. You can check him out on Twitter. You see it right there, Latifi MMA, one of the great guys in this sport. Alir, the sledgehammer Latifi. Thank now I'll you. think of that story every time <laughs> I, I say your nickname. What a pleasure this has been. So we will go from Alir Latifi to another rising star in this sport, must-see TV himself, Michael Page. Michael Venom Page is also here. He's gonna join us in studio. In a matter of moments, we're going to say goodbye to Alir. We're going to go to another clip. What's this clip that we got? I forget what do we have. What do we have? What do we have? We have Rory McDonald interview from UFC 129. Y'all must have forgot. It was April 30th, 2011. My son's birthday, April 30th. You've seen my kids? Yes, beautiful kids. Thank you. I what a guy this, Alir. Beautiful family. Oh, I appreciate it very much. Um, so that was five years ago this weekend. Rory McDonald beat Nate Diaz. Fun to look back at that. We're going to say goodbye to Alir. Welcome in MVP and be back right here on the MMA Hour. Do not go anywhere. Ariel Hawani for MMARated.com being joined by the California kid, Uriah Faber. Uriah, what's going on? Uh, just chilling. I got my boy uh, Jeremy Freitag fighting here at Elite XC, so just here to support him for the weigh-ins. All right, so uh, the last time we saw you in action, you were facing Jens Pulver, a great bout. I mean, it really put the WEC, perhaps even you, on the map officially in the world of MMA. How's life been since you defeat Jens? Uh, it's been good, you know. I feel like... Uh, it was something that it, that needed to happen, you know, a step up in competition like that. And, uh, you know, my hands are hurt still a little bit. But other than that, I'm, I'm chilling. And I uh, just got back from Japan, dream show. One of my guys had a great fight over there. So just enjoying my guys having success right now also. That fight was a month and a half ago, and your, your hands are still hurting? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they weren't broken or anything. So uh, I don't know what to deal with. He's got a hard head. <laughs> what do you think of Jens' performance in the bout? Uh, that was his first loss at that division at 145. Uh, put up a great showing, but every single round you just had a little more than him. Um, yeah, you know, I think he, you know, was really uh, has a revived, you know, passion for the sport, especially for that fight. He trained his butt off and, and 
I don't know many guys. Uh, no one I've ever fought has gone five rounds with me, and and it says a lot about him. He's he's a talented dude. So uh, much respect to Jens. You talk about a step up in competition on September 10th. You are facing Mike Brown. Do you view this as a uh, a step up or kind of you know same at uh, the same line as uh, Jens, or how do you view it? Uh, yeah, I think he's he's at the same level. You know, he's a uh, one of the top. You know, they have him ranked number two in the world right now at, at featherweight. And he's 19 and four. He's put in his time. I was actually there uh, for his UFC fight. I think I had maybe like four fights under my belt, and he was fighting in the UFC uh, way back in the day. And I and I met him there, and um, the guy's pretty impressive. So uh, I'll be bringing my A game. What are you expecting from him on the tenth? I mean, are you expecting him to stand uh, on his feet against you, take you to the ground? Right now, you've proven that you are a true mixed martial artist. So anywhere someone decides to go, there's going to be problems. Yeah, you know, uh, I I figure he's he's well rounded enough to where he's just going to take it where it goes. You know, I think his wrestling and jujitsu are are fairly strong, and and I've heard his his boxing uh, is is uh, pretty tough as well. So we're just going to find out who's the better man, and uh, I believe it's me and. And uh, he obviously thinks it's him if he's going to try to take my belt. And how about the WC in general? Uh, do you feel as though you know there's going to be enough opponents for you out there? Uh, you know now you, you fought Jens, you're, face, you're facing Mike Brown, but after a while, I mean the, the talent division in the WC is going to start to thin out. They're they're starting to acquire new talent. Are you content with the guys that they're serving up to you? Um, yeah, I am. You know, I I feel like the biggest thing is the same problem that uh, I was having before is the top talent at this weight class hasn't been showcased to a, a national level so now that people are seeing these fighters they're starting to understand how talented they are and there's a lot of talented guys that the world hasn't seen yet so um, you know guys like Mike Brown have been around the game and you know, like I said he's been in the UFC when I was just getting my feet wet in the sport so uh, you know it's just a matter of uh, you know letting the, letting the public see what's out there and there's a lot of tough guys but um, you know I'll fight whoever you have a dream match in mind? If there's one guy out there that you could pick to fight, is there anyone in, that comes to mind? Um, Adolf Hitler. Jeez, nice. <laughs> I like that. I'd like to fight him too. Yeah, yeah I think everybody would. Now, I, as far as uh, right now, I'm just taking whoever, man. I mean, there's some big fights in my career that uh, I think could happen, probably different weights, maybe up a weight, down a weight. But for right now, I just want to keep establishing myself and uh, keep making that cash. Yeah, and there is uh, some rumors that uh, the UFC has, or Zufa has purchased the IFL, and there might be some uh, some new competitors coming up to face you, perhaps even Wagner Fabiano, a guy who a lot of people are looking to uh, see how good he is in that division because he didn't have the best competition in the IFL. Your quick thoughts on Wagner? Um, I've seen just a little bit of him, and, and he looks like a real athletic guy, and other than that, you know, you never really know until you're face-to-face -face with someone and you're trying to kill each other, so... Uh, He's, he's proven to be pretty tough, and uh, I'll fight whoever, so we'll see. All right. Well All right, so that was actually Uriah Faber, not Rory McDonald. That was my first interview with Uriah prior to Elite XC in Stockton, California, way back when. That's you almost have forgot. But how about this? I am excited, my friends, because I don't throw around the term must-see TV too often. You, my friend, are must-see TV. I'm in awe of you. You are such a showman. Nah, I love you. everything that you do. Thank you so much. Michael Page joining nah, us in studio. Thank, thank you for coming. Thank, thank you for having me here, man. It's amazing. Like I was saying to you earlier on, it's just I'm so used to seeing it from the other side, and now I'm here. It's just amazing. It is an honor. Really, it is. Uh, congratulations on the win thank you. on Friday. From what I understand, now correct me if this is right or wrong, uh, you were in Connecticut mm -hmm. on Friday. You won. Yep. You keep fighting in Connecticut. That was like your third in a row there, yeah, right? Yeah, third time. Third it's like time, you're home yeah. away from home. Man, it seems to be now. <laughs> <laughs> but then you went to Florida. Yeah. 
And then you came back to New York. Oh, yeah. Just for you, man. <laughs> just, you're like a jet setter all over the place, yeah. loving life. Is it not true that you... So you were also at that press conference last week in yeah, London. Yeah, on, on the Monday and then just flew straight. It's been, it's been just a crazy couple of weeks and um, it's, it's going to continue. I land on Thursday. Uh, on Saturday, I go to Scotland. I'm doing a seminar over in Scotland. Wow. Uh, and then a couple of weeks after that, I'm going to be going away to, to Canada. So what are you doing there? Uh, TriStar. Ah, I heard uh, this. Yeah, so I'm going to be. Roy McDonald. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do some work over there with them. So um, it's going to it's exciting, it's exciting times. They're bringing you in to sort of emulate Wonder Boy Thompson, <laughs> uh -huh. right? Yeah. How did that happen? Again, just a more just an email. They got in contact with uh, you know my, my coaches, saying, oh, "Would I be able to come over? I thought it would be an excellent uh, opportunity for myself as well." So yeah, we're gonna go over there uh, only for a week because again, I got kind of get in preparation for you know what's coming up in, in London next. So uh, I'm gonna be out there a week. Um, hopefully, get to work with all their guys over there and then yeah, come back. So this is a weird thing because you had a fight on Friday. Yeah, you were at the press conference a few days before. <laughs> they say you're gonna be on the card July 16th, and then in the cage they say it's already signed that you're fighting Fernando Gonzalez. Did you know that before the fight? Yeah, yeah. We kind of um, obviously we wanted to get all the paperwork done uh, uh, beforehand. We didn't want to overlook anybody, but at the same time they. It was important for me to be on uh, the July card. Sure. You know, it's, it's my hometown. You know, um, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a big draw to, to that show. So they actually didn't really want me to fight uh, the other day. Oh, really? I, I actually pushed for that. I was like, man, I can't wait that long with, yeah. without a fight. I need to. And they were worried about obviously injuries and stuff. I'm like, I don't get hit, man. Come on, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, Put me in the cage. I'll do what I do, and um, and 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 fortunately, you know, it went exactly the way I I expected it to go. Was that a little weird though? Because that's, I mean, that's a big deal for you. That July sixteenth card. Yeah. Was it was it hard to focus on Jeremy Holloway? No, I was I was hundred percent excited excited about London, but I, I I you know what? Just from the experience in the kickboxing, I've overlooked somebody before oh. in kickboxing what happened um well i was younger a guy had beaten me before and i was determined to beat this guy back it was a canadian guy actually okay and uh, i was so determined to beat him back and then we got to the same competition he was on the opposite uh, opposite side working our way up i got to the semi-finals he just qualified to the finals so i was like yeah so in my head i'm like next fight i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do this other guy beat me man wow and how'd he I, beat you it, it just again it's points yeah, so he yeah, just yeah. He, he just the whole time I was still so focused on the next fight even during the fight I'm still picturing myself what I was going to do the next round and I didn't make it and I said to myself never again will I ever overlook anybody at all it wasn't, it wasn't that the guy I fought that guy again oh, you did? as well and just destroyed him okay. you know um <laughs> But it it was 100% my fault. You know, I overlooked him and I, I said to myself, I'll never do that again. So focusing on this fight was uh, was it equally as important as, you know, the potential of the London. So this is the amazing thing about you. Like even you telling that story, I saw you with Alir Latifi, right, you know, mm -hmm. a couple minutes ago off camera. You ask him for a picture. Yeah. You're clearly a fan of his. You say, what's up, all that stuff. You're such a young, humble, sort of quiet, a little bit of a quiet guy. Yeah. But then in the cage, <laughs> holy smokes, I've never th seen anything like it. In yeah. all my years of watching combat sports, mm. boxing, uh, pro wrestling, MMA, yeah. I've never seen anything like you. Thank you, thank you. Is that is that legitimately two different people? Yeah, you know what, it's, it's, I always say it is a part of my personality. Okay. Um, 
But at the same time, I was raised, you know, with my, my mother and my father, father being my uh, uh, instructor in martial arts. And you're supposed to be respectful. You yeah. know, we, you, you walk in the room and you bow before the class even starts. The class starts, you bow. If you need to go anywhere, you bow. It, it's, you're constantly showing respect and, and it's, that's, that's the way I've been brought up. But then the, the other side is, you know, the showman side of me, especially when I'm with my family, we're laughing, we're cracking jokes, we're this, and we're dancing all the time, music. It's just, that's just how I am. Mm. But then it in it gets in heightened when the spotlights are on me and, you know, the the, the, the music is going and, and I'm fighting and it's, it's what I love. So I just turn into MVP. Were you always like that? A hundred percent, yeah. From from, from from yeah, from a young from a young age, man. I used to do all the all the showman stuff. I started incorporating dance into my into my fighting from from a I'm I'd probably say from about nine years old when I was getting a bit more uh, confident in my skills. From about nine, I was I was I was kind of that way. You use the word confident. Other people would call it cocky. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that there are purists in martial arts uh-huh. who say that there's no place for this kind of behavior uh, yeah, of course, in a cage. Yeah, yeah. How much heat do you get? All the time. All the time? All the time. Everyone's um, gunning for you. It's weirdly enough, it's even even I have friends and family that are like Please, man, just put your hands up, man. I'm so worried, man. You, every time you're in there, I'm just like, please just put your hands up. And I'm like, man, I've been fighting like this for over twenty years. Yeah. Uh and it's no fluke that it's 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 a successful style. It works. Um, there's no, there's no, there's no fluke in it, and I'm not just turning it on on the night. So it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm like this the whole time. Sure. And then I go in there, and I'm like, yeah, let me put my hands down, <laughs> wave, my, wave my arms about. It, it's something that I train. I train exactly the way that I fight, and and that's how you should. And I feel more uh, confident or, or more relaxed uh, fighting the way I fight. And um, but yeah, I get heat all the time. All what, the time. What about from your parents? Because your parents yeah. have that martial arts background. Yeah, Both yeah, of yeah. them have a background in kung fu. Yeah. So I mean, they. They're, they're, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. They're a little bit old school in that uh-huh. regard. Yeah. What do they make of their son? It's 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 interesting because I, I watched a, a, a video not too long ago uh, get posted um, on Facebook of my dad fighting. Oh. And he was shaking really? and dancing. I think it's a cultural thing. Like we're from the, the Caribbean. We yeah. know we like to be kind of like, you know, have that flavor and, and, and that swag about us. So I was watching him. I was like, well, that's where I get it from. Man. I must get it from there. But um, So he can't say anything to he you. He can't say anything. But no, but saying that, you know, they, as, as he's already said, as a parent, you know, he, he's worried. You know, every time I step in a cage, he, he gets worried. And even, even though he knows I have the ability to do it, he's worried. But then as a coach, when he sees me and analyzes what I'm doing, he knows I'm good and, 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 and I'm going to continue to be success, su- successful in it so and doing it the way I do it he never sits you down and said okay come on if we want to really be serious mm-hmm. and make a run and be champions and all that you're going to face better competition mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do this does he ever have that pep talk with you no because he he understands that I am able to do it because he's seen me do this style mm-hmm. at a high level obviously it's in sl- something slightly different but it's still combat sports yeah and my style has been effective for many years. It's just off, you know, the it's off the spot. It was outside of the spotlight because the 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 points kickboxing that I do isn't big. You know, it's not it's not massive on the on the internet. Not many people are going to see it. So very new to all the MMA crowd. So the second they see it, straight away they're like, first of all, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> you know, what I mean, and I think I find it similar to jiu-jitsu when it first you know when yeah. when 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 the gracies first introduced that style everyone was like what the hell is this about like i don't i don't like it mm. basically i don't understand it so i don't like it and 
Um, just stand up and fight, you know, do it, fight properly. They were getting booed. It's all the same kind of thing until people start to understand and they see this, how successful it is. And then all of a sudden, everyone else starts adopting the same style because of that. And I see my style doing exactly the same thing. That people initially are like, don't understand it, I don't like it. Then more people are going to start doing it because, you know, the fighters are going to be the first to be like, there's something in what he's doing. Mm. Then everyone else is going to be like, okay, it's, I, I'm, I, I like the style now. And then you're going to, from, from the booze and the people that are like negative about it, they're going to be cheers and like encouraging about it. So that's how I see it going. So when you were 9, 10, 11, 12, mm -hmm. as a youngster doing Taekwondo, you're doing the same kind of thing? But it wasn't Taekwondo. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Points kickboxing. Points kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. You're doing the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's You're the, dancing it, around as a kid? Dancing around, dancing around. I, I remember like uh, someone trying to go for a punch and I've ducked under his 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 uh, his hand and he kind of fell over. And as I look back, I was like this. The whole crowd was going nuts. <laughs> it, it's just, it's just I've, I've always done that. Mm -hmm. But like you say, the second I come off the mat, if I was to act up like that in a disrespectful way off, out of outside of performing, wow. that's when you hear my dad. That's when you hear my mom. I know. That's when you hear my just my martial arts family be like, "No, that's Michael. That's not how we act." Wow. So, so even when you're in school, yeah. as just a student, you're not acting that way no, with your friends. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's different. Obviously, when you with, with your friends, I actually got a friend that uh, he's he was over here um, in New York. So I've, I've actually met up with him, and he's here. He's here today. And with your friends, you know, I've always had that kind of like I said, we're always laughing and joking and and, and playing playing about um, in that sense. But that's just you as a child versus me being trying to be disrespectful to anybody um, and even there's, there's even teachers today that I've actually got a good relationship still with today mm. um, that they could see how respectful I was when I was younger and I, and I can still respect them respect them and talk to them now um, but yeah in school obviously you, they kept me in line you know and the martial, having a martial arts family as well kept me in line yeah, yeah. You know? um, I, I'm told that you 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 take uh, salsa lessons now right yeah yeah does that help you as a fighter i i i feel anything movement i'm, I'm a fan of movement yes yeah I'm a you've also fan. worked with ito portal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I, the I'm, great ito portal man i'm a fan of it I'm connor stole your idea <laughs> i'm a fan of movement so you know i, I remember looking at capoeira when i was younger mm. and like wow fat being fascinated by that like i said i used to break dance um like watching films and people doing crazy stuff with their bodies or, or anything I've tried yoga mm. anything that requires movement that I can incorporate uh, and I might not be able to I might just, en just enjoy moving because again especially with the salsa I've always kind of sat there and looked at it and like man I'd love to know how they know what each other is about to do yeah, I just, yeah. it was just something I've, I, I found as the style sexy fascinating like you know really showy mm -hmm. exactly the way you know I am when I'm when, I, when, when I'm fighting so I saw that. I was like, I need to try this one day and, and uh, ended up going to classes and fell in love with it. Are you man. good? I pick up things quite quickly. Nice. Yeah, I pick up things quite quickly. I haven't, I haven't gone in a while because just because it's been so intense training wise, but I'm going to be going back. Does that help you at all with your movement in, 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 in the fights? Do you believe that? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think if you're, if you can learn to, to, to dox your body and move it in, just not the, just, but so so many people are just one dimensional. Mm. You know, we, we throw a jab from here, we throw our backhand from here, and I think it's after a while because we've we've trained in this form for so for so long. It's, we we can read each other a lot easier. People find it very difficult to read what they what I do because I'm all over the place. My jab comes from here, 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 here. Like is and it's because I'm able to, I'm comfortably able to move my body in different ways and then still get to the point that I want to get to. A lot of people, if they're doing all of this, it would confuse them. They would they would miss judge everything after that mm. but if you're 
if you're if you're training your body to constantly yeah move your body this way that way do this it, it becomes normal you know it's amazing i love i don't know if it's because of your nickname but i always think of a snake when i watch you <laughs> yeah. fight do, do you do you sort of try to emulate the snake movement when um, you're in there it's it, that's kind of it just all kind of fell into place okay you know, more, more than anything and obviously with me raising yes. my hand and things like that it's, it's it, amazing it being called the venom it, people kind of automatically you know see see me as this. i actually had a, a guy a, a, couldn't tell you his name because he we were just randomly on the circuit one day and he he saw me fight and he was like you know you've got an aura of the snake and he started talking to me about i was like it's funny because i'm called the venom and this and that and he was like yeah i can see it man and he just went into something, something even man. about your body you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like you're just long and, and lean that's like what i mean and so many people say it's exactly the same thing that it uh and it, it just fit perfectly so i'm go i just go with it now um i also read that this thing that you mm -hmm. do with your hand that you got that from the rock what it what it was is all the you know the pre-battle talking and this and and you know just the hype i wasn't into that you know like for, for me uh no for for me like conor mcgregor yeah. is the best when it comes to you put him on put him in on a stage and let him talk and people are going to be watching I, I i find everything he says hilarious sure. like i love what he says and i love his character i'm i just can't pull that off without being fake it would it would it, it wouldn't be me. It's not you. You, you. You would see it. So I was like, I'm going to have to do all these, these all these times where I, I need to be doing that kind of stuff. I need to figure out what else I can do and how else I can, you know, promote myself. So I sat down. I'm a massive fan of like, the, you know, the, the wrestling scene, especially like the Attitude Era with yeah, Stone yeah, Cold yeah, yeah. and Rock, like massive fans. Um, so The Rock for me is probably one of the best, if not the best at uh, his, uh, his crowd relationship, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the way he... He just seriously, the second he gets out there, I'm I'm on I'm there doing exactly the same things as him, and I, so I was sitting there right and thinking, what could I do, similar to the way the Rock kind of has his you know his stances, his, his sayings, his one liners, his this and that. What can I do? And again, I'm constantly just writing down things like, okay, I could do this with my hand. Okay, going with the nickname, I got this. The one and only MVP. You know, the best hands down, hands down. That's my star. That's my brand. That's everything. And just. I'm just we were just going over notes and 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 how to promote myself in a in a more you know no cheeky way yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and that stands out and I've had people go oh you're that guy that's that yeah you're the oh, yeah and people remember those things of course um, versus having to try and be witty every two seconds on every single you know interview I have and this and that and I, I just felt I can be consistent with what I'm saying now so I, I've already covered this area now are you surprised that more people in the fight game don't do this of course you don't want it to be forced yeah yeah but are you surprised like when someone comes on the mic and says oh i'll take whoever they want and blah 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 mm, boring mm. boring no one relates to that no one is attracted to that no one 100%. gets connected does that do you ever sit back and be like wake up Man, you'll, you'll be more famous I, i've spoken to you know guys in my gym and you know they ask me like the same kind of question like how do you come up with these things i'm like i it's i take myself as a i treat myself as a business and a brand mm. and you actually have to have times where you sit down and think about these things write some stuff down like brainstorm this stuff it is your career it's not fighting is one side of it and then you have to attract people to your fight and if you maybe you know you don't even have that you know uh that crazy style you might be very basic as long as you win it's fine but you can still draw people in uh, in other ways you know nicknames and this and uh just just everything there's so many different ways you can you can promote yourself and like you say people don't do it enough it's crazy yeah they don't do you still watch wrestling yeah not you, as much, but um, yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll see it every now and again. And you, you'll take little things? 
Yeah, yeah. Inspired. I, 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 I still believe that. The, I think every era is going to be different, and sure. every and every era is going to have like my my dad's going to say his era, Jake the Snake, and all those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that was the best era, and I'm going to be like, no, the actually era. So and then the next, you know, Jen is going to say the same thing. But I think that actually era for me. Did you was ever the best. meet the Rock? I've never met him. I, you know who I, who I did get to meet the other day, or not too long ago, and he was. Uh, he was one of my favorite wrestlers. Okay. And um, that is uh, Bill Goldberg. Oh, the man. Man. I got to meet, he came to a Bellator event and I was standing there like, that's Goldberg. I was like, <laughs> no way. I got, I got a face-off picture of him. I was so He's a excited. great guy. So cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I'm talking like, the second I used to hear his music, I used to get shivers down my side. I was like, man, I can't, I'm so happy that he's a coming out. A fellow Jew. I always oh, liked him because he was a Jew. Yeah, yeah. Goldberg, yeah. He was a oh, Jew. Oh, man. He's, 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 he's amazing. So you were more of a WCW guy than WWF? Both, though. You were both? Both. I, I started in WWF when I was younger. And again, more because, you know, like uh, my dad was sure. was that kind of era as well. My friend's dad, I used to go to his house all the time. He was watching uh, <laughs> The Warrior and Hulk yeah, Hogan. Yeah. Hulk Hogan was massive in that, in that era. And then I got more into it when you know all the the rock and that was coming up and what about uh the british bulldog davy boy smith yeah again i used to i have the um a, a pencil case in primary school of of, of him oh. so i was like man i had i had, I had all of that, it so did you ever want to become a pro wrestler no it wasn't it, it was it's weird it's never you know as a kid i'd watch it and then straight afterwards me and my friends are like trying to practice moves sure, and sure, stuff sure. but it, would, it we never got the connection because we wrestling is not big in the uk it's not it, no not at not all. like here not not like here at all so i i couldn't just in just in my head you couldn't really think of a connection to how it would be possible for me to okay. so it was just never something i even thought of i'd you always picture yourself as a wrestler what, what would i call myself sure. and this and that when you're young but not take it actually seriously because again wrestling wasn't big do you remember when you okay so you say that about wrestling what about mma like when you decide that you want to be an mma fighter because if wrestling wasn't that big of a deal yeah. mma's not that big of a deal back then as well right a hundred percent and so why'd you choose that it is it just kind of fell into place i was literally that typical fan that was like that is way too brutal really man i was i was seriously i and this is what i found for especially point scorers i sometimes the stuff that people say you take on board they hit way harder they're way tougher and you're kind of like yeah I, it looks that way so i again i don't see myself ever doing that. i remember someone the gym that i'm in now london shoot fighters they used to be closer to me to where i lived okay um and years and years before and uh one of my friends went there and was like you should try this and i heard you, you you know you're good at your kickboxing you should try coming here and i'm like mma i was like no way i would never do that i was like i'm focused on my kickboxing anyway i would never do that and five years later they actually moved further away from me and i ended up joining them oh wow but again i i genuinely didn't know how well i would do but i was like i i I was sick and tired of the, one the politics in 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 my sport. Okay, and it, it doesn't pay anything. You know, I I did it because I enjoyed it. I remember representing England and having to pay to go and do that. You know, pay wow. pay, the, pay pay for the privilege of doing that. So, it, but at the same time, I've done it for so many years. I was good at it and I enjoyed it. But it just got more and more um, divided uh, as a as a sport and more uh, loads more politics. Um, so I was like, I need to do something different thinking about boxing mm. thinking about just doing maybe full full contact kickboxing but one thing that made me go to mma is that i was like i enjoy learning new things 
which the South's reason why South and that comes in a reason I I enjoy being a student and having someone go no you have to do this you have to do that and f trying to figure things out and I felt doing boxing wouldn't be that hard of a challenge mm. to to adjust to doing kit full contact kickboxing not that hard of a challenge I would I would it would be it would be a challenge to do it but it wouldn't be uh, as difficult but doing MMA meant I had to learn completely new arts you know and be a student and that is one of the re one of the main reasons why I chose to to go into that and when I initially did it it was just let's just see how I get on you know not that what you know, year I'm is 100% this, this uh, five years ago now okay so. you know anything about the ground game at this point no, not at all. You, you not haven't all. done it. Haven't done it. Haven't. I, I didn't even really watch MMA. You knew nothing about it. No, I, the only person I really knew about was um, Chuck Liddell, just because again, you and, and Tito Ortiz, just because sure. of their clash. It's so strange. You knew nothing about it. You weren't a fan of it. Mm. It's it's strange to me that you went and did it. I know, I know, I know. But I, again, I've always been like that. I get like I said, if I find some, if I just randomly find something curious, I'll go and try it. You know, like um, even when, even when I take up salsa. I was asking my friends, I was like, do any of you want to come with me? You know, like, salsa, man, what are you talking about? I was like, fine, I'll go and do it myself. Like, wow. I, I don't need anybody to, you know, sure. if I see something and I want to try it, I'll go and do it. And it was the same with this. I saw something, I spoke to my dad about it. He was like, again, I don't really want you to do it. I spoke to my, my, one, of my, my, one of my best friends, uh, Marvin Francis. And uh, the, one of the first gyms I went to was uh, American Top Team. That's right. I read that yeah, as well. So, so what did you do? You flew over and said, I want to try it out? Again, I was, it was, I was just kind of in that process of thinking about what I would do next. Okay. So I'm over here with my family. Uh, they're all in, uh, in um, Florida and Miami. Okay. You have family uh, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, I'm with them and I'm talking to, to my brother and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to get into MMA. And he's like, okay, there's a guy that's, um, he he's like manages, I know he trains and stuff, but he trains at a gym called a, uh, AT, America Top Team. Yeah, so yeah. Um, he's like, uh, let, me get, let me get a hold of him. So he called him. The guy came down like, yeah, I'll, I'll take him around. He took me to a couple of the gyms, the Coconut Creek one. There's another one, it's slightly smaller. I can't remember exactly where it is. Um, and, I, and I've gone in there and I'm just like, this is where I'm going to train. Like uh, the place was amazing. I, at this point, I actually hadn't uh, researched anywhere in, in, in the UK okay. at all. So I was just like, man, I'm moving, I'm moving out here. I'm going to be with my family as well. This gym looks amazing. I'm moving out here. What so, happened? <laughs> when I got back uh, and I was kind of telling, you know, everyone the decisions I had made, Marvin was like, it just makes sense just to look around here just in case. Okay. And I ended up doing that and found London Street Fighters. <laughs> and seriously, just for some reason, when I went into the gym, I could just hear a lot of sense. And you could hear history. I could, hear, I could, I could just feel it. And I was just like, you know what? Let me start here. Because, you know, if worse comes to worse, I still go over to America. Sure. Nothing, nothing is nothing. And I just never have never looked back after that, man. When amazing. I th when I think of London Shoot Fighters, yeah. I think of Lee Murray. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever met him? Weirdly enough, no. Because uh, you came after. I came just afterwards. Yeah, yeah, Does, yeah. Is his presence still felt there? A hundred percent. Really? Just, it's just, they tell it, you stories about him? There's so many stories there. So many stories. of just, What a legend, yeah. this guy. Huh? Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> and again, I'd love to meet him when, he, when, he's, when he's back. And if he does come back, do you I'm know sure if he, he knows about you? I'm not sure. I'm sure the, the coaches are that are there. So I know they're still in touch with him. So I'm sure he's probably heard. You know, all the all the, the newer people that are that are coming out of the gym. So he probably has heard. But what are I, some I stories? To, you, anything him. that comes to mind? Oh, man, there's there's so much. Just, just there was 
I, I'm sure it's probably the same in, in, in other MMA gyms, but you just draw so many characters yeah, in yeah. MMA, so many weird, quirky <laughs> characters in MMA. So um, there's there's just there's thousands of stories, man. Do you take pride in that? Like, because for for a time, the, the the Shoot Fighters brand was kind of a little bit down, mm-hmm. and I feel like you're kind of to you're kind of helping revitalize mm-hmm. it. Do you take pride in that, considering who they once were, and then for for a minute became, and then you know who they can become? It's weird because I, I respect their you know what they know and their knowledge i feel even if i wasn't there they would, they would develop another somebody mm-hmm. that would come back and i think every gym has that kind of ups and downs of fighters coming and going and this and that and whatever happening um and yeah i think they're right now they're on a the rise and i i feel happy that i am a part of this sure um and i you know i i feel like i, I am doing a lot to to, to help but uh, there's so many guys coming through coming through that gym at the moment and um it's just, and especially now that you know the the, the better tools coming to to the to the UK, the people are going to see how many of our guys are. You're you gonna know. be on that card? Oh yeah. There's, okay. There's, there's a couple of our guys, and and it's only because we're doing so well. And they, after that, hopefully they you know they join me out here. You know they they're going to be out here. Representing are they like as you? Well. Matt, you know what? What's what's good about uh, uh, my coaches mm. is. Which is one thing I was uh, was was worried about coming over is that everyone's going to be like, nope, don't like that, change it, hmm. change this, change that, change this. He saw it and was just like, hmm, d- d- researched something. What, whatever you're doing, it has worked for you for this many years. I want to know more. Okay. Yeah. So he. Who are you talking about? Uh, Alexis. Okay. Uh, he. What's his full name? Alexis Dimitriadis. Okay. He he, you know, learned my style started researching it and he's very detailed in when 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 watching things like everything and this is what i love about him and um he not only did he start telling okay this is a slightly unsafe so just take that out but keep keep the rest i like this i like this okay but he's like he's like show him that oh really so he's like yeah there show him how do you do that movie okay no show me that okay no show him that as well so a lot of our guys are a lot more movie and like okay and and, and like i said you're gonna see the next gen generation of doing this kind of thing naturally and that movement just being a standard and trying to find some of our guys every time we go to different gyms or gyms come to our uh, to, to our gym to spar it's, it's 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 i love watching it because you see our movement it people struggle to just land punches do you, you spar a lot? I mean? Yeah, loads. And when you're sparring, you're doing the same thing as you do in the real fight, oh, right? Yeah. Same uh, thing. The the we go over loads of drills, so that is the time to to try stuff. Okay. So you, you know what? You, I get hit way more than I would normally. Because you're fighting, trying. Because I'm I'm trying to figure okay. out this. I'm trying to get the, the the steps right. Are you doing with headgear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it hard to move like you move with that? It, it definitely is. I'm, I'm I've always been more comfortable without my headgear, but at the same time, when you have got something like this. Trying to avoid getting hit hmm. means you have to move that much more. Gotcha. Yeah, that's and, a good and point. It, it, it almost trains you. It's like another form of training. Yeah. So again, when I when I lie, I feel like yeah, you're definitely not going to hit me. You're miles away now because I'm still moving the right, same. Right. So yeah, yeah. By the way, where's John Hathaway at? What happened he, to him? He's still having problems with his stomach. Uh-huh. And so again, it's it's a it's a it's a situation where he's you know they're, they're changing. His, they're trying to figure out how to you know. It's, it's going to be for the rest of his life. Okay. But they're trying to figure out how it to, to what kind of uh, drugs that he can go on that is not um, one. It's not. It doesn't affect uh, results coming in. Two. Um, it, it doesn't. It just. It lasts. He has longer periods of time when he's okay, so he's able to to compete can he train? and stuff. At the moment, he's he's struggling to train, oh, that's so too bad. It's, it's it's annoying because he he for me has helped me the the most. He's, really, his all round game 
is unbelievable. His stand up, uh, but he, one one thing I, I I find is when I'm when I do my, try and do my thing with him, he doesn't budge. He doesn't he doesn't flinch too often. He doesn't get he doesn't get he doesn't um, take the bait. He doesn't take the bait. Ah. And he, it, it makes it harder. Which and I, and I and I always used to love that challenge of trying to figure out how can I pull how can I pull the strings on someone that that that's not doing it. So. If I come up against someone like that in 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 a cage, I, I know exactly what what I can and can't do, and it was amazing, man. I just love working with him. What what a great guy! Um, I was at UFC 120 when uh-huh. he fought Mike Pyle. Yeah, yeah. He was on a roll, and unfortunately, yeah. and and ever since then, hasn't really been able to rebound. Were you at that card? That was uh, O2 Arena. Yes, you yeah, were there. Yeah, yeah. As just had you started training yet? Uh, no. So you were just a guy yeah, yeah, yeah. as a fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Did you look up to Michael Bisping? Were you one of those guys once you started really, to... Again, I didn't, I didn't really didn't watch know. it. Didn't, didn't really once watch you started it like getting that. into it? Yeah, I, it's only when I started to get into it that I actually started to pay attention to anybody, really. Wow. Like I said, other than Chuck Liddell, who I just loved his character. Yeah, I just yeah. loved the fact that he was just knocking people out. I'm, it, it was easy to relate to again because he's a stand-up guy. Right, you know, right. I'm a kickboxer. He was knocking people out. It made more sense. And the only reason I knew Tito was because of their little... The their back and forth, their yeah, beef, yeah. their feuds. But that's it. I didn't. I didn't pay. I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of the sport before I was in the sport. Are you a fan of the sport now? I'm, I love it. You watch everything? Not everything. Well, I, in fact, yes, I do, but not always uh, immediately. So I go through phases where I'll just like go. Like if I've missed a load of fights, I'll just go back to sit in my house and just go back to back and watch loads and loads of fighting. And then times when I haven't watched any for ages, right, I haven't right. watched it for ages. So so Bellator is uh, is a polarizing organization mm-hmm. because they have young guys like you uh-huh. that are very exciting. A lot of promise, a lot of you know, great expectations, future, all that stuff. And then they have Kimbo mm-hmm, and Ken mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. James Thompson. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that? I think they're an amazing production uh, uh, company. They're, they they know how to put on a show, mm. and it it means putting on a show means one drawing eyes, two bringing up the the up and comings, uh, three put, making sure the the guys that are already relevant stay relevant. They they're matching them up, they're matching them up well. I just think they do the, just the whole production. I, I love everything that they're doing. So you don't have a problem when they put Kimbo in the main event? I haven't got a problem at all. No. Because um, I understand it. You get like it. Like I say, I understand it. Because what Kimbo, what, regardless of what anybody says to me, he's got a, a massive fan base mm-hmm. and he he knows how to fight. As in, uh, more, obviously he's more of a striker, but he, knows he, he was a warrior from, from way back when. We used to, we all used to watch him sure. on, on YouTube. And... He brings in numbers. So for guys like me, if I'm fighting on the same show as him, he brings the numbers in and people spot me and they're like, whoa, who's that guy now? The trickle down effect. Yeah, 100%. So uh, there's no way I'm going to, I'd never complain about that in, in any way, shape or form. And a fight is a fight and anything can happen. So did you meet him? I've met him before, yeah. yeah oh, you met him before, yeah. not just this past week. Yeah, no, no, I've met him before. Um, okay, so you, you were talking about taking the bait. Yeah. You know, like 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 John Hathaway doesn't take the bait. Mm-hmm. In your fights, for the most part, they're taking the bait, mm-hmm. these guys. Mm-hmm. Like this this past week, um, Holloway rushed you. Yeah, that was, uh, wasn't smart. What were you thinking? Did you expect that? <laughs> no, not in the way he did it. What is that all about? Yeah, Why not in the way he did it. <laughs> people, yeah, 100% people want to put pressure on me and, and prevent me from doing what I do best, you know? I, I work well in space, so people want to close that down. <laughs> sure. And he ran past, and usually people run to the center and they want to control the center. That's fine, because for me, it, it doesn't matter either doesn't, way. Yeah. He ran past that center point, and I was like, he's still coming? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. I've, I've, and I'm always, like I said, my punches can come from anywhere, so I don't have to be ready to be ready, if you know what I mean. Yep, I, yep. I came in quite relaxed, and I was like, whoa, he's still coming, <laughs> and was able to go, ha, and, and, and you know, snap straight at him. 
and and and, and pull off a, a big punch to start. Yeah, you know. Were you pissed you didn't finish him? I, I was shocked I didn't finish him. I, was, I wasn't even pissed. I was like that felt heavy, and yeah. he kept going after I hit him. I was like, yeah, oh, what he's still he's still, he's still coming at me, man. So, all oh, seriously, the, 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 about two shots really really landed heavy and I have to say all credit to him man he he can take a shot so you submitted him yeah I believe that was your second submission yeah second mm -hmm. you're 10 and 0 now mm -hmm. how comfortable oh, do you third submission actually third submission yeah, that was a, what would you call that an Achilles lock it's a reverse it's a counter reverse toe hold gosh that was something else do you work on that a lot <laughs> yeah well I've got long legs so um, and we've got a load of guys in our in our gym that are, are very good at the leg lock game and you've got guys like you know Marcin Held that comes down to our gym and does camps at our gym as well who's ridiculous at yes. those kind of leg games so for me having counters to that works amazing so people people in those similar kind of positions they go for a, they go for a lock I go for the counter usually what happens though is they just back off so they kick their legs out. They go away from me. They don't get a leg lock and I'm free, you know? I don't get my leg lock. They don't get theirs and we're back to to, to where I want to be, you know, back to standing. But I caught, I, as I caught it, in jiu-jitsu, obviously jiu-jitsu versus actually MMA. In jiu-jitsu, I'd stand over him. Now, in MMA, he'd kick me in my face. Sure. Um, so I had to put a knee down and, and catch it from here. But again, I was still expecting him to pull away from me, me take my leg out and then stand back up. Okay. And I feel it was more opportunistic by him because he took the shot, he's fallen, he's kind of just gone for the leg lock. And I don't feel he's, you know, he's competent at doing leg locks because anybody else would have sniffed it and would have gone. And that's all I wanted. But because he stayed there, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And I just kept cranking it off. He tapped quite early, but he did like the rest of this tap once. John didn't actually uh, oh. pay attention. So I just sat there and then squeezed even more. And then he was like, yeah. Oh, so... Yeah. So how comfortable do you feel on the ground now? Man, I, I again, I love learning. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm if, if, if 10, you're, you're a black belt. Where, if one is, you know, your first day on the job, yeah, yeah. where do you think you're at? Um, I don't want to, I'll never say, like, I, we, I roll with black belts all the time. Okay. So, um, and, you know, I've caught submissions on black belts. I, I've, I've not been caught by black belts. You know, we work our just anti-jiu-jitsu. Sometimes I might not be in control of the fight, but I don't get caught. Like, okay. I know exactly where to put my hands, where to keep my legs, where to, but um, I'd never call myself a black belt, man. Some of these jiu-jitsu guys are unbelievable. And I, I want to, I want to be, I'd still, for me, and it might it might sound silly. I still feel like I'm just I'm I'm a beginner. Although mm. I know how to do certain things to keep myself safe, that's more because I'm training for MMA. Mm, right. But yeah. when I'm doing my jujitsu specifically, I still feel like man, I got so much to learn. Although I'm like I said, I'm 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 still able to tap out a black belt. I'm still doing this. I'm still I, I feel competent in most positions, and, and and have a good understanding about most positions. But like, just the flow is different, man. And I, I, for me, I think it's just greed of wanting to know more. You know, I wanted to be better all the time, so. And I can see that there's, again, the old guard who would hate how that fight ended because you submitted him, mm -hmm. he's in pain, and then you're talking shit. <laughs> it was great, I loved it. What did you say to him on the ground? Funny enough, I actually didn't say anything. What what, oh. what had happened is, and this it's weird how nobody really heard it or even mentioned it. As I was walking down the ramp, I got to the bottom of the ramp. He was screaming at me from the cage. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I think if you watch it again, you'll start to see, you'll, people will pick up on what I'm talking about. When I got in the cage and I'm just walking up and down, I'm minding my own business for now. I'm just kind of embracing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's shouting at me from the other side. Look at me. Look at me. And he's really shouting. Come on, I'm going to smash you. Look at me. And, he, and I, again, everyone, each to their own. You know, yeah, if that's yeah. what he needs to do to psych himself up, that's fine. 
but that's why I looked at him at the end. Uh, and this, okay. is what, this is when I tell people that, like, oh, it. it makes sense now. Yes. Cool. So again, after I caught the submission, I stared in his face. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at you now. You know, it's kind of like a little comeback to what he was he, he was doing. If you were to watch that again, you'll see him. He kept okay. sh- like he was shouting from the other side. And again, no one mentioned it. It's a weird thing because I feel like you're 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 often in your opponent's head before the fight even starts because they want to be the guy to crack you. They yeah. want to be the guy to tell the world, look, I got it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. antics, you know, mm-hmm, it didn't mm-hmm. work this time. So this plays to your advantage every time. It's an amazing 100%. thing. I, I, you know what? Even down to the the, the, the stare off, you know, yeah. we go in, we go in the way the weigh-ins, and I already know when things are, are someone's nervous or or you know, I, I can feel like I, I'm going to win this fight. And when, especially when they copy me. So if I go in there, I'm doing my thing. I'm going in there as MVP. I'm going as Michael yeah. Page and you come and do the same thing as me. Yeah, you're this, done. You're, you're saying something to yeah. me. You know what I mean? You're either nervous about it or I get, you look up to me in a certain way. You, you don't come in doing what I do. You come in doing what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he came in, he's trying to put his hands up the same way as me. He's trying to do, and I find, I find it hilarious every, every single time. You know, people are, they, 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 say they don't appreciate what I do. They say I'm just dancing and so on and so forth and they're going to do, and like you say, they're going to, they're going to show the world that, you know, it is just that. And then they come in and they copy what I do, you know? So you say you don't appreciate me, but then you do in in the same sense. So you know that the knock on you is that you're being protected Mm -hmm. by Bellator, that they're giving you easy fights. Is Fernando Gonzalez a step up? Like, when are you going to be ready for that? You know, you're 10 and 0. Mm. People have gone title shots at 10 and 0. Yeah, exactly. Why aren't you in the title talk? Um, I think I'm now. You I, are. I think I, I'm definitely. I definitely am now. Fernando Gonzalez. For me, it's just. It's Can you fight Koreshkov? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. No problem. Can no, you fight Will Brooks? hundred percent. Where, where would you prefer? It? You, you want to like? You, would you go up and down? I don't know how much. How much the, you walk around at? I'm at eight. I'm eighty-four. It's the, 84. I'm so close to the to the weight. Okay. I could. Um, but the and the reason why my coach. Um, initially was there was talks of me going down yeah it's because he was worried about the strength advantage that others would have because although i'm tall i'm very slim okay for that weight division and a lot of the guys that fight me they're all their backs everything their arms legs everything's a a lot bigger than me so he was worried about the strength but i i've got kind of like gangly strength and it yeah yeah. even like when it comes to people trying to take me down they struggle to you know um and i've never had a problem with people's the the physicality of of it and my, my when my coach asked me when I was like three, four fights in, he was like, um, are you struggling with this in any way? In any way, in the gym, I was I was fine. Um, but he's like, when you're out there, are you struggling anyway? I was like, no, he's like, well, you can stay there unless mm. we need to go down for, for a particular fight. You know, if we wanted to fight someone specific, then we, you know, we'll cut that weight and go down. We, we just know that we have the option to, because I don't cut that much weight. So how far away do you think you are from that title discussion? Like, like from getting it, it's like, is it the next fight that gets it? You know, because people are anxious think, now. I they want to see you get tested. Yeah, uh, I think... Uh, is it fair that they're saying this? You've only been doing it for a few years. A hundred percent. I understand why people want me to, because... Like that, you know. I I already see what can happen. Like I, <laughs> none of these none of these names in 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 that sense, they don't mean anything to me. Sure, it genuinely doesn't mean anything to me. I don't I don't talk. I don't deal with my fights. My coaches do and Bellator do. So it's between them. Okay. I get a name, so I'll be training. I'm in the gym training. Alexis or Paul will come up to me like, "Look, we've got a new name for you." I'm like, "Fine." And That's then it. Carry on training. It doesn't bother me in that sense. Like, would you ever say, "I want to, I want to fight some of the bigger names"? I, it, I, I just you don't, don't even care because the reason, like, a lot of people are in the industry chasing something. I don't mm. chase it. I, I feel I do what I do, and things come to me. 
That's you know? amazing. <laughs> so, like, um, you know, I, I see the lights there and all these moths are going, like, chasing, going towards the light. And I'm standing here doing what I do and the light just comes like this. And I, all of a sudden, I'm going to have the I'm gonna have the belt. And that's what I genu- genuinely believe. Do you know anything about Fernando Gonzalez? Yeah, I know. Do you even I, look up your opponent? Not not often. I, I only I had to look him up before because we had, you know, we were lined up to fight. You were supposed fight. to fight, yeah. So What um, happened there, by the way? It was very secretive yes, when you pulled a lot, out. A lot of family issues and stuff that, okay. that kind of... Is everything I, okay? Yeah, everything's good now. Or okay. a lot better anyway. But it's a lot of family issues and stuff that I couldn't really like... Uh, better to a lot of very... Um, you know, support, supportive of it straight away. Because you pulled out and, and it wasn't an injury. No, no. Okay. No, no, no. I also read that you had to do some coaching. Yeah, my brother my brother fights as well. Okay. So, um, the one in, in Florida? In the UK. I've got okay. a younger brother, younger, bigger brother. Okay. Uh, Kalon Page. He's absolutely amazing. Again, he's doing the same thing at what um, I was doing before in the points. And um, we had a, him and, and a squad of the, again, I, I, we got gyms, hands down, martial arts gyms. They they were all going over there, and I had to coach at that time as well and help the out. The name of the gym is Hands Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of you. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna pursue this career, your brother. Yeah, you know. he's right at the moment. He's destroying the the industry that I was in. Is he gonna go to MMA as well? It, it's it's down to him again. He's in that place where I was before, where he, again he's very happy with what is going on. He's looking at me doing MMA like eh, I don't know if I yeah. can do that. I know he he can do it. You know he's he's he, he's amazing at what he does. He's an amazing athlete. Does he dance? He's not. He's not. He's not exactly the same. He but he's a showman. Like you? He's okay. a showman. He's a show. He's a lot taller. He's six six five. So you coach him. Yeah, but that's not why you pulled out. No, no, no. Okay, because no, no. that's that's what one of the reasons yeah, yeah, why yeah, you yeah, had yeah. a prior obligation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you're good now. Yeah, everything's everything's cool. And like I said, everyone, even Fernando Gonzalez, I saw a clip of him saying that I was running. I'm running away from people. I, I always find it. I find it hilarious because he will find out exactly how dangerous I am. When it's too late, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be in the cage. He's going to try and hit me. He's not going to be able to. If he does, I, I, I don't even believe he's going to be able to land, land a punch on me. I just think he's tough enough to stay in a fight. Have you ever been hurt in a fight? In MMA? Yeah. No. Never? In no a, one's cracked you? No. Was your toughest fight, Nishan Burrell? Would you say that? Is that fair? I... <laughs> Because, you know, that's the fight after everyone said, oh, yeah. the ex-UFC guy took him the distance, yeah, yeah. neutralized you. It, they it neutralized me. He, I, felt, I felt more. He, he just didn't want to get hit with anything crazy. And at, in, in that fight, uh, and I don't like to make excuses, but the canvas was slippery and I couldn't do what I normally do. Interesting, okay. And, and, and you can tell the difference because I, even with this last fight, I'm moving around, I'm, my shoulders are going, my feet are going. That fight, I was like this. Because I could feel my my feet going. I, if I did any of that, I'd slip. And he's throwing wild shots. I, I couldn't do it. So I had to be very disciplined with what I was doing. Okay. And even though, again, like, we went 15 minutes. I don't, I don't know how, he probably hit me about once. Right, right, right. In 15 minutes. So as much as people say he took me the distance. And again, you I laugh thought at he, that. I laugh at it. It, <laughs> wasn't, it, was, it was an awkward fight. Yeah. Because of all the different, you know, the, the things that were going on. But it wasn't a hard fight, you know? Um... And yeah, right at the moment, um, there's no one fight. I think Ricky Rainey, to me, did the best in, in as much as how he tried to, he, he put pressure, but not too much. And mm-hmm. he, he, he he did the best uh, uh, for me. Um, but yeah, like, I haven't been hit too hard at all. I've been caught. Did you play basketball as a kid? Used to, yeah. Used to, and, and you drew interest from schools here in the U.S.? No, no, not from not from not from the basketball. We did. Um, we used to do um, 
like camps for the England squad, uh, 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 England basketball team. Okay, the and national they, they, team. Yeah, and they wanted to go. They, they, I'd been called to to do some stuff, uh, like trial stuff with them. But then I kind of switched off again. I, I always do that. I'm like, okay, I'm bored of this now. I kind of want to do this now and no, try this. It. Cricket I had trials for um, at, at, at Lord's Cricket Ground. I just do tennis privately when I was younger. Wow. Skiing, uh, one of the skiing yes. coaches. Yeah, did you do the slalom skiing? Yeah, one of the one of the uh, skiing coaches uh, there was like he wanted to train me um, to be a, to go to the to, Olympics. To, to go to the Olympics, and I was like, oh, I'm not interested in that. Like, what is that? I mean, is that even big in in England? Uh, not at all. We we would we were literally doing school trips, and again, the friend that I'm I'm here with, yeah, yeah. we were we used to go school trips all the time to to France, to Switzerland, to this and that. And wow. again, we just, with different coaches each time. But he said that like, I, I really like the fact that you how you attack the mountain and this. I really want to train you. Wow, for the Olympics. And I was just like, no, nah. again, you didn't consider in. it. I, I used to love skiing, but in my head, I'm I'm a kickboxer. You know, I'm like, no, nah, I wasn't interested. So, never, never pursued any of that. That's like Cool Runnings. You know the movie yeah, Cool yeah, Runnings? Of course, that's one like of my the, favorite films. It's an amazing yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. True story as well. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah. weren't born in Jamaica. No, no, no. Or Trinidad. You were born in England. Yeah, yes. Ooh. I just got my mom. My mom's from Jamaica. My dad's from Trinidad. Trinidad. Yeah, Where did yeah, they yeah. meet? Uh, both martial artists so okay, weird enough my, on my mum's side like, we have a lot of martial artists as well and uh, one of again he, Master Stan Brown in the Laogar Kung Fu he used to train my dad as well as okay. my mom and oh, a lot, wow. lot of other people so they they met through the martial arts so uh, a match made in martial arts yeah, heaven yeah. that's an amazing and there's still no 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 so oh. um, we got man, I got a lot, of, a lot of siblings nine uh, yeah for me there's 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 10 siblings altogether. damn but my, my mom adopted three children oh my um but my dad's got seven children wow yeah, yeah. are you so close with all of them all of them all yeah, of yeah, them yeah 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 and that's that's who i stay with after after so when again when i finish here we go around new york a little bit more and i go fly straight back to go and see to go and see them in in florida yeah um you're a big miami heat fan yeah yeah, yeah. you follow them yeah as much as i can now, as much you're, as I you're, can. you're not you're not bandwagon though like when lebron no, joined no, the no. team before that yeah yeah this, i hated the heat as a kid i hate it because i'm a oh, big knicks it? fan oh, okay okay so they would have wars you know yeah, like patrick yeah, ewing yeah, Alonzo yeah, morning yeah. they're in the playoffs now you know i know they lost they, they lost their last game against charlotte yeah, yeah but they'll yeah. probably win the series they're looking good though yeah they, yeah they look a lot better than a lot better a lot they got better. joe johnson yeah. um have you ever been to a game been to three games oh, I believe, look at now. You. so i'm uh, just every time i come over here i just try to to, to, go, to go and see them it's, it's, it's hard to be a fan though when you're living in england because yeah, of the time difference yeah, right 100 can't 100%. watch and it's not that popular there not NBA. at all it's it's getting there because they do they're doing they do shows and even when, like with the the the, the uh, nhl they, yes, all, yes, they yes. all come over yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. i go and watch as much as as much american sports as i can and it's, it just it's making american sports full stop right. more popular so more people are following it now you were brought in by bjorn rebney yeah. Did you like him? Yeah, yeah. Be honest. No, 100%. I you were had, cool with him. He was, again, it's funny, and I always say this in all my interviews as well. As as much as I know, I, I've heard a lot of stuff um, about him. I, I've never been mistreated in any way, shape, or form by him. And he was not, nothing but supportive and brought me to where I am now in that sense. Yep. So... I have to. I got loads of respect for him, but what I did find is the the staff yeah. were a lot more relaxed and chill when he had left. Ah, uh, okay. Which again, it does change the sure, change sure. the feel of how you uh, are treated over there as well. People, not that anybody's rude, uh, uh, has been rude to me in any way, but when they're relaxed, it makes the you know the fighters even more relaxed. You in know, the Coca era now, the Coca era is amazing. You man. like Scott? 
Oh yeah, man. He's. I just love the relaxed attitude. He's he is. chill, right? He's so chilled. But, but his network and what he's done in the past, that everyone can see it. And his network and what he's doing now, I agree with everything he's he's doing. So. So he got a start in kickboxing, and mm -hmm. now there's Bellator kickboxing. Yeah, Have they yeah. asked you to cross over? No, no, no. I, at the moment. It, from my opinion, I think they want to keep me away from that. They, okay. they, they want me to be the you know a, a draw for MMA, and they want guys, other guys, to be a draw for for kickboxing. Okay. But at the same time, I've said to them, you know, if I'm if I'm inactive in any any way, and a kickboxing show comes up, I want to jump on it. If 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 I if you know if I have space between a fight and and, and the opportunity is there, a hundred percent, I put my hand. I'll be the first to put my hand up to to have a fight. Is it true? Because, you know, the big story this year is free agency in MMA. Mm -hmm. Everyone testing the waters, going back and forth. Benson Henderson mm -hmm. comes to Bellator, loses. Yeah. How crazy yeah. was that? I, I, I predicted that. You predicted it? Yeah, 100%. Why? He's too small for that division. Yeah. Way too small. And for Koreshkov as well, he's yeah. very heavy hipped. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we, Benson trying to get underneath him and take him down. That one sprawl meant his, his hands are like over there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't do anything with that, you know? And he's competent stand up. It, I, I did not see in any way shape but nine times out of ten i don't see him winning a fight like that you have two fights left on your contract yeah including the next one yeah are you going to test the market not at all I've, the, you want to sign before are there are there talks of because you're yeah, one of the so, bright young yeah, stars so once once you know well i'm sure we're going to be talking uh very soon Obviously, okay. with the, the focus is london at the moment yeah so i don't really want to be in any kind of contract talks sure uh, for now i just want to focus on, on on the london um but i'm sure straight after that where we'll be talking again and I'm I'm happy at Bellator like ridiculously happy at Bellator and I, I don't mean to imply that you're not mm. but once London is over then you have one fight left in yeah, your contract yeah. why not test the market why not just I mean you don't think the UFC would be interested in you I, I, I don't know but you know what I, I respect the fact that they came and saw me from from when yep. you know when I was just do, I did one fight. And yep. I mean, literally after the first fight, they were the first people to one of the first people to come in contact with my coaches and be like, "Man, that was amazing. We want to see a little bit more of him, mm -hmm. um, obviously." But um, just letting you know that we are if he does well, we were ready to you know take him on board. And and I, I can I, I can appreciate people that you know they take chances in when they see things like that. But I feel with just loads of different shows UFC obviously being the biggest show obviously they got so many people wanting to go there all the yeah, time yeah. Um, they, they I don't think they take as much time into, to look at you know, the up and coming like look look at the sports over here one thing I, I, I really appreciate which we don't really have in, in the UK is that you know you got basketball the youth that are coming up and you guys are all seeing the development of yep. these guys and then you got the the, the everyone get to the, the picks the, the, for the NBA for the, for the, for the NHL for everything it's just like um, you, you're really looking at the, the development of young guys up and coming but I feel like MMA it's like when you're when you're already good they're like oh, okay look we'll just slap money on you and then take yeah, you on yeah. so um, yeah man I'm happy with what, the fact that Bellator and I'm, I, I enjoy I'm a supporter of what they're trying to achieve so, and you're loyal yeah um, did you pay attention to what happened to Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor when they lost and how the world turned against them because obviously they're you know you know they're bigger than you now mm -hmm. they're more they're mm -hmm. more famous because mm -hmm. they've had longer careers mm -hmm. but if something happened to you mm -hmm. you know everyone will come 100% are you aware of that yeah yeah and do you think about that no nah, does it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't bother me because because they'll all say look at what happened now your style yeah, exactly, bit you exactly, in the butt all exactly, that stuff exactly it's funny because a guy I remember a guy posted online like that style never worked look what happened to Anderson Silva look what happened to him yep. so I was like 
if I could choose to have any kind of career, yeah. it would still be Anderson Silva's sure. one. So regardless of what, he look how long of a success he was. People don't, I don't understand how people don't get that though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say, talking about the styles, I'm like, but look how long he was successful before that happened. Of course. With that style. Mm-hmm. And, but they're just like, your yeah, style though is result. turned up to 10 though, oh, yeah. compared to him. I mean, let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. He's not doing what you're doing. No one's ever done what you yeah, do. Yeah. Do you have great sponsors? Are there yeah. like I, I I want some like major sponsors to be hooked up well, to now? Well, What's well, going well, on? Well, right now, Bad Boy is um is probably my biggest sponsor. Yeah, you know. What about mainstream, big time? Not yet, not yet. Um, how are, how are I, you not bigger in the, in the UK? Know, Come on, what's know, going on? Um, Show this man some love. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, every major sponsor. I hope that back in the UK, yeah. every outlet is covering you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a huge deal. Yeah, it's it, it's getting there. And I think people are it, it, with a style, like you say, because my style is the way my style is. People struggle to. They they are all waiting. They're like, I, we could sponsor him, but I think the next fight he'll probably okay. And then the next fight, yeah, I don't know how long that would last. They're not believers. They're, they're not believers as much as they enjoy watching it, and they but they don't want to be associated with it just in case it goes wrong. When someone sees that you're on the card, and I'm not just saying it because you're here, you have to go out of your way mm-hmm. because even if something crazy happened against you, it's mm. still a sight to you know yeah. your style, everything that you do from mm-hmm. the walkout, the glasses. Mm-hmm. It, that's very rare in yeah, sports. Thank you, man. Thank you. You're a visionary. Yeah, yeah. So I I'm say keep doing be. your thing. Trying to keep be. doing definitely, your thing. Definitely. July 16th, MVP is back in action. Mm-hmm. He's fighting Fernando Gonzalez at the O2 Arena. The main event is Kimbo Slice versus James Thompson. Also, Paul Daly versus Josh Koscheck, oh, yeah. too. You know Paul? Oh, yeah. yeah Paul's yeah. the man. Oh, yeah. He's cool, man. You like him? Oh, yeah, yeah. We get on. You know, after the uh, American uh, American Invasion. Oh, that's right. That's right. We spent a lot of time together. Me, Liam, Mag- Liam McGeary, Linton Vassell, James yeah, yeah. Thompson. We spent a lot of time together. So. We we all like just we, we're, we're so cool now, man. There is a good um, UK base in yes. in Bellator. Too bad Liam can't fight on that card, right? hundred percent. It's 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 it's, it's He's unfortunate. here. You know that. Oh, he yeah, lives yeah. in this area. I know. I know. I know. Okay, I know. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, uh, Liam's Liam's cool, man. He's such he's a wicked character and deserves what, what, what where he's where he is. This time next year, are you champion? I can see that. Hundred percent. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll remember that. Yeah, April twenty fifth. <laughs> what a pleasure this has been, my man. man really, pleasure for me as well. No, pleasure seriously, I, I am such a huge fan of what mm-hmm. you're doing. It Thank is a pleasure. You. I was at the UFC on Friday. The weigh-ins were over, and yeah. I ran to the computer to watch you oh, because wow. I said we got to watch MVP. I Thank mean, you. you are must see TV, my friend. I don't Thank say you. that just because you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish you continued success. Definitely. Really. Thank you. And good luck, July sixteenth. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Any prediction? Man, he's going to sleep for sleep he's going to okay. sleep because i don't like when people have to you know say certain things about me i'm gonna back up talk smack yeah, okay. yeah there's no need all right i'm gonna back out okay <laughs> there you have it mvp in the house okay we're gonna say goodbye to michael mm-hmm. we're gonna take a quick break and in a minute we're gonna be joined by patty Houlihan, who just announced his retirement did you hear this yes sad i know i know it's crazy what a shame uh we're gonna be joined by him last guest of the day so we didn't give you the rory mcdonald interview last time can we do that this time guys do we have the rory interview okay there we go april 30th 2011 rory after he beat nick diaz mm. actually let me call let me call an audible there let's go with the patty Hulahan clip the tea with patty Hulahan as we get ready for patty to be on the show for now we say goodbye to mvp continued success thank you so much he thank is the man much. and we'll be back right here on the mmar Greetings everyone, Ariel Hawani here in Boston for the big UFC fight night, Conor McGregor versus Dennis Seaver fight. And of course, we have some time off while we're here, so we thought that we would come visit the Boston Tea Party Ships and Museum, which is a fantastic location. You can learn a whole lot about the history of the Boston Tea Party and do a lot of cool interactive stuff. You can even drink tea. And then I thought, you know what, I don't want to do this by myself. It's kind of boring to do that and a little lonely. So who better? 
than the tea aficionado of the UFC, the man who loves tea more than anything on this planet, the one and only Patty the Hooligan Hulahan to join us here today to experience this whole thing. Patty, how are you? Absolute pleasure to Great be here. Great to see you, my friend. Pleasure to be here. Who knew at the tea, the Boston Tea Party drinking tea with Ariel Hawani? Well, what a life. It never fails to blow my mind. And of course, Patty is fighting this Sunday on Fox Sports 1 against Shane Howell. You have a big fight. You're coming yep. back from uh, the first loss of your career. And uh, we thought maybe just, you know, 24 hours or so before the weigh-ins, this would be a good way to kind of get you in the mood, oh, get you settled in. Yes, uh, I feel the vibe already uh, from being in Boston since Sunday and I'm excited. I'm excited for Sunday to come. And I know you love tea very much, so I wanted to experience a little tea tasting with you to see why you love this thing. What, what goes through your mind when you're tasting tea for the first time? So to me, it's an honor and I thank you for joining us. Absolute honor to me as well. Let's do this. All right, let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Here we go. All right, Patty, we're here in Abigail's tea room. Look at this. All this tea. This is like Christmas morning, right? This is this is pretty cool, yeah. This is you couldn't have visualized this, could you? I know it. We have come a long way. And <laughs> I brought my friend Evan here. Hello, gentlemen. How are you, Evan? Very well. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's great. It's great to be here. Patty's a tea enthusiast, an aficionado, if you will. I heard that about you, sir. In Ireland, <laughs> I am the king of tea. <laughs> so Evan is gonna tell us about all these teas that they have here in Abigail's tea room and uh, we're gonna have a little uh, tasting session. Yes, we are. What you have before you, gentlemen, are the five different types of teas that were thrown overboard during the Boston Tea Party on the evening of December 16th, 1773. Uh, there are two different types of green teas and three black teas, and there is a wide variety of differences between all five flavors. The first one we'll sample is called Singlo. Singlo is a very delicate flavored green tea. Now, of course, what makes tea green is at the, uh, the type of bush that it grows on and the time of the year during which it is picked. Green teas are generally from the higher portions of the bush, which means the leaves are smaller and they are much younger. Please, do sample some if you wish. Is it a, a Camilla plant? Uh, yes, it is actually a Camilla plant, indeed. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> What do you think, gentlemen? Being honest, I wouldn't be a big tea, a green tea drinker. Well, I think you're a more robust man, sir. Uh, we'll get to the black teas in a moment, but let's finish the green teas here. This next one is called Young Hysim. If you don't mind me asking, Patty, why? Because I reckon this was the first tea they were thrown off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Singlo either, but Young Hysim was the favorite tea of two very important people in this time period. General George Washington and oh. Mr. Thomas Jefferson of Virginia. Young Hyson tea is picked before April 20th every year, the earliest leaves picked during the tea picking season. And it was so popular in Boston that it was found in almost every tea shop throughout the city in 1773. Patty? That one's kind of like taking a shot, isn't Still it? Still not a fan, <laughs> huh? This? He's a very critical tea drinker. This is okay. He is, he is indeed. Which do you okay. like better so far? Um, that one was like taking a shot. A shot. You know, that kind of, and then that one's just kind of smooth. I drink that if my, I went to my friend's house and he said, we only have green tea. And I would say, what? <laughs> we have well, friends. you can sweeten it with sugar or honey if you wish. And That's that was true. acceptable back in colonial times as well. Oh, yeah. But okay. green tea was um, kind of like an upper class thing, wasn't it? It was, quite yeah. upper class. And the lower classes, where I'm from, of course, we would have had more of the black teas. Uh, we have Kanju over here. 
Kanju's nickname was Kung Fu, and given your line of work, sir, this may be up wow. more of your alley here. <laughs> <laughs> the black teas are, of course, picked later in the tea picking season, and they have a much more robust flavor. What do you think of that, gentlemen? That's going a little bit greeny and black, isn't it? A little bit, yes. Yeah. It's a bit softer. How do you feel? Teas. Yeah, it's all right. You're right. <laughs> I think anything with green in it. It's not your style. No, uh, I'm more of a breakfast man. I'm more of a breakfast tea man. Because <laughs> in order that we do drink the, the highest grade quality tea in the world. Really? Uh, yeah. In the world? And we drink the, uh, more cups, um, I think it's per, like pound for pound, as we would know. Yes, exactly. In the world. All right, back on the MMA Hour. How about that? That was a lot of fun. MVP in studio, one of the bright young stars of mixed martial arts. Thank you to him and Bellator for hooking us up with that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, really great getting to know him. And of course, Alir Latifi as well. What a show this has been. Pretty sure our most watched show maybe ever. I mean, unbelievable stuff. And uh, well, let's, let's end on a very high note. Let's end with one of my favorites in the history of this game. What an honor it has been to cover this man. And, and like I said, not only one of my favorite fighters to cover, just one of the best people I've met in life, period. An amazing human being. You know how I feel about him. Earlier this morning, Patty Houlihan announced, unfortunately, that he has to retire at, uh, at a young age. It's, it's, it's sudden. It's unexpected. And he was supposed to fight in a couple of weeks in Rotterdam. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But he seems to be in great spirits and he has a long future in this sport. But I really wanted to have him on the program and I really appreciate him coming on. He joins us now, right now via the phone. Patty, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Patty, pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you very much. I know uh, a lot must be going on in your life. Um, if, if you could just tell us, I mean, we're, what, six or so hours since you made the announcement? Seven, maybe? What's life been like since you yeah, made this news public? I haven't been counting myself now. <laughs> What's it been like? Um, I don't know. We've just kind of been in my house. I kind of expected it um, over the last week. I was I was in Iceland for a week, and um, I kind of knew. I was trying to sort it back and forward there and put the statement together. And um, So then when I came back, it was, it was ready for him to do it today. So I had to just make that announcement. <laughs> When did you find out that this was an issue? When did you know about this uh, rare blood disorder? Um, well, when I was eight years of age, I was diagnosed with it, and it's, um, it's an extremely rare kind of, um, it's called a factor 13 deficiency. It's like a, how a clot is sealed after it's formed over a cut. So it's actually not to do with, like, it's after damage. Like, so say if you get cut when the cut is healing, the clot doesn't form properly. So, um... When I was diagnosed at that age, it was I think it, it was diagnosed that one in one in five million people get it, so it's really rare. So I got um, a factor replacement for it, so it's kind of like t- taking a vitamin there, like where you replace it. So you've known about this so, long before you started MMA. This is a secret that you you haven't told anyone close to you. Um, no, not that I haven't told anybody close to me. It's uh, it's it's not really a secret to me. It, it wasn't as 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 crazy as it sounds. Um, like I've been inspiring. I've been like neglecting all of my life. Um, before I was diagnosed, where I used to have like, uh, like bruising and things like that. But then the minute I was diagnosed and and I got the treatment for it, um, I was I was good again. Like 
I never really had problems to deal with bruising other like like normal people have. So at, at what point did it? Because you had a career, you you were a fighter before the UFC, you, you know, young, healthy man. At what point do you get the news that this can potentially end your career, that even though you've known about this for well over a decade, this now suddenly makes your career end on the spot? Well, at the time, not that I didn't, I didn't disclose it. Um, I, it ended up, uh, like, I didn't, I, I, I walked into John's gym, and at about 19 years of age, and that and that's when jiu-jitsu. I didn't expect to be to be going up to the UFC in uh, the main event as it came. So as the process, we went on, we went on. We never, I never denied anything. I never hit anything. But then when the UFC um, found out they after an injury in Dublin, um, they they diagnosed that you wouldn't be able to. Well, they got other information and waited up with their own doctors that they wouldn't be able to pass me for a medical anymore. So they told me that they were going to have to remove my contract. And uh, it's, not, it's not their fault. It's not my fault. It's just the way it worked out. How did they find out? Was it because of uh, USADA doing like more advanced drug tests? I mean, blood tests, I should say. Like, How did they find this out when you fought for them several times in the past? Because when I got injured in Dublin, I had had a surgery in... Um, in, and and a, a team of say hemophilia doctors were there. Oh, they, they so they when they went back after Dublin. Well, yeah, we hold my disc again in my back, and I got a scan, and a letter got sent, and it's just just the way it, it came out that way. And Vegas were straight away onto the UFC, took all the precautions that they had to do, and the minute they found out that uh, like this was kind of an issue that I had, and I, I didn't see this as as an excess. This is just a normal thing to me. I've been trained for for ten years. It's just it's just normal to me. But the, uh, the UFC took the, the measures that happened and informed me that I wouldn't uh, be able to get pass a with for a fight license. So what else do you do when you can't get a fight license? So we had to retire. And I'm grateful for what I've got to do in the sport. Um, I got to raise with um, a lot of superstars that came up from, from the Irish circuit. And, I got to kind of do an apprenticeship over uh, a really good point in MMA in Ireland, so I'm not happy. We understand. We do. We understand. Um, so, so for the uninformed, what is it about this rare blood disorder that is stopping you from fighting? Like, why can't you, even though you you've you fought with it before um, and were willing to do so, what is actually stopping you medically from fighting? Because it's um, it, it, there's increased chances of cranium bleeds, so that's what it says on okay. like if, if the diagnosis of it. So it would be a higher percentage of somebody probably to be able to get a bleed. Okay. Um, so, so at that, no doctor is going to pass you fit right. to be able to fight and say that I clear this guy to fight when he has a higher risk of it's, it's a fight at the end of the day as well. So. Um, so, given your line of work, are, are doctors surprised that you've been okay up until this point? Yeah, well, as I said to you, uh, Ariel, it's, it's one in five million, so it's, there's not a big case study being done on yeah. uh, a thing that rare, you know? So, like, to me, I am the evidence of me. That, that's what I think. I, I train, I don't have any, uh, any issues, any problems. 
Um, I, f- I feel okay. I'm, I'm fit, you know. I'm, I, I, I spar. I've never really had any issues of uh, injuries to do with this. this. This to me, that's why this never really came to me. Of like, oh, I have to say this or this big thing. This is, this is like, like a diabetic say to me. That's what it feels like, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you have to take any medication or anything like that for it? Yeah, we can't take any medication for it. Like. Sorry, say that again. I take yes, yeah, so I take a medication for it. Oh, I take okay. a, a fluorobagamin it's called. Okay. Um and, and, and so when did you get the, the official word that they weren't going to, you know, have you on the roster anymore because you can't get cleared? When did you find out this news? How long ago? Um I know the process started um, I think it is as soon as the UFC uh, as soon as the UFC came across it, it straight away they, they rang me straight away and asked me, um, is there something that you have to disclose and I, I Straight away, I told them, I, I have this, and I got letters from doctors to say that this is what it is, this is what the letters are. I sent them to, the, to Vegas. Vegas went over them and done all the precautions that they had to do, and then they they informed me that I wouldn't have been able to pass a, a medical, so... I, this is it. I should have maybe disclosed at the start, but you know what? I didn't, and, and I took a chance on it. That's, that's what they said. I walked into it. John Cena, 19, doing jiu-jitsu. I ended up going up, having a fight. You know what happens? It's not like it wasn't back when it all started. Like crazy medicals and things like that. You just, you fall. So given this... It's much better now to be these days. The medical standard is is, is brilliant in MMA now, so... Given how sensitive of a topic this is, did, did someone like? I'm wondering who told you the news. Like, who gave you that final answer that um, that you wouldn't be cleared anymore? Um, well, I was I was asked to send over the like, the information about this disorder, and I sent it over, and then Vegas informed me that they, they would uh, check it through and go through it, and it's just how the process started. Then I don't. Hmm. You don't know who to be like sending you an email to say this and right. This is the way it's going to happen. But the, the UFC, if they handle it professionally, you know. Now, have you considered, or did you consider, then just going to fight for someone else, like saying, "Okay, I'm going to leave the UFC, but I'll go fight for a promotion in England and Ireland and Europe, anywhere else." Is 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 that something that you thought of at any point? Oh, did we lose him? Patty, are you... All right, we're going to call Patty back. We may have lost him there. Um, certainly unfortunate news. 27 years old, Patty Houlihan. Still going to be a, a, a major part of that SBG team. Um, you know, his last fight, in, in, in a way, nice that he got that main event after some crazy circumstances with Joe Duffy suffering that concussion and getting pulled at the last minute from that card. He ended up fighting in, in a fight that was was fantastic to watch and, and I thought should have garnered a little more attention for one of the best fights of the year. I'm not going to say the best fight of the year, but certainly, I mean, from start to finish, that fight against Luis Smolka, which Smolka won towards the end of the second round, was just a fantastic bout between two great fighters, but uh, we we remember July 19, 2004. He he set the table for that night that will be talked about until these uh, these days are done. I mean, that night in Dublin, 
um, where it all started for, for those young men. Uh, he was the first one up. He was the first one up to bat. Uh, it came out to that, that song, 10,000 Hours. And if you haven't seen that uh, mini documentary that the guys over at SevereMMA.com uh, produced about Patty Houlihan and uh, Owen Roddy, uh, it's called 10,000 Hours. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, and it was very fitting that he was the one that started it, Conor McGregor, the one that finished it that night against Diego Brandao. Oh, that, that to me is, is top five. You know by now if you've ever listened to this show or watched the show. The, the magic in the air that night. Patty Houlihan, Cahal Pendred, Neil Seary, Norman Park, Gunnar Nelson, the honorary Irishman, Conor McGregor, all winning, all in impressive fashion, all great performances. I think that a movie can be made about that night, whether it's a documentary or a feature film. If you follow them from start to finish, if you follow, and and, and it ends that night. It doesn't matter. I had someone, I tweeted this earlier, and I had someone say, well, look at them now. That doesn't matter how they all started and how it all came together on that night. A lot of them in attendance for UFC 93. I mean, that's something that we haven't really seen since. And I don't know if we'll ever see again, because remember, they all won. They all put on the performances of a lifetime. I mean, it's really hard to recreate that for the stars to align like that. Pretty amazing. I mean, certainly here in the United States, it didn't have that impact. But there, that's the night Irish MMA, you know, really arrived. It had been around for for years before the likes of Owen Roddy, uh, who never made it to the UFC, and guys like John Kavanaugh, who you heard earlier, and I've gotten to learn more about it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm some kind of Irish MMA expert, but I have gone to learn a hell of a lot more and appreciate it more. It was around long before that night, of course, the first UFC event, UFC 93, perhaps you could say it was maybe born or had it, you know, first or second year birthday there, if you know what I'm talking about, if we're going to compare this to a young child. But it all came together that night, and he was a very, very big part of it. A gigantic part of it. He defeated Josh Sampo that night uh, via first-round submission, and that place exploded. There was around 10,000 people there. Um, It was called the O2 at the time. And that place just exploded. It was amazing. And then it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the time Connor beat Brandau and, and said the famous line to uh, Dan Hardy, who was on the mic that night doing the post-fight interviews, saying, we're not here to take part, we're here to take over. I mean, uh, exploded is not even a word that you can use at that point. Patty, are you back? Yeah, I'm here with you. Okay. Um, I, I was just curious if you considered, once you found out that your UFC career was over, did you consider continuing your career for another organization, keep on fighting? Um, well, as I said, I, I didn't really understand the, the excess kind of like, risks involved in fighting. Like, I, I didn't sit down and analyze that as I was going through fighting. What, like, I'm at more risk than this guy, am I, in my head? Like, I was just, I'm just fighting at the end of the day. Like, and to me, as I told you, it was always okay. So, I, 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 I don't know what to do, what to, to do in the situation now. You know what I mean? Like the UFC tell me that they can't, like, that they can't pass a medical with them. So I don't think we can pass a medical for any organization, and I don't fancy getting like that doesn't exist without a medical. So my hands are kind of tied in a way, you know. Okay. Um, are you at peace? 
I mean, can, can you walk away knowing that you'll never fight again? Um, especially, you know, I know how, how disappointed you were after your last fight. Are, are you at peace with this decision, or do you think it will take some time for you to come to terms with it? No, I'm not at peace at all. Like, that's what he said. We spent a whole week in Iceland there, and my, my emotions are going back and forward where, like, like anybody's would be. I just, like, I, I can't believe that I'll, I'll never get to make that walk again, and I can't see how I could unless I could find some way of proving that I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Are you going to try to find a way or is this a closed case? Like, are you going to try to talk to doctors, try to get cleared or is that impossible? Um, I talked to doctors. I already asked the doctors for a letter they sent them to Vegas and they, they, the doctors in Vegas said that they, they couldn't pass it on that grounds that a doctor wouldn't pass me and say that this guy is medically cleared to fight now known that he had factored in deficiency. Okay. That's amazing. So I'm assuming most of these doctors, if you say it's one in five million, haven't really met people like you before. Like, they're, they're all kind of in the dark about it as well, right? Well, I would be definitely the only one in Ireland. So wow. the people that have been dealing with me for um, my own life, they would have more experience with than a lot of people. I don't know how many people would have it in America. I don't know what the scale of people is, but... I know that there's one, and that's me in Ireland now, that has that deficiency. So, when did you tell your coach and longtime friend John Cavanaugh? When did you inform him of this? Oh, did we lose him again? Um, oh, there he is. No, small way have you. I'm just getting a charger. Okay, yeah, you're back. Um, so, like, I knew that, like, it being so rare, no one's going to understand it. No one's going to be able to say that. That's like even if you said it to the doctor, it's a fact that protein deficiency. They'd say it to you, no, it's not. Do you know what I mean? Uh huh. No one would hear of it. So like, it's so rare that if we start bringing up a, a like, something that's so rare and people don't understand it, I was like, that's I'm definitely going to be gone. You know what I mean? So so when did you tell your coach about this? John, well, I talked to John about it, but I didn't, I didn't sit down and tell John, as I'm saying, I didn't know that the, the risks were assessing. I found out when I kind of looked into this because this became a problem. Okay. But it's more serious than I thought, you know? And all along the way, it's just been, it's, this has not bothered me. To me, I'm still able-bodied, but I'm being told with doctors now that this is, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure at some point you informed him that your career was over, right? Before the news came out? Hey, John? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, so what was that? What was that like for you? How difficult was that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, like, it just, it doesn't feel real, you know what I mean? It feels, yeah. It feels like a death area. That's what it feels like. It feels like a death. Like, even the whole last week when I was in Iceland, I was so relaxed, it was so nice and things like that, but... It just, it just kind of felt like it coming back in waves and thinking about me, you know, and I'm still training in Iceland and still keeping my head nice and clear. And and, I, and that's what I will continue to do. It's, it just feels like my hands are tied now with, I didn't know that this situation with this was as serious as it is. Okay. Um, so perhaps that's the silver lining. It's, it's, you know, it's great that it was caught in that, you know, nothing serious has happened and that you can continue your life as it was before. Um, John mentioned earlier that, 
you will remain a part of the team that you will be a coach now that you're going to be sort of colleagues now is that is that what you want to do do you want to you know now mentor the young fighters and be a part of uh, the SBG team from a coaching standpoint yeah, but I've always been with uh, coaching to me as I said when I came into John's when, when I found that place I was like sticking there wasn't to go to the UFC for me it was like this is a good group of people doing jiu-jitsu, everyone having fun, everyone happy. That, that's how it started for me, and that, that, that's very addictive. So it's still that same situation when I'm with the guys and with the, with the new kid, uh, kids coming up and going to new places training, and it's, it's exciting, you know? So that, that's always what I wanted to do, and it just led to the UFC as well. But like, I'm not going to stop doing that because I, I don't be fighting competitive in the UFC anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you tweeted last week that you guys were in Iceland as a as a team for the first time since before that uh, UFC Dublin show. And knowing what you were going through, and that maybe the end was coming, and even the stuff that Connor was going through. I mean, what was that like? Did you you know you're kind of in Iceland, secluded from the world. No one's really bothering you. There's not a lot of media there and stuff. Was that was that a great way to sort of end it for you? I mean, how 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 were your emotions with everything that was going on surrounding you and the team and all that stuff? It was madness here in the United States, and you guys are just sort of tucked away, and you knew something that we didn't even know. So there was even more news to come out of the team. What was that experience like for you this past week in Iceland? That's that's easy. That's how Irish people operate. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is panicking, and we're just chilling. <laughs> so that's, that that was another day. There's no need for panic, you know. Like it just you just have to look at the facts of the situations and it's when you have to weigh up your options and like whatever's going on with other people and that it there they like you don't you don't be sitting around getting involved in that kind of stuff. That's everyone else's business as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Gosh. So I we're not sitting there emotional discussing this stuff and things like that. It's just always not just a nice chill place. It's, the training is amazing, the field is amazing. And um, like, it's just it's a really, really unreal place to try and get away. I wish I could be like that. I get anxious about everything. I admire you guys for that. It's a, it's a beautiful that's, thing. That's, well, that's that's kind of like a, a frame of mind that we we bring to the game. I think that and what we did bring. It's it's uh, your impact will be felt for a long time. Like I said, that night w- w- when you look back now. Is it all kind of worth it? Like, I don't even know how to phrase that, but that night, that first night when you came out and set the table, a night that I think should be, there should be a movie made about that night, what you guys did in July. Like, the fact that you got to experience that, that's what I meant when I asked you, like, are you at peace? You got to experience something that very few people get to experience in their entire life, fighting in front of their people, victorious, setting the the table for the night, and, and the way the night ended was just magical. Is it okay because you got to experience that? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, as always, when we hit the place, we hit the we hit it running. Yeah. That's what that's what we felt happy. Like if you look at the consecutive fights that we had, we were we were putting out fights at a lot of tempo. Like we were putting out fights and um, Ash and Connor and myself and Neil and you know for a little nation we were putting out some of the fights. So I think that we hit the ground running and it was kind of go, 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 and that was my attitude towards it. Like, it wasn't, like, get in and fight now because we've made it through the door. 
in a way, you know? Yeah, amazing. Um, just simply amazing. You know, some people are asking me on, on Twitter if you're going to do grappling tournaments. you have any interest in that sort of thing, EBI, Metamorphosis, any yeah, of that? definitely, definitely. Okay. Well, definitely. Look, these are all things that we can... We have to kind of sit down and weigh up and sit down with like, the, the, the people that deal with these that are experts in this... Uh, the blood disorder that we have. So, right. Like, I'm sure that there's no headshots and grappling and things like that, but you, then again, they have to weigh up the options and you know, we can get past to do that. 100% they'll be doing grappling phones. Um, and, and also curious, because I know how close you are, what was it like when you told your son that you had to retire? <laughs> he's killed, you know? He's just really, he's like, oh, it was good, wasn't it? Remember this and remember that? And then it's just like, just back to life then for him, like it's, I was just, it's not a big crazy wolf for him with cameras and all over here, you know? Yeah. He still has a split of life and it stays that way for him as well, so, but I have a simple life and I coach in the gym now and I try and do my own training thing and then I, uh, I fight when fights come up and that's the way it is, I'll just fill that time, I'll still be training and I'll still be uh, with the protein and Okay, so it goes back to a more simpler life, but I'm glad to hear that you are um, in relatively good spirits. I mean, over time, it'll probably get easier to digest, but I, I do appreciate you coming on, Patty, to talk about this. Um, let's close on these last two questions, if I can. And again, really thank you very much for coming on. How do you want people to remember you? Is there, is there something that you want people to remember you by, the way you fought, the way you handled yourself? If, if you never fight again, if this is really it, how do you want people to remember you as a fighter? Um, I I went in and tried to try to play my game and like like to me fighting is like jigsaw pieces, little bits and little sequences and I went in always trying to execute sequences that we'd been practicing in the gym that John had been showing me and the whole team had been working on together and, and that's that's what it's about doing it in a live atmosphere and that's what what it's always about. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's just like a, a dash of just scrapping in there as well. <laughs> Yes, indeed. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, what's your take on this craziness with Connor? Is this going to get resolved or what? I don't know. No comment. No comment. Fair enough. Um, we've said enough. Uh, Patty, I appreciate it, my man. Thank you. I meant everything I said. It was uh, truly an honor to get to know you, and, and, and I hope to get to see you at many more events in the future. And uh, that, that time we got to share some tea... Was great. I have some. I know. I know you don't like the iced tea, but it's the closest I can get. I don't usually drink the tea uh, on my show, but uh, I, I got some from for you. So I raise my 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 glass to you, my friend. Uh, you're, you're great, and uh, I wish you the very best, and I hope everything works out okay. Thank you, Mister Owen. Thank you very much. And that compliment at the start, and you've met a lot of people, a lot of good people. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you very soon. All the best to you. And uh, and again, thank you for some time here tonight. I know a lot's going on in your life, but I, I sincerely appreciate it. I will figure out We'll figure out woman. Okay, uh, there he is. The hooligan, Patty Hulahan. Beautiful stuff. Cheers to him. Okay. Whew, what a show. All right, just a few minutes left. New York Rick, are you still alive? Or have you gone on vacation yet? Yep, I think he's gone. Sleeping. Did he really leave? He's leaving me hanging? Or was he in the bathroom? Nope. I mean, this guy 
already on vacation. Unfortunately, uh, what? What's the excuse? No, no excuse. My bad. I was uh, I was just playing around with my thumbs back here. Yeah, typical. So, what do we make of this world? Has anything changed since the top of the show? John Cavanaugh told us fifty-one percent. That's his guess. I mean, this is madness over here. Has anything changed? I haven't really been on Twitter. I haven't really been talking to people. Can you tell no. us anything? Nothing's changed. No status quo. Connor puts out that tweet. UFC says no. I mean, okay, so I've weighed in on it. I've said enough. What do you think of this? It feels like an exercise in futility. In terms of what? Like, I just don't, uh, at this point, I don't really care. You don't care. You're turned off. Yeah. You say, to hell with Connor. No, I mean, I'm sure he'll return. Uh, he, He marched back and said he's not retired, so therefore I'm led to believe that he will fight again for the UFC at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana White says it's not going to happen at UFC 200. I have to believe that he's uh, telling the truth there just because he's been saying it so many times recently. Adamant. Um, very adamant about it. So that's what it is. Connor will fight at some point in the future, and I don't really care when that is right now. You're over it. I'm over it. Okay, let me ask you this. When he retired, did you believe him? No, of course not. When Dana said that he was off 200 because of the nope. fact... What, what, what? You don't know my question. Continue. Were you okay with that? Oh. Um, Were you one of those who said, look, everyone has to do it? Aldo came from Brazil. Nunes came from Florida. Edgar came from New Jersey. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. Were you one of those? Like, do you understand where they're coming from? I understand where they're coming from. But I think that you have to make concessions for Conor McGregor. You recognize the fact that there are megastars, there are superstars, there are stars, there are players. Correct. People get I mean, special he, treatment. Nobody said it better than himself. How many people on that stage made four hundred million for uh, the UFC in his last in their last three fights? And so then he comes out and puts out a statement. I'm just curious. I, I, just, I, mm-hmm. I like the timeline. Yep. What did you make of it? Was that a good representation of himself? Did he, you know, because some people are saying, yeah, he wanted to do every interview back in the day. Oh, now you lose. You don't want to do interviews. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. the, 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 the gallery, the peanut gallery. Were you okay with what he said? The Tim and Susie show, blah, 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 blah. I thought it was the Conor McGregor way um, of saying what was really you know something that happens where people get burnt out and i think he wanted to look he you know he hasn't tasted defeat in a while he wanted to refocus he has every right to do that and um he's going up the uh, against the exact same opponent he knows the work that needs to be done he gauged he's gauged uh nate diaz once now um and he didn't feel like he was ready and if he would took away time from training he wasn't going to be prepared so um I think he has every right to do that. Now, certainly, he can't skirt every responsibility. There's a limit to that. But I think he does deserve some extra rope. And in this case, uh, he didn't get it. Do you feel like the UFC is to blame here in the sense that they created the monster? They let him show up late. They let him dictate things. And now, he just went too far. He, he tried to push like a little no. kid, right? He, they tried to push. They tried to push until... No. You it's, don't a think- par- it's a partnership. And nobody created Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor created Conor McGregor. UFC didn't uh, didn't make him. No, so, but did they give him too much did, leeway? You're saying did they give him? Uh, did they not put their foot down earlier that led to this? No. Yeah, because I, I think it's funny when when people say like, oh, you know, special treatment, this and that. I mean, he has gone above and beyond in many respects. 
I just want to say for the record, I really do think that all the fighters on this show who I've asked about it are, are, are actually nailing it. Like they're not afraid for their jobs or whatever. There is, there is a point on both sides here. Yeah. You know what I mean? They get where Connor's coming from. And, and by the way, none of them know what he has to deal with because he's all just more popular than them. That's just the fact. And they also get where the UFC is coming from. The UFC is a promotion and part of a pr- being a promotion is to promote. And, you know, there's, there's, there's obligations and things of that nature involved. I mean, it's, it's all kind of reasonable. I guess what feels the most unreasonable to me is that they can't come to a middle ground. Like, I, I can't understand this. Who is being the stubborn one here? You know what I mean? Uh, is it is it Connor for saying he doesn't want to go to Vegas, but he'll go to New York? Is it the UFC who's saying, look, we have this crew booked, come to Vegas and shoot it. You know what I mean? It's like, what? You don't even have to do a commercial for this, this fight. Like you could do a commercial with stock footage and, and send, you could send Casey with his small camera to Ireland and get a commercial that will do very well to, to Iceland. You could send one to stock. You know what I mean? Like you don't need an elaborate Hollywood set to do this sort of thing and that's to, that's the part that i can't wrap my head around this fight well, is three months away and we're, we're not able to come to a conclusion here like a compromise it's very easy to say that in hindsight but now every time the ufc ramps up production and gives us one of those great commercials where it's clear that they really put time and money into it everybody's raving about it and can't yeah. stop talking about it so um you have to understand their point of view where they wanted to create that. They wanted to be able to have some really um, powerful content and something that they wanted him to participate in. But if they couldn't get it done, was well, it ne- worth pulling the plug? You know what I mean? They, it's not they, worth pulling the plug, no. Certainly not. But um, Are you surprised that they're still you know, putting their foot down? And, and obviously, John Jones no. winning no, I'm not. helps them. Because you know, if John Jones lost... This whole story would be different, right? We say that all the time, but I don't know. What would you have done? OSP versus Cormier? That's not 200. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe if he shocked the world. Yeah. Okay. OSP. We we talked about how Holly Holm got star power instantly after the Ronda Rousey thing. So, Um, Though John Jones is the Ronda Rousey, but I get your point. Are you surprised, though, that they're sticking to their guns? I'm not surprised, no. Okay, so then they let me... They have to stick to their guns at this point. Yeah, at this point. Okay, so this is the... This We're is, too deep. This is, this is the most important question of them all. Did Connor go to the well one too many times with his last tweet? Clearly, UFC saying this tweet isn't true, that he's back, right? I woke up this morning, the worst way in the world to wake up, by the way, to a gazillion tweets saying, wake up, Ariel, like these tweets are being sent at 3 a.m. I'm, I'm in La La Land. Wake up, Connor's back, Connor's back. He tweeted this, I think, at 1.46 a.m. Eastern, so technically Monday morning here in the United States, in New York. And and for a while, it took the UFC a while to officially comment on it. I put out a tweet that I was told it wasn't true. But did he go to the well one too many times in the sense that, like, yeah, you retired, you come out of retirement, you say this, you say that. Now you told people you're back, and it wasn't true. Was that a mistake on his part? Does that show desperation? You get what I'm saying? I don't, yeah, I, I, I do get what you're saying, but no. Uh, people are going to eat up everything Conor McGregor does. Okay. Um, I wondered about that. Why? Do you feel like he did? I want to know why he wrote that before, really. But I was like, man, if he's just trying to poke the bear at this point. like I think it's it's putting more pressure. If, I'm, if Conor McGregor has his fans uh, campaigning and saying, Conor said he's back on, what's the deal? Um there's going to be, you know, it, people are going to take notice. And uh, 
I think the UFC can't budge, though. I don't think it matters what happens, at what this Conor point, McGregor says at this point. What about this idea of not putting him on in New York? Because that feels like a punishment. I mean, in, in terms of what? Are you asking, is that appropriate, or are you asking... Is that smart, business-wise? No, of course not. Right? Ter- terrible business-wise. But... Um, Does the punishment fit the crime? You... There is there is some truth to the idea, and you were talking about this before. There is some truth to the idea that you can't let Conor McGregor walk all over you. It's just you, he's 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 a star that's that's big enough that he can get some leeway. And and I have said you know that the UFC didn't treat it properly, and they they should have given him that leeway. He's he's earned that. Um, but you can't let him have whatever he wants. And at a certain point, you have to put your foot down. Was this the right point? Probably not. But there's never a good time. I hate when people keep bringing it, bringing up the uh, UFC 137 Nick Diaz situation. This is completely different Not than that. Situation. He didn't give them any notice. You know what I mean? He didn't tell them. He just didn't show up. Remember? You and know, and mm-hmm. we're also going hist- past history here. Conor McGregor is a media darling. Has done every media thing that exactly. they wanted him to do. Exactly. It's it's a completely different scenario. Yeah. He, so this is the one time he asked for something. Or, you know, obviously, I don't know. Uh, I'm that, sure he's asked for other things. I'm sure things he's asked for other yeah, things. Yeah. Um, but this seems to be the one time that he asked to not participate in something for the media because he's done a hell of a lot. He's done a hell of a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, along the way, there's there's back and forth and there were rumors of the rift and blah, 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 blah. Although no one's really, you know, uh, conceding on, on, on whether or not there is, in fact, a rift. Although right now, I mean, it's hard not to, to think that they're a little no, disappointed. No, Dana White has said many times. I'm not mad. I'm not, not mad. mad. I'm not mad. Although when you say you're not mad that many times, it kind of feels like you are mad, no? You are mad. Yeah. Um, As Cameron would say. What about, okay, let me ask you this. What about that press conference? I just, I'm, I'm still kind of digesting it sure, all. Sure, sure. So Dana White tells Brett Okamoto on Saturday of ESPN that the media was acting weird at the press conference. In fact, I thought it was one of the shining moments for MMA media and not just myself, all of us asking those questions because there they are. Look, what I would have done if they want this tip, I would have done a scrum beforehand with the media, not live streamed, say, here, we're going to address the situation, ask away, we'll talk about it, we'll give you our side. And then at the press conference, you know, Amanda Nunes, Misha Tate, Frankie Edgar, Jose Aldo, and the rest will be there. And, you know, let's let's stick to the... So everyone would have gotten their questions out of the way as opposed to doing it on the live stream and it becoming this spectacle. Instead, they come out with Nate and the empty chair. How are we not supposed to ask about it? And then Dana says that Nate's going to remain on the card. Nate says he's not staying on the card. I mean, to me, that was... That was asking for us to ask about it. I didn't think that we were acting weird. Do you get what I'm saying? I do get what you're saying. But now, is there a thought that that's what they want people to be asking about at this point? We're, we're talking, what day was the, the press thing? Uh, Friday, so after, we're, before the weigh-in. So we're talking Friday, right? Yeah. Um, at that point, this Conor McGregor thing is completely out of control. Do do you not, maybe not want that to be the topic of conversation, to get more people interested, to get more people to watch it? Now, I don't think that I, I don't think that went the way they thought it was going to go. There's possibly, n- there's no way. I mean, there's just no way. Did, Dana starting off that press conference and saying that Nate is going to remain on the card, and then him five minutes later saying he's not staying on the card if Connor's not there. They wouldn't have brought him out if they thought they thought that he was going to say, "Where are you at, homie? Don't be scared. Don't be a wuss." That's what they thought. He didn't do that. There's no way that was that, that that was as they planned. I'm not talking about specifically anybody's responses or anything like that, but the idea that Conor McGregor is a topic of this press conference. How could they want that? He's not on the card. 
Yeah, but it's it's all good for the UFC. If it's all good, put him back on the card. No, well, it's not all good behind the scenes, but it's all, all right. good. It it's just more attention. Do you think that this TMZ and all this stuff that um, is stemming from this is bad? I can't. I can't think that they feel that way. No, it's tremendous. The fight is a thousand times bigger. This fight that no one seemed to so, want. So why would we think that they're concerned about? Because it's not happening. Because what you, well, they're letting it's ego. It's going to happen eventually. Who knows? Dana White said that it's going to be a Connor versus Frankie and, and Aldo. The Great. DS fight is gone. There'll be just as much excitement for that. It's not the same. This people is UFC com- 200. People could not f- fall over themselves fast enough to complain about this rematch. And now it's suddenly the thing that everybody can't wait to see? Because it turned into this. It's Conor McGregor. It's irrelevant. I'm not who's, saying that when he comes back. I'm not saying them. that when he comes back, he's not going to be a big deal. I'm not saying that you know his star power has gone down. In fact, it's the complete opposite. I mean, on on Wednesday of last week, it was absurd how many people were interested in it outside of MMA. I'm just saying, it still doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that he's not staying on the card, even with Jones in DC. I spoke to most of the fighters. I'd say the vast majority of the fighters before and after that press conference who were on that stage, none of them cared. They all had a take. They all thought, yeah, you know, it'd be good. but they all got it. They understood why he wasn't there. They got what he had to say. They sympathized with him. And, and you think, you think, and, and she didn't say it, but you think Misha Tate, who's getting pay-per-view points for the first time, doesn't want Conor McGregor on this card? You think she's saying it's not fair that he's not on the card? She stands to make a hell of a lot more money if he's on the card. More people will watch that card from the prelims to the pay-per-view if he's on that card. So to me, it's like, figure it out, fine him, say whatever you want to say, and just keep him on the card. The fans want it. Nate wants it. Connor wants it. The UFC has always done a tremendous job of giving people what they want. That's been their MO. We make the fights that the world wants. I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's that simple. The I, long-term implications I are greater than that. I honestly do think it is. I honestly do think it is. You can't... It's not like... They, lo- they lose if they do that. They it, lose. It's not they, like Rory McDonald can't pull that sort of thing. He's just not that big of a name. Right. And so what's to stop Conor McGregor from doing this every single time? Look... There's a partnership, and they need to find. They need to sit down and say, "Look, we need to figure this out." Perhaps, look, I can assure you, and and Kavanaugh alluded to this. The next time they book a fight, they're going to talk about the press schedule beforehand. It just didn't mesh with his schedule. It didn't mesh, but the next time they're going to talk about it beforehand and come to an agreement. Conor McGregor wants to make money. This is not good for him. He was sta- he was going to make a heck of a lot of money because it's two hundred because it's the Diaz rematch. That's why you have to do this. Mm. And that's why you have to do this. I disagree. I, I think you're cutting your nose to spite your face. And there it, is it, some of that. There is some of that. But but, but long term, you're you're cutting off something that, fight that game, will continue to happen. No, we've never seen anyone like him. And the fight game is not fair. Don't give me this fair thing. Life isn't fair. The fight game isn't fair. Is it, was it fair when they put in the Reebok deal and a lot of fighters lost money out of, uh, uh, as a result? Was that fair? Was it fair when Kyle Parisian was going to get a title who's shot? Say, who's saying it has to be fair? Fair Dana for Dana White. That was oh, his main topic. Of, I thought you were talking about me. I don't no, think no, no, there no, no. has to be any I'm just, fair. I'm just saying, like, was that fair when Kyle Parisian was going to get a title shot and got injured no, and never no, got a title shot? there's no fairness so, in this. So that, but that's what they're hanging their hat on. No, there. I mean, let's be real. That's, that's the old Romero can, situation. Was that can, fair? We can see through that very easily. Then they, what is it? Well, they, they have to stop, set. Yeah, they have. Look, they. It's exactly what you said. Conor McGregor stands to make a lot of money from this fight if they don't. And the UFC. And the UFC, but if they get if they let him get whatever he wants now and continue to let him get ever whatever he wants, he will continue to do this. There's nothing to stop him. Yeah. 
They could have figured it There's, out. Now, I'm not saying this is the only way they could punish him. I'm just saying that they can't, they can't continue to, to let him do this. There has to be some point where they're stopping. And they chose this point. Is this, is this the right decision? I don't know. Yeah. It'll bear itself out. If he didn't but, show up, if he just didn't show up, when, you know, like he said, I'm going to be there, and didn't show up, that's one thing. He left them high and dry. But that wasn't the case. So I, I just feel like the UFC is better than any organization in calling audibles. You know, a guy gets injured, Cormier gets injured. They, they, they put together these shows in like five minutes. It's insane what they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis because of injuries, fight cancellations, etc. They know better than anyone how to pivot. They could have pivoted. They could have pivoted. They could have said, okay, we're going to cancel this crew. We're going to do it. And I know it's easier for me. I don't have to deal with that stuff. But they deal with it better than anyone. They are the best at crisis management. That's that's the base level of this interaction. What else was happening, though? Uh, of course. I mean, I'm just going on what... I mean, by now, I feel like we know enough. This has to be... Indi- I mean, it, it, there's clearly indications that this is not just one th- press event. Let's be real. Let, let, let's Let's talk about this openly and not like this what? this one press event thing wasn't the only thing no it had been it. building that's why i said he was coming late there were issues with the contract him signing the contract late all this so stuff. it's not I mean, like they're making a stand because of this one thing no 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 because of the I'm fairness or, or any of that i'm not saying it's, that. it's an entire story and this story was growing out of control yeah. it was getting out of so control. you think the ufc wins now do you think do you think that they seize control once again by taking him off the card that money that's not going into his pocket certainly tells a story. It's not going into their pocket either. Don't get me wrong. As I said, um, it's not a situation where you know they're going to come out looking like roses. But they're sending a message, and he and he's yeah. getting it. That tweet this morning, as you're saying, for some looks like defeat. Looks like hey, it's all back. We're we're buddy buddy, right, guys? Right. And you said, did he go one too far? And right, right, is right. That, well, then that's the right message, isn't it? Isn't that what the UFC wants people to to believe? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're refuting it, so we'll see. There's a press conference in New York on Wednesday. All signs point to both Nate and Connor not being there. So it seems like, and especially if Cormier is, and don't get me wrong, Cormier Jones is 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 the main event that I said should have been for if it wasn't going to be. Uh, McGregor and Edgar and if Ronda wasn't on the card that's the main event there's no doubt about it but you wish that there was a way I mean could you imagine Cormier Jones 2 and then Nate Connor 3 round fight co-main event that's 200 that's what I'm talking about you know what I mean and the fact that they haven't stripped him yet but are still pulling him off the card seems a little weird to me as well sure um, okay, so we, we we talked. Can we just rifle through these as quickly as possible? Yeah, let's, John let's, Jones's performance. First question. Yeah, John Jones's performance. Uh, Basically, the in summation, did he look rusty? Did it affect him? And was he lucky? And in and conversely, was DC unlucky not facing John Jones? I, I think Styles make fights, and uh, I don't know if I can say definitively that uh, Cormier would have beaten him that night. I, I will say that's the most ordinary John Jones we've ever seen inside the octagon. That's that's Michael Jordan. He is the Michael Jordan of this sport. That's him scoring like 18. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, he had his nice little moments here and there, but it's not the 35 that everyone wants to see. Um, so, yeah, you know, the, 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 the ring rust. You know, I wanted to ask Dominic Cruz about this because it's like everyone is affected by ring rust, but Dominic Cruz, it's amazing. And all the other stuff going on, it clearly affected him. He wasn't the same. He wasn't pulling the trigger as uh, Brandon Gibson told me. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you got to think if you're DC that, you know, ah, man, I could have had him, but he seems to believe that that's going to be the case. That's the new John, as he called him. 
uh, real quick question, pivoting off this. Um, do you have a problem with John Jones celebrating the broken arm thing? Um, I saw someone ask me about that, but I honestly didn't see it. When, when uh, Megan Olivia interviewed him after the fight, he she informed him that he likely had a uh, broken arm in the second round and john jones said hey john jones and he started dancing um he was proud of his kicks he was proud of because he broke it with a kick he was proud of um implementing tools that he had to be able to break somebody's arm essentially he wasn't gloating saying ah osp broke his arm it was more of a thing where he was celebrating the broken arm because what it meant for his his striking prowess i'm fine i mean honestly i haven't seen it so i don't know exactly but uh, i'm fine with it i'm beyond fine with it i think it's the most ridiculous thing yeah yeah relax it's like the mvp thing everyone needs to relax okay we were talking about mighty mouse being number one pound for pound which i vehemently disagree with now why does dominic cruz not get talking that's what i asked him right remember you missed that. Mighty Mouse. Cruz should be in that discussion as well. So should Cormier. Mighty Mouse's loss, last loss, is yeah. to Cruz. Yeah. And I've, Cruz I've, avenged his loss. Yep. What What are we missing other than time? Now, obviously, time is a factor, but his resume is sterling. Yep. Sterling. It, it's because he hasn't been around as long and, uh, you know, he hasn't been as active. Um, if we're talking about Mighty Mouse's number one pound for pound, moving one weight class up and then meeting the guy who beat you, that certainly doesn't inspire confidence. Yes, it was five years ago, though, but fine. Um, the pound for pound thing is crazy. It's it's fun barbershop talk. All due respect, I, I think John Jones is still the it's number John one. Jones. Yeah. It's John um, Jones. Uh, it's so, you know, what have you done for me lately? And I love the fact that Demetrius Johnson is getting that love. I love it. It's it's great. I love the fact that people are actually excited about him, giving him his props. It was beautiful. I was so happy for him. Um, but let's look at the resume. Let's look who Jones has defeated. He's still number one, in my opinion. He beat Daniel Cormier, who I think you can make the case for being number two. Daniel Cormier has one loss, has won a heavyweight, could probably be heavyweight champion, and then went down and has only lost is, once to John Jones. This is what this tells me. People want to make Mighty Mouse, uh, you know, the, a pound-for-pound great, but John Jones is still that guy. Uh, Cormier needs more love, and Cruz needs more love. Yes. That's what this tells me. Love for all. Uh, this is not great. This one. Let's keep rolling, okay. keep rolling. McGregor DS2 or Jones uh, DC2? Both. Both. See, that, that's, the more the merrier. That's greedy. Both. If, if no, it was only one. There's three cards that weekend. Both. If Figure it's only it out. one. No. If it's only one. Both. You have to choose. No. Why? Why do I have to choose? You have to choose. It's not realistic to get them both. Both. I don't have to choose nothing. Bad answer. <laughs> uh, is Connor fighting or not? Is he going to fight at 200? Your prediction, is it happening at 200? Right. Not, not after right not now, New York. Right now, uh, I mean, we got to Are this point. Are you about point. to say fifty-one forty-nine? <sighs> I wanted to, but uh, we got to this point, and they, this, I, I think no, I think they're putting their foot down. I mean, they've had a lot of chances. If Dana would have come out and said, you know what, we figured it out, this whole thing would be over. No one would be talking about it. We'd be looking back at last week. I don't week. think it's too late. It's all too late. But the fact that they haven't done it at this point, I'm just going to say no. But I mean, you, you could let this go on a little bit longer. It's building more buzz. It's getting more. It now, is. There's people who are getting turned off, like myself. Um, but I still think ultimately it's it's Fair. building up more. And you could wait this out a little bit and then. Yeah, but you don't want to turn off the public. Like you, no. the soap opera, you know what I mean? Like there's, at, that's a certain I, point, yeah. at a certain point. So if it doesn't happen by today, tomorrow, I, I don't know how you fix it, you know? Yep. Especially if John is in. You know, John and DC are in. Sure. Where's my text, DC? He's supposed to text me. Okay. Connor McGregor. Um, doing his own promotion like a Floyd Mayweather or, or, or a Fedor, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think he would do well enough? Does he essentially, does Conor McGregor still need the UFC at this point? I think they need each other. 
Yep. I, I definitely do. I mean, there aren't any fighters. I mean, he can't just fight on every card, you know? They need each other. They've they've gone to this point. And do you think that this is part of the impasse? Like, is this it? That no. Conor McGregor thinks he's as no. big as the promotion and the promotion? Oh, I mean, that's a different that, that's a different story. But I don't think it's because Conor wants to start his own promotion. No, 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 no. no. But just the idea that he could, and that's what he's kind of. I think I on. think there's a lot of ego at play on, on both ends here. Um, I, I also do believe that it's like he's thinking I've done enough, and I'm coming sure. off a loss. And uh, can you just give me this one weekend off? You know yep. what I mean? Like it, again, he's, it's not like he's saying I'm cutting off all media between now and July 9th. He said he would come to New York to do and this stuff. I also believe, I really truly believe that if he had won, he would have done it anyway. I truly believe that. Well, of course. I mean, he says part of the reason why he needs to go back to the basics is because he lost. And and how fair so is that? That has to... You, I mean, we're talking about fairness. It's completely fair for a guy who just lost to... to I hate the word fair. How about reasonable? Sure. Great, great, great word. Reasonable. It's, yeah. it's completely reasonable for him to say, I'm facing this guy I just lost to. I know the work that needs to be done. Let me do it. And again, I'm not cutting off all media. It just... You know, he had this trip book with his team there. You know what I mean? It, sure. Could this be uh, the impetus for a, a union? No. Conor McGregor? Because no. as we've seen, a lot of fighters aren't banding behind it. Look, I talked about this last week. Uh, most of the fighters were campaigning for his spot. I mean, this was exhibit 8,467 as to why there will not be a union anytime soon. And, I, and I'm not some guy here that's going to you know sit and advocate for a union in MMA because at the end of the day, the fighters don't even seem to care. But Roy McDonald got it right. They need to have each other's backs more often than not, and they never do. Um, and they're not on this one. So this is not the impetus. The structure is a little different, so it's going to be tougher for a union um, and to have somebody's back, but um, I do get it. And, and I hope that this is at least uh, something that sparks it, if not you know, getting the ball rolling. Nah, it's not. Uh, Conor McGregor uh to the ufc yes. as compared stone cold to wwe or, or vince mcmahon this guy watched the beat last week it went over all those those uh jabronis yeah those jabronis head this <laughs> is why vince versus stone cold was so successful that was so successful because it was employee versus employer right that's why everyone was so uh, captivated by it. We all want to tell our employee at some point, although I'm very happy here at uh, Vox Media. <laughs> but most people want to tell their, their, their employer, boom, one finger discount. Here you go. One finger salute. Stun you. You know, that's, that's what this is. This is so everyone gets, you know, this, this, this kind of drama. Oh, there's a rift. Oh, they're, they're not on the same page. Oh, they're fighting. People love that stuff. So that's why if they do figure it out, play this up. The commercial writes itself oh, all, all the all the people talking all the talking heads oh conor mcgregor's off the card conor mcgregor's retired cut to iceland cut to him hitting the bag cut to him sparring cut to him in the mountains cut to nate running cut to nate biking in stockton that's that's the commercial that's why i don't get it it's not them walking in las vegas and facing off like every other commercial that's not the commercial this is the commercial play this up you got it in your hand. This fight is a thousand times bigger. It, 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 it supersedes UFC 200. It would be a crime to let this go down. And it's not the same at 201. Build it up. Use it to your advantage. Use this to your advantage, the UFC. You're going to make money off of it. What a shame. Love the concept. Yes. The, the action scenes, the storyboarding needs a little bit of no, work, but we'll work on it. It's perfect. Hitting you the back. Whatever. Hitting the back. Yeah, because this is this is it. It's like brrr, talking, 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 stop. And then all you hear is black. Follow me here, you're black. And then you hear psh, 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 
No. Cheese. You had me up no, to that no, point. No, that's, no, 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 that's where you lose it. Conor this McGregor is not a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. No. Bad. Bad. Suck. Okay. Uh, Koreshkov versus Henderson. Thoughts on that fight? Surprised uh, by Koreshkov. Um, surprised by Henderson. What, what, what was your take out of that? It was a beautiful performance by Koreshkov. Good for him. Um, it's clear Benson needs to go down to 155. I think... It was inspiring, the 170 thing, yeah. but he's he's clearly a 155-er. Kershkov has come a long way since the Askren fight. The best laid plans of mice and men. You know what I'm saying? Is it going to be fair to him how people are going to view this fight? Stop with the fair. No more fair. It, are people going to view this fight? Um, All I'll say is... For some reason, if you look at the history of MMA, every time someone leaves the UFC on their own, I'm not talking cut, I'm not talking no contract like Phil Davis, don't tell me that one, or Josh Thompson, leaves the UFC as a free agent. Dan Henderson going to Strike Force, Tim Sylvia going to Affliction, Benson Henderson are just a few. Something bad happens. They always lose. It's crazy. It's like there's a voodoo hex on them or something. It's true. Look at history. What do you think of the new Cain Velasquez? He had a joke at the press conference, and there was a recent tweet. I think it was him sitting with the uh, Travis Brown in the, in the green room. Yes, he said uh, something like, oh, this is, uh, this is a horrible way. Yeah, he had a joke at the press conference saying, Dana, I thought uh, no questions were going to be asked towards me. I love it. This is, this, finally, we're going to see Cain's uh, personality. I've asked him to come on the show a million times. He doesn't want to come on, but I'll take this Kane, the silent Joker assassin. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh boy. Nickname needs a little yeah. word. Patty Holohan. Love Patty. Um, the we man. just had him. What, wrap it, sum it up. Um, how do you feel about him and, and this thought? And also, is there, should we be concerned that he was able to hide this for so kind long of. And, and fight? <laughs> yes, a little bit. It is a little concerning. But hey, it shows that the sport is coming a long way. It's evolving. Patty Houlihan was a guy who didn't look maybe like a fighter. You know, he was your, sort of your typical Irishman, had the strong accent, had an amazing joie de vivre, and, uh, and, and almost like fought above his capabilities. And, 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 and how he fought with everyone on his back that first show after UFC 93, which I consider sort of the first show again, um, the Dublin show, is something that I'll never forget. He, uh, he's just a great character. He, he's taught me a lot about life. I mean, just look over the past years on this show, last couple of years, things that he's taught me about life. Even the way he's handling this, like no tears, no, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. So um, the, uh, Patty Houlihan, in a nutshell, is why we love this sport, the characters in this sport. He's great, and I'm happy that he's sticking around in the sport, and, and the, the, the fighters there at SPG are very lucky to have them a part of the team still. Did you watch EBI? No. I watched it. Fantastic. Really good. Um, Fight Pass is the best. They're really <laughs> putting on great stuff. That was Look it. Look at you, you and Sage Northcutt. All right, we're done. So you're gone for two weeks. You're leaving us to go on your eighth um, honeymoon, right? So we're going to see you again I mean, May 19th. You know, that's, that's what happens when you're romantic, you know? Oh, yeah. Maybe, I, you know, Patty Houlihan was teaching you stuff. Maybe I can teach you something about, you know. Romance, romance. taking time. The people won't allow me. I'm going to Montreal, actually, tomorrow for Passover. I missed the Passover Seders because I had to be there for the people to represent the people, the people's champion that I am. I'm I had to be there. Wife. And yeah. I love her, well, and I'll see her. There's, 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 there's a give and take. You're leaving us high and dry, but that's okay. The train moves along. We live to fight another day. We'll be here next week. I'll be coming back from Montreal. Now, I kind of hope that nothing big happens, to be honest. Now, here I am going to jinx it at this New York press conference because I will not be there. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Have a good trip. I will miss the people. Thank you. Thank you. I will you miss, miss you us. all. No, I will you mi- miss no, us. Stop it. Stop it. I will miss them all. Just say goodbye. Bye, people. I hate goodbyes.
All right, you can hit my music. Went a little over today. What is going to happen? Honestly, what is going to happen in the next seven days? Every time we say goodbye, I think, all right, you know, I have a pretty good read on how crazy this sport is. And, you know, we've kind of seen and done it all. Could we have predicted seven days ago that Conor McGregor, healthy Conor McGregor, would be off UFC 200, that Nate Diaz would show up to this press conference saying it's Conor or bust for me? Could we have predicted all this? Really? I couldn't have. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to make of it all. Maybe I do need a vacation. It's just madness. John Jones showing up the way, you know, like the way he looked against OSP. Who predicted that? We all thought he was going to win in like, a, like, a, like one round. OSP fighting five rounds with a broken arm. Sage Northcutt battling MRSA with a huge smile on his face. What is going on in this world? I don't know how to make sense of it. I hope, I hope that we helped a little bit. Certainly tried. What a show it has been. Perhaps our most watched show ever. Thank you very much to John Cavanaugh. What a great man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much to the great Dominic Cruz for coming on. Can't wait for UFC 199. Thank you very much to Daniel Cormier and his belts. Even the king of the cage one. Appreciate him coming on as well. How about Alir Latifi in the studio? Got to learn more about the sledgehammer. Maybe he doesn't want me to call him the sledgehammer, but you get the point. How about MVP in studio? Must-see TV MVP. July 16th, back for Bellator and happy trails to the one and only Patty Hulan. Appreciate him coming on as well. Back next week, same time and place. Hopefully nothing crazy happens to you now and then. Until then, I say peace. Somebody out.